desktop, vehicles, figures, all sold separately. May the force be with you. Welcome to the Vintage Rebellion. I'm Stuart Skinner, your host for the show, and you're listening to episode 56, Action Figures Not Included. As always, the, the crew, we're, we're, we're back to our normal four this month. Rich here, our R5-D4 focus collector. It is Dixie Hutchinson. Good evening, Dix. Evening, guys. Now, Rich, Joe, you know what? People, people's collections change. We all change. I, I think about how mine's different from when we started the podcast. And you stated on episode one, you didn't like the packaging. You didn't like it. I listened to it earlier. You didn't like the packaging. It does nothing for you, yet you now have many package pieces. Can you now say, I got it wrong. I do really enjoy the packaging now. No. Can you swallow your pride to say that it, it, it does something for you? No. I do like the Empire Strikes Back in particular, the artwork on things like the NPC model kits and the Dixie boxes, because I like that painted interpretation from artists. I think that's fantastic. The boxes and things, I don't think I've actually got anything boxed anymore, because I've just basically got rid of everything. I'm, I'm a news collector, um, I'm a toy collector. Um, Carter figures, why have I started buying them? Well... I think just basically because they've all been cheap, they've, be, they've been available at the right price, and it's another it's another avenue to go down. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm a I'm certainly not a two day guy. Definitely not. And also here from Afghanistan, he's back on our airwaves. It is Jezebel. Good evening, Jez. Good evening, Stu. Good evening, lads. Good evening, everyone. Jez, only two more shows with you over there, and then you're back. You're back in the UK yeah, for a call. Yeah, so yeah. That's back right. to having sound problems probably with you. <laughs> oh, oh yeah all right then whatever yeah two more shows come on two more months and then i'm home yeah, i look forward to it and finally the 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 big man our, our ray focus collector he is here as well it's peter davis good evening pd weedy hello Stuart. and pete i'm looking forward to hearing your acquisitions of decker again this month i know that it's uh quite i've been tagging you in as much decker as i can but not much pops up i have all my decker now Stuart. it's all done Right, well, we'll look forward to a limelight photo. <laughs> no, I'll have like two pieces, that's enough. Before we get too much into the podcast, I want to go to Jez. Jez, uh, let's call this a moment with Jez. Jez would like to would like to say a few words. Now, he did say this is going to be brief, so um, we'll speak to you oh. all in half an hour. Oh, you guys are funny, aren't you? <laughs> oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> just try not to go on. Right, so first of all, I just want to say a massive thanks to Steve for stepping in for me last month awesome uh it's been great having steve on the podcast and mate thank you so much for stepping up you did a great job i really did there you go that was quick wasn't it so that was the first bit the second bit is i just want to say thanks to the community at large generally because you guys have looked after me so much and me so much thought and consideration whilst i've been here the amount of 
messages. Christmas Day was really the Christmas cards which have come from all over the community, forum, Facebook. It's been lovely and it's been that's been awesome. And the Star Wars Forum UK Secret Centre was just really, really cool. So we'll probably come on to that later on with some new acquisitions. But it was just a very quick thank you. It, it really does help. It really does make a difference when you're out here. And um, yeah, may the force be with you all. My God, how quick was that? Was that only chapter one? Well, yeah, I was about to do something, and it's before I've got off my chair, he's, um, he's finished. <laughs> well, you know, I can, I can go through individual bits and pieces. I'm going to put something on the forum, but you said don't take long, you know, and, and you, I, I just didn't want to take long. But You never listened you know, in the last four years, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> All good, all good then. Right, well, boys, we're going to start with our latest acquisitions this month. So let's go into them. It's January, has been Christmas. Let's see if anyone got much. So let's start with Peely Weedy. Oh, okay. Uh, not that much, really. I think it, uh, I got a few modern items for Christmas, which you obviously don't want to hear about. Um, only a couple of little vintage little bits and pieces, nothing major. I managed to pick up bizarrely, bizarrely from an Amazon dealer, a little uh, French Empire Strikes Back book by Donald F. Glut, uh, which is very nice. It's very French. Um, has all labels on and stuff. Yeah, nice little book. Nice little little novel. Then I managed to get... I don't know why I got this. Well, I think I do know I got it, but I don't know why I got it. It doesn't fit into my focuses. But it's the Presto Magic's Ewok Village kit because... I noticed how oddly saucy Princess Leia was looking because I was a bit um, annoyed. Might come on to this a bit later on another time, but I might as well address it now, Stuart, because I think it's important to address it. Is that um, all the way through all the transfer kits, uh, whether it's Preston Magics or Electro Set or whatever, they never went for Slave Leia. They went, no, no, we're not going to do that. I'm not going to put woman in a bikini. It's disgusting. So we're not doing it. But, um, and they put all sorts of other Princess Leas in, in place. But on the Ewok village, they've got Princess Leia in her Ewok kind of celebration gown. And she's uh, throwing out a bit of fine leg. So she's got one leg covered. She's got her hands over her, her crotch, shall we say. And she's got a naked thigh leg sticking out behind a rock. As if to say, hey, Han Solo, I'm over here, mate. It's, uh, it is the most bizarrely saucy, provocative image, I think, in Star Wars. I'm going to just gonna say that now. That's how provocative it is. So, yeah, that was a bizarre one. And I did get a Princess Leia Slave Leia item, which was a um, Happy Birthday Princess Return the Jedi um, birthday card, which was very nice. And that was off um, the Toys of Tatooine group, which is uh, I don't think I've ever seen that before. I think I've seen it in the uh, Tomarts guide. But, um, yeah, so that goes to my Slave Leia collection. But that's about it, really. I have got an item on the way, but I can't talk about it yet. It would have to stay, stay, stay for next month. But so, yeah, some saucy Lear stuff. Good times. Nice, nice. And no idea what a thigh leg is. Um, thigh. Well, it's but a bit uh, of thigh. And it's a bit of leg. It's not a full leg. And it's not, it, it kind of, it's from the, from the top of the thigh underneath the skirt. It's sticking out. And then it kind of ends just below the knee. So it's a little bit of leg, a little bit of thigh. So I'm calling it thigh leg. <laughs> but it is very naked and it's very odd. And uh, I don't know what she's asking there. And I know what the person who designed it was thinking, to be honest with you. Because it's certainly not a high hand, high loot. Nice to see you again. It's a way, way. Okay. Uh, now let's go over to Jez because, uh, like I said in December's show, he he surprised us all by being at Father Swamp. Although Rich knew, I said to Spoon, there was no way he's not coming. But um, I know for a fact that he bought one thing because I was standing next to him. So Jez, acquisitions. Yes, mate. Yeah. So Father Strong takes me back. Well, I got the Wampa Poo. I think we all got some Wampa Poo, didn't we? Um, poncho. I got I got a um, from Mark Daniels. I got 
the uh, sort of rain jacket poncho, which was, which was great. Really, really lovely. Um, I'll show you that when I get back. And also, Stuart, what do you call them? It's a sun catchers, wasn't it? It's called a make it and bake it kit. Return the gin. It's a sun catcher. Okay. Yeah, so um, those, those are cool. But my, my latest acquisitions, but the secret Santa, which are awesome. Everything was wrapped up in Stormtrooper wrapping paper. Consider it very nice. Um, but I had got an Adam Joseph X-Wing fighter pilot necklace medallion thing, which we've mentioned before a couple of years ago. So, yes, it's still on, a, on his you know, frame. But it's the Adam Joseph X-Pilot. Brilliant. I really like that. Fun products, Chewbacca sticker, Yoda mask, Ben Cooper Yoda mask. It's like a hand towel, but it's uh, R2-D2 and C-3PO, vintage hand towel. And it's the bib company. So, you know, that's a bib as in a, a child with baby's bib. Really nice. And uh, also Return of the Jedi comic, which is the UK edition 98, which came out on the 28th of December 1983 with the Bob Wakeling cover. Really, really great. Um, really, really cool artwork on it with Father Christmas, actually a Darth Vader Father Christmas and a Luke behind him with a package saying from Dad and Han saying from Uncle Darth. Uh, great to see. Really, really good. And I've been that. And uh, there's a quiz in that. Maybe later on I might surprise a couple of you with some quiz questions. Who knows? But yeah, really lovely Secret Santa. Whoever that was, you guys nailed it. And uh, a shout out to Jabba's Court uh, because those guys have uh, squared me away with their cracking cards, which they do, which have been raising loads of money for charity. So that's brilliant. The last one, which I needed to mention, is uh, Michael Sith from the forum. Now, I sent him a message because he was struggling to try and get something in America. And I said, I might be able to help you with that because I've got an American address where I am here in Afghanistan, which means I might be able to get stuff sent to me. Um, to this American address, which could help with customs. Um, anyway, um, Mike then contacted me and said he's got a spare loose Luke X-Wing pilot with a 41-bag palatoy card with a bubble stuck on one side, cut card with the nameplate out with a Hamley sticker on. He said he's got no need for any more, and he was going to send it to me. So that's come out. It looks brilliant. So a 41-bag palatoy Luke X-Wing, um, sort of half semi-resealed. And, uh, and that looks great. So, um, yeah, my little area in my room now with vintage Star Wars looks fantastic. You guys might think I've gone on a bit, but actually that's probably about a quarter, nay, a fifth the time Rich normally drones on for about R5-D4. Like your sounds better while you've been in Afghanistan. I think your, um, your collecting has been as well. <laughs> Will you stop getting on about my sound? My sound in the UK is the best. <laughs> I've got such a nice microphone. But yeah, it's, <laughs> in the last you know four months, my vintage collecting has been brilliant. And I've got a couple of deals that really surprised the whole team. And I'm going to be collecting that in Chicago. And uh, yeah, none of you guys know about this. And I'm really, really looking forward to it. He's so bought a well. skiff. <laughs> you bought a battle wagon after last month's show. He's got a full bender. He's got a full bender. <laughs> He's a bend them anyway, mate. I'm not saying I'm not saying what I've bought, but um, is no, it a Star no. Wars toy, Jazz? Vintage collecting is good. Very good. Rich. I think the difference between us, Jazz, is that I can talk for five minutes about twenty-seven items. You can talk about five minutes with a, a plastic peg. Anyway, with celebration coming up, obviously just after Christmas, I have to slow down a little bit. So I've got two more or five Yuppie figures, which I'm just really pleased to pick up from Adam Marks. So I've got a green one. And a pink one. 
So I just need the blue and the black and then that's my UP collection collect, uh, complete and I have one of those arriving for next month but I'm not going to tell you if it's a blue or the black one yet. I've also picked up a Meccano Liberatura du Jedi or however it's pronounced card back. So really pleased with that. That'll do until I can eventually get a carded item. Still kicking myself about that one on Vectus a few years back. Really delighted to knock off one of my Christmas wish lists already, which was the loose A-wing. So that's my ships and vehicles collection completely finished. No more to get of them. So delighted to have that loose A-wing. So huge shout out to Lee Harris for sorting uh, the deal out for that one. I've got a 77 back biker scout that just arrived this morning, carded, so I'm pleased with that. And a 31 back Lando Calrissian, so my Empire Strikes Back card back collection seems to be grown quite a lot. I don't have too many many of those to get before I'm finished. The last item is the one that I'm especially proud to have. So this is from Jason Langendorfer. And as we were talking about the Battle Wagon in the last month's show, I'd forgotten that mine was incomplete and I had to go and check it. And then I think I remember saying actually it didn't have the ladder on the Battle Wagon when I bought it, but I managed to acquire a ladder a year, maybe 80 months ago. And I never actually bothered tracking down the cage. And Pete was talking about the cage on eBay and he said, look, they're there for like 50 quid and stuff like that. And I was going, oh, really, I didn't want to be paying anywhere near that amount of money for one. And then it's out the blue, Jason Langendorf I posted on his Facebook page or on one of the groups that he picked up in Ewok Village and he had a cup, he had two photographs of a cage and I went, oh, you know, fantastic, you know, if you ever, in fact, I don't even think I actually offered to buy it, I just said, you know, I, I need a cage, um, something along those lines, it was good timing. And then he PM'd me and said he was going to send it. It was free of charge, including no postage. And I couldn't believe it. Absolutely delighted. So so cheers, Jason. And that's now proudly sitting next to my Ewok Battle Wagon. And now it's absolutely complete as well. So uh, massive um, shout out to Jason Langendorfer. Seahawks from the forum. Truly appreciated. And if I can reciprocate it the other way, I will do. Obviously, because it was Secret Santa, I've got an absolute amazing Secret Santa you know, thank you very much whoever bought me this. So I got a, an MPC model kit, Darth Vader, which I was absolutely delighted with. I also got a jigsaw, and it's one of the, I can't remember the name of the brand now, maybe Waddington's or something like that. One of the Stormtroopers with the speeder arriving, and some nice Star Wars socks as well. And I've also got, I forgot about this, a sealed set of Dixie Cups, Return the Jedi Dixie Cups, the ones with Jabba and Slave Leia on the front. So that's, that's my spending done, and that's me complete. Oh, really, really good month this month. Uh, Rich, when you say um, it's complete, yep. your vehicle collection, does that mean everything's complete? Every part is on every ship? Yes. Oh, well done. Have you got a Sonic Controlled Land Speeder? Ah, right. I see you've seen there now. Yeah, I'm still miss uh, Sonic Controlled Land Speeder. Yes, I have. Yes. Hold well on. I was just wondering, it, it, parts-wise, I know you just said you've got the ladder for the Wii Walk Battle Wagon and whatnot, yeah, but uh -huh. everything's uh, fully full functioning. Yeah, there's only one item, well, two items that I've got that are incomplete. One is me Jabba's Dungeon. We're still missing the brand and iron. I've been asking, you know, these Wanted Wednesdays and things. I've been asking for one of them for, for years now. And loads of people said, oh, yeah, I've got one, but it's never materialised. So if anyone's got a brand and iron for the Jabba's playset, I'm after one of them. And the Obi-Wan Saver to complete the 12-inch collections. You know, just uh, some tool a long time ago said he had one, but uh, that, that's not materialised either. What about you, Stu? Yes, so um, my Secret Santa, brilliant Secret Santa, he sent me a Stormtrooper T-shirt with, like, the body, so my head looks like it's on the body, which is a... Very comical. A couple of Presto Magic kits, which I've put into my, my shop display. So that's starting to build up. 
and he sent me a loose Chewbacca, which was very lovely. That's, you know, I'm doing my loose collection again. I only added a couple more on top of Chewy this month. I added Leia because obviously she's had a bit of a premium. Definitely come down in price. Uh, 65, that one, which she was over 100 quid, wasn't she? Not that many months ago. And an Atat driver, which were lovely. I picked up a boxed Return of the Jedi Palatoy ATST. It's completely ATST is lovely. That's what I really got it for. But I quite like the, the black and white Palatoy logo on the box as well. So I added that. Uh, I bought an Imperial Dignitary Tri logo for my um, my purple collection. Loving that. And my best best this month, like Richard just said, something off his Christmas list. Well, I have two. So as you all know, for the last couple of years, I've been looking for that final Amora mustard glass from France. And I went on Beyond the Toys and just put an advert on saying, look, I need this last glass. Anyone got it? And Matteo Bartholomew came through and he gave it to me for just the postage costs so massive massive thank you to him that's my set complete they look amazing love them so i now want the german mustard glasses if anyone has got them i think there's five of them so yeah all in all a good month happy so well done boys nice to hear everyone's um very much involved let's go on to a, a celebration update there's a party going on right here a celebration to last throughout the years So I've been meaning to do this for a few months, but we're going to start to get some information out. Obviously, we're only our March episode will be be late because we're waiting for Jess to come back to the UK before we record it. So that will be out very late to the month. So we're only having before celebration now, January, February and March. So we will give you updates of things that have happened. So first of all, let's, it's when we're of day of recording is 82 days until that first day of the event. This show's probably not going to be out for 10 days. so It's probably going to be closer to 72 days when uh, we are listening to this so all good there but so first of all tickets i had a look at the ticket situation today and uh, thursday friday saturday and sunday are now all sold out you can only get tickets for the monday does anyone know how many people mccormick place holds roughly i believe it's massive it's massive Sixty thousand was what i was yeah i'd saw a quarter somewhere but it, it depends on how much of it they're using though doesn't it so yeah, all of it, not all of it by a long stretch. It's a huge place. But whatever it is, it's still going to be holding a fair amount for that event. And so to be sold out for four days of the five, I can't see the Monday selling out because of of the fight, you know, being the final day. I'm sure a lot of people will jet out on that day. But um, yeah, found that quite interesting that if you want to go now, you're looking at the secondary market. So, uh, yeah, very interesting. On Thursday, the 11th, the archive party hosted by our friends over at the Kivecast. Uh, now, that is all announced now. The tickets actually go on sale tomorrow, so when this podcast is out, the more expensive branded tickets will already be released. Now, if you want more details of the Archive Party, go and check out their blog log, which is their episode 10. Um, from about 27 minutes on, you will find all the details of this month's Archive Party. Now, uh, you three have all, all attended the Archive Party. Any any highlights from that? Just why it's worth doing it for anyone that wants is is Amon and Aaron? I just want to say, Stu, before you move on to that, um, if you're listening to the blog log pod, in the last, I think it's the last three minutes or so, um, Sky puts out a warning message, only go and listen to it. But w- what he's put in there is a secret code that you've got to listen to so many times, 
and then you'll get a secret code which will help you at the archive party okay so make sure you listen to the last three minutes multiple times okay and then when you've done it and you think you've got the code send an email to sky or message them on facebook to say we'll know what the code is but yeah archive party great fun um great friends lots of games to play um phone pies at sky i mean what more what more do you need um and we were at the one where there was a wedding you know as i say if people phone across the pies sky raising lots of money and it's, it's it's just all good fun and there's going to be lots of food at this one there was a, there was a wedding it's, it's an, an official wedding. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I know what a bloody wedding is, mate. But an official wedding. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Wasn't Sky doing this? No, Sky didn't. No, Sky didn't officiate the wedding. No. I, I, I can't remember because there was definitely a sort of wedding at Sam Sweets thing. It's a celebration, but yeah, definitely some sort of wedding or, or something or other. But it, it, you get the who's who of vintage collecting there. You get a, a mix. It's generally uh, really upbeat, good uh, good banter, and uh, lots of faces who you may not have seen for a while, and, and you guys as well. I mean, there was one I can't remember. I think it must have been Anaheim when there was some Kenner uh, former Kenner employees there, and uh, just chatting to people. It's good vibe, good, fun, and uh, definitely worth it. You get a few people rocking up in cosplay. Uh, Rich, can you remember there was awesome hammerheads and and um, a young girl dressed as Princess Leia, best being in vintage figure, and some strange Italian with an ironing board. Brilliant, brilliant. So that is on the 11th, and if you want the more details of that, honestly, go and check out episode 10 of their blog log. Also, some of the hosts have been announced for the stages. We've got uh, Warwick Davis. I think he's done the last couple anyway. Amy Ratcliffe, David Collins. Gus Lopez and uh, our Brit, a friend of uh, a friend of the show, and obviously fan for tracks man Mark Newbold is one of the hosts. So guests, not much too announced yet. There is the cast of Resistance are going to be in attendance, if anyone's into that in a moment. And there's a few authors announced, uh, including Timothy Zahn. So Rich, you can get your books signed while you're out there. And also see Rancho Obi Wan, of course, with Steve Sanswick. That's also confirmed for the event. Now I believe in Orlando, he set up. Uh, a kids style bedroom back from the 70s 80s which i remember when you boys came back was a bit of a highlight i think you all said that that was um, a pretty awesome display so looking forward to seeing what what he comes up with this month as uh, this year as well so yeah so it all sounds pretty good at the moment doesn't it it does and uh, there's also that the ic meetup has also been announced as well the imperial commissary uh, mike havens and that's going to be incredibly popular and that's on the Friday, the day after the archive party. So if you're looking for something to do on Friday early evening before the room seals kick in, uh, that's the place to be. Obviously, the collecting track, uh, I noticed that just shut for applications as well in the last week. And I'm sure once that's announced, Rich, you'll probably cover that in March's RB, would be my guess, yeah? Yeah, always good fun, those. Yeah, so, um, yeah, look out for that in a later show right moving on boys um want to move on to just a small topic something that came up on star wars forum and it was about uh, what do you do when a bubble gets damaged in the post you know the way bubbles are they're getting older the packing um you know this is this is sadly is going to happen and uh, jabber wookie jay off star wars forum he had bought uh, a mock on echo and when it turned up, the bubble had cracked, which wasn't initially on there. He didn't blame the, the seller at all. He said the packaging was very good. But it comes down to what happens. What 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 is the protocol with this? Do you return it expecting a full refund? Do you accept this happens and the mocks, this is going to happen to the bubbles in transit? 
Um, I just want to know, boys, what what you think the situation is with this, because it's not just cracking bubbles. Some of these bubbles, we've seen figures popping straight through the bubbles. So generally, what, what do we feel is the protocol when when you so if you receive the mock with a crack on it, would you ex- expect a, a full refund if it wasn't as described or as bought? Yeah, I, I, I mean, for me personally, if it got damaged, I'd be I'd be annoyed and I'd want I'd, I'd be happy to send it back. I wouldn't want to keep it unless it was, you know, like a really low grade mock. I didn't really care for. But I think if I if I wanted a, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd be miffed. I think I mean, how on earth does this happen? I mean, I guess it's impossible to secure a figure. I mean, what was it? A Death Star droid, wasn't it? A Death Star droid? It was a Death Star droid, and he'd got. I mean, in fairness, he'd got a really good price on the Death Star droid, and it it was stunning. So yeah, you've got. I mean, he's got a nice pointy kind of head, so it's gonna, it's gonna go bounding up and down. But it this was a, on the um, on the looking at the card was on the right hand side of the bubble, so where more where his arm would be, where it's got cracked. Yeah, it's a bit strange, but I must have taken some massive hit. I, I don't know what we can do. I mean, unless you put a lot of uh, absorption in there. Uh, there's not much you can do because if if some little I mean we've seen curries haven't we throwing boxes around and back of factories, so if someone does that to you you've got no chance no matter how well it's packed it could be packed in a ironclad case. Um, if someone throws it around that figure inside is going to go moving. So oh, I don't know I think it was something, it was something really nice like that was it uh, a Star Wars card wasn't it so uh, I don't know hand it to you <laughs> don't send it in the post. That's the sad thing, isn't it? This was um, it's a, night, a beautiful 20 back on a Star Wars card. And like I said, Jay, I think he stated that it was well packaged. This isn't a, a case of someone sending something and they've just chucked it in a box. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, banging around. The point is, the point is, you, know, you risk it every time you do it because you can't stop the figure inside being moved. Because, it, you know, unless you're in the bubble, obviously, you're not going to do that. But there's nothing you can do. So. Oh, I don't know. Does it? I mean, how far away from each other can they have met up, <laughs> a cup of tea with each other? Maybe that's something we promote. Um, you know, meeting up, have a cup of tea with each other, and moving away. I mean, like Ben, Ben didn't Ben travel to Ben Kuma travel to France to pick up a, a mock once at a nice little day out. Amsterdam, yeah, Amsterdam, to the so. airport, yeah, and um, that might be something we, with a bloke, yeah, and then came back. That might be something we, re- we recommend in the future, especially if we're in the same country, because oh, just, oh, I just I, I would I, I would wait until. For something like that, I would wait until like a you know a father's from or a, an echo event, and then go meet the person because I wouldn't send in the post. Rich, wouldn't wouldn't you say that this is um, unfortunate circumstances? You know, I'm, I'm going to put the price out there because it, it's on the thread. So he got, a, I think, a very very cheap deal for a Death Star droid on a twenty pack. He only paid two hundred and twenty pound, and it was lovely, a lovely condition um, to find something. A Death Star droid on that card, I, I think uh, that's on the cheap side. Would the crack hasn't crack cracked? It's, it is a it's a hairline crack down the right. Would you accept more of a partial refund and say and try to find a, a bit of you know solid ground in the middle between the two of you? Oh yeah, without a doubt. I think in that kind of situation, um, you would be looking at probably around about the fifty percent mark as a reduction, maybe a touch more depending on. I I looked at the crack and I thought if it was me, I would have have accepted a partial refund of maybe somewhere between a third and 50%. If it was a, a proper crack and the bubble had, as in the figure could almost be removed, then I would just send it back and say it's worth the loose card back, the, the figure, and that's it. Um, so I'll say that. But I'm going to put a span on the works here, Stu, right? So as you know, many people in the UK, um, we have to pay the import fees. In a different situation, 
if this item was being shipped from the states and then you asked them to mark it as gift and valued at $15 and it arrived with the crack, then what about they? Would you yes. still see it to seller's responsibility? That is uh, it's an interesting point because I do always think it is the seller's responsibility. If you purchase something, anything outside of Star Wars, if you purchase something, to me, it is the seller's responsibility to get that item to you as purchased. But if you've gone and you've, you're being a cheapskate, if you've spent that sort of money and you've gone, I'll gift it, do this, do that, then and you force them into a way that they probably wouldn't want to send it. No, I, I think that does take away the um, the liability of the seller. Yeah, I would I do think that changes things. I totally agree because we would pay, what, on £220, you pay £8 handling fee together with 20% of the £220. So what's that, another £44? So, so we would pay £52 in fees on that item. But if it arrived damaged, the seller couldn't claim back on the postage because they've marked it as gift for you. I think you've you've waived all your rights in that kind of situation myself personally. I think you're right as well because if you, it's then not fully insured either. So if he did get broken in transit, the seller can get the item back and refund and then he can actually turn around and then make a claim. But if he's done that and it's £20, I think for Hermes, for example, their bog standard insurance is 20 quid. So everything becomes reduced then. I, I think then that is on the buyer. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, <clears throat> I've lost my train of thought. I think, you just run out of things to say for me, haven't you? You're like, oh, I want to include Jez, but I can't think of anything to say. Not at all, Jez, not at all. Um, the, the, the good thing about this story is I think the bloke was very amicable that he bought it off and he did get a full refund. What I'd like to say, though, mate, is just for that, um, maybe possibly one additional listener, which we've had since Christmas, who might be relatively new to the hobby, I might need to translate some of the lingo which you guys have been freely using and a term which a lot of people hate, which is mock. So, um, yeah, we're talking, as you as I went on to say, the 20 pound card, did mint on card, mock, mint on card, Star Wars figure. So it was mint. You're absolutely right. It looked gorgeous. Now, he had set his heart on this and was really, really looking forward to getting it. He did get offered 50% off. So obviously the, the seller then said, I'll let you have it for 110, which to me, I think that's incredible. Even with that hairline crack or that say it farthest from for 110 pound with that very fine crack i'd be uh, yeah absolutely and and i think possibly he would have been as well but the fact is it was the disappointment which comes with you know build, building it up and thinking oh yeah i've got a really really good deal here and then and just being disappointed when you uh when you unwrap it so uh, yeah real sad sad tale but i would have taken it like rich so would i and if the seller's listening 110 i'm i'm here just tap me up yeah definitely <laughs> all over that but it, it was it was a good story the seller was no qualms with it he refunded it he's got it back it's just a, a shame that such a beautiful beautiful mint on card is now not so a mint on card but hey boys it seems a lot lot more cheerier cheerier this month not having to call people out or do anything so let's let's take it down a level let's have a quiz hosted by rich yeah how is that court case going to <laughs> yeah oh you wait you wait a feedback yeah got, got a bit of a got a few follow-ups on that oh <laughs> including some personal messages to me rich so guys as jez said in the intro thanks for steve for everything that he's done over the last two episodes and stepping in um, especially over the last two shows for the quiz uh, they were very warmly received but new year it's back to me so i had to get my thinking hat on what can we do? So Steve has done Mastermind and, you know, Jess has done Blockbusters, various other things. 
So it was quite a tough thinking of something. Part of the reasons why it's so tough is obviously because of Jez's delay. And on top of that, he's also got a poor internet connection. We've also got problems with Stu being a frequent Googler. And Pete, who, let's face it, is only here because the bingo holes are shut. So trying to come up with something that should meet all of the criteria of a fun and interesting quiz and give each of you a little challenge has been pretty tough. So I've come up with something here tonight. Three teams. Team one is Jez. Team two is Stu. Team three is Pete. Okay, so you're in your teams. And there are going to be three questions and one point for each answer. Now, each question has multiple answers and it's a winner-take-all, okay? And it's going to be in a round-robin format. So, for example, question one will start and I'll go Jez, Stu, Pete, Jez, Stu, Pete, Jez, Stu, Pete until I get bored or you get all of the answers and you get one point for each answer that you give me. Okay, is that clear? Good. Roger, Roger. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Rich, can okay. I, before we go on, what, yeah. what's a, what's a gooholy? A googly, that's what you do when we're doing quizzes. It's when you're scratching your nads and you're browsing at the same time. <coughs> right. You're a bitter loser. Are you really a bitter loser? That's Jez. Are you on minus one now, right? Okay. That'll take. Hold on, I'm going to change my scores here. So Jez is... No, actually, I'm going to do it that way. Jez, you've got one point for being quiet. Stu, you're on zero. And Pete's on one point as well. That's only point on game. No, 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 no. This is this is not a difficult one. Okay, so question one. So starting off with Jez, and then we'll just go round robin until we get bored. Now, name all of the characters. But Jez, I just want one. Okay. Yeah. Name all of the characters whose card backs have alternative artwork. Now that's not including nameplate changes, and there are okay. nine possible answers. Go for one, Jez. Chewbacca. Chewbacca, correct. Stu, next. Uh, Yoda. Yoda, correct. Pete. Ooh, uh, Leah Bespin. Leah Bespin, correct. Hey. Back to Jez. Darth Vader. Correct. Back to Stu. Uh, Attack Driver. Incorrect. Wait there, wait there. No, it isn't. His chest plate disappears on the tri logo. Thank you. No, you're not getting that. Pete. Well, it's different. How is that not different? I'm going to take your point off. You don't shut up. Pete. <laughs> Oh, I can't remember what we got. Um, oh, um, uh, um, uh, 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 don't know. Um, Stormtrooper, I don't know. Nope, Stormtrooper is incorrect. Back to Jez. Uh, Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker is correct. Jez is flying. He has, not he? Stu? Well, I don't know how this works now. So I'm going to say TIE Pilot, but is that not accepted either? Of course it's not, man. I'm on about alternative car back, man, not stupid little fiddly things. Pete? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, ben Kenobi. No idea. Yep. Ooh, ben Kenobi wait, is there. his lightsaber just changes. No, he's got this no, completely no, different he shot. Faces, he goes 180. He changes yeah. 180 degrees. He does. Thank you. Picture. Thank you, Jed. It's not, it's not the same picture. It's completely different. Jed, it's great guess. Um, walk in uh, Luke Bespin. Luke so Bespin is Luke correct Bespin. as well. Yeah, Luke Bespin's completely different. Back to Stu, I believe, now. Yeah, Stu. It's me, is it? Um, Han Solo. Han Solo's correct. There's a completely different Han Solo. Pete? Oh, I can't even think of a thing. Um, I don't know. Snaggletooth. No idea. No, no Snaggletooth. Last time round, there's only one car back still to find. Okay, Jez? Yeah. Um, uh, hang on. Um, it's not Greedo. 
Hurry up. I thought it was just a quick thing. Uh, Greedo. Uh, no, no, no Greedo. It's Joe. <laughs> uh, Luke Bespin. That's already been said. That. Pete. <laughs> a hand Bespin. Nope. Ooh. Okay, Ooh. unfortunately, um, the one that you didn't get, nope, moving on to the last time round, it was Boba Fett. So, oh. round one, round one sees Jez on five, Pete on three, and Stu on two. Okay, so that was pretty good, lads. Okay, on to question two. Same kind of format. This time I'll start with Stu. For those with frugal parents, can I make it possible to acquire many items which were free by sending off pops? What free items were advertised on card backs? Now, be careful. It must state free. Some required pops or proofs of purchase and dollars. They do not count because they're not free. Stickers that are applied to card backs do count, however. Okay, and there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven items that you can get. So, starting off with Stu, go. Um, Admiral Akbar. Admiral Akbar is correct. Pete. Forlom. Forlom is correct. Jez. Oh, I was going to say Forlom. Anakin. Anakin is correct. Uh, nine num. Nine num is correct. Pete. Uh, well, I thought I already said. Um, what about that activity? No, the uh, survival thingy. I'm gonna give you that. Okay, so that's you up to five. That is the action figure survival kit you were that's talking about. Yep. Yeah. Back to Jez. Dengar. Dengar is incorrect. Uh, Stu. Uh, uh. Um, Emperor. Emperor is correct. Of course. Pete. Um, um, coins? Coin? Free coin? Yes, I'm going to give you that. Now, the reason why I'm giving you coins is it's only one coin, but it does say any from the selection of the 62. So, oh. in theory, coins is correct. Coins. You're missing one, two, three. Okay, so up to Jez, I think. Jez. Um, I, well, you gave coins. Would you give Bounty Hunters? Bounty Hunter? Right, there's more than one, so I'm not going to give you it, but I'll let you go again. Oh, okay. Uh, Bosk? Bosk is correct, which was the secret action figure, so that puts you up one point. Do you? The um, ESB display stand? Yes, I'm going to give you that. Okay, the action figure stand. Yeah. You know what, I think you were thinking of the other one there, weren't you? No, the ESB one, the one that's shaped like an L. The one that's shaped like an L. Oh, well, in that case, then you're not getting that one because <laughs> that actually came with, that actually came, uh, with $2 as well. That was the red herring, so I'm going to knock your point back off. So, Pete, I'm all just giving you an answer there. Do you want to go for it or think of something else? Uh, well, I don't know. How many of those are there? Or was that two. it? You're missing two. Um, is, is it, I said Boba Fett. Boba Fett, correct. Hey. <laughs> Uh, right, there's only one item left. Oh no, Jez, I'll have two goes. Jez, go, you can have a shot. Um, that one, Stu just said, but the other, the L shape. <laughs> Which one? What is it called? Hooray! <laughs> action figure display stand thing. Correct, the action figure display stand. Which is can I have a guess at the last one? Is it? No, that was the last one. That's it, done. Oh, right. Okay. okay, so, round two. Actually, it's getting very, very tight. We've got Jez still in the lead on eight. We've got Pete in second on seven. And we've got Stu on five. You always know it's a um, really poor quiz when Jesse wins. 
know what I mean a poor quiz. What I mean is that an easy is, quiz. Right, <laughs> Jez is now going up by another point, and Pete's going up by another point as well. It's a great right. quiz. Brilliant quiz. Mark here. Question three. Now, this one might be a little tough. The action figure display arena, or as Stu lovely calls it, the L-shaped thing, came with eight different backdrops which depicted scenes from A New Hope or Empire Strikes Back. Now, three scenes were from A New Hope, five were from Empire Strikes Back. Now, I'm going to give you one point if you're close, and I sort of get what you're trying to say. Two points for being absolutely spot on, okay? So, Pete, three from A New Hope, five from Empire. Think of the key iconic scenes. There are eight to get. Off you go, Pete. I have no idea what you're even talking about, but I'm just going to say Hoth. Need more than that. Yeah, I need a bit more than Hoth. What on Hoth? Battle on Hoth. The Battle on Hoth. Mm, right, I'll give you one point for that. It's a bit weak. The Atat fighting the snow speeder on Hoth was what I would have wanted for the two points. Oh, that's a so, battle, isn't it? Yeah, Jez? Dagobah? Was it Dagobah Swamp? That's there... enough for one point. Yoda's, I'll give you one. Yoda's, Yoda's dwelling, you know? Yoda's keep Swamp. guessing, can he? <laughs> yeah, but I, it's, there's, not, there's not many things in Dagobah, to be fair, really. Yeah, you've so. got one point for that. If you had to said Diego, uh, Yoda... Um, looking out over every swamp, I would have given you the two, but you got one point for that, Stu. Uh, the asteroid chase. Asteroid chase, yep, I'm going to get two points for that, so that's you up on that one. Asteroid Googling. chase. Okay, back to, I'm not Googling. Back to Pete. I still don't know what we're talking about, but uh, I would think there'd probably be a um, Death Star battle, so inside the Death Star hangar. I'm. Come on, Rich. Either, it's whether it's a one-point or a two-point answer. Oh, I'm going to give you one point. If you That'll had said the Falcon in the Death Star hangar um, with Stormtroopers outside on parade, I would have given you the two I'm points. I'm going to detail you one. I'm, no, going, to but give, yeah. I'm going to get you there. Okay, I'll put you in joint lead now. Jez? Oh, oh, oh. Um, the Homestead. Luke Skywalker, Lars Homestead. You know, all that sort of loveliness with, you know, droids and twins. And stuff. Uh, now you're talking about the whole movie here, so I need you to narrow it down a little bit because I'm de- deciding whether to give you one or two points. Okay, Tatooine scene with Luke's dwelling. I'm I can nope. give you more nope. again. I'm not, nope. I'm not giving you anything on that one. Nope, Stu. I'm surprised you've gone um, a new hope already. Um, I'm gonna guess that's been the. The where the falcon lands, the gantry. Right, that's a perfect two-point answer. The falcon arriving on Bespin. So uh, two, uh, two point, two perfect two pointers in a row from Stu. I'm not googling Skinner. <laughs> can I be honest with you, Jez? I'm not. It's not. It's not called googling, mate. I've got one behind me set up. <laughs> but I haven't got. I've only got. I've only got two Brilliant. backdrops. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Um, right, okay, I'm, I'm going to take that into account if there's a tie break. Wait a minute, okay. how's that, how that my fault? It's not my fault you asked a question which is in the same room. Close as your me. eyes. I'll tell you what, next Close time, mate, next time there's a quiz, I'll empty my room out, okay? Yeah, do that. Yeah, okay, that sounds fair. Right, Pete, there are two from A New Hope, so two key scenes in A New Hope, and one from Empire still to find. I have to think, what would Empire one be? I, um. 
What, what is this thing again? What's it called again? Right, so it's the action display stand. That's the the four pieces that are L-shaped, the white the white blocks, and they've got little backdrops that sit in the back of them. Oh no! I don't. Um, I'm going to say um, because it's quite iconic. It just feature lots of things. Um, a, a sort of Tie Fighter with a X-wing fighter um, in no, space. Yeah, would be. Uh, yeah, that's surprising. But nope, there's nothing like that at all. Back to Jez. Okay, I've definitely got a couple of good ones here. I think I'm going to win this. Um, Cantina. Got to be a cantina. No, there's no. no. You're right. There should be, but there's no. not. Yeah. No, not I've changed shoot. my mind. I did say no. I did say no before you um, said no. Let me just have a think. Oh, I don't suppose it. the um. Let's go to a new hype. I don't suppose the trash compactor's in there. The trash compactor is there, so that's another two point answer. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that one gone, and so we're looking for one scene, one uh-huh. scene from a new hope, and one from Empire. Jez was so close, not too long ago, about the new hope scene. Oh, what did he, I can't remember what he said. Well, he basically said? described the first 20 minutes of the movie, but it's oh, one okay. part. One part. Uh, let's just wait for Jews <laughs> and nail it somehow. Is it, is it um, the Jawa Sandcrawler scene? I'm going to get two points for that. It's oh, the, yeah. It's the Jabba's selling the droids to own outside the Sandcrawler. Oh, yeah. Okay, <laughs> now. Hang on. Hang on. As, I mean, as, yeah, on. but you, you, you said 20 things, Jez. Right. Now, as luck would have it, <laughs> as luck would have it, it's a, it's now anybody who gets the last answer is going to win. Um, okay. one answer left. Who did I start this one with, Pete? It's my so, turn. It's, my Pete, turn. it's Jez's turn, and then Stu, and then you're going to have one more go each. There's I will just say, team. I haven't got the last one on my thing. Um, which film's it from, Rich? It's from Empire. Empire it's one scene from Empire. It's, so go, Jez. Is it? Is it an iconic scene between Darth and Luke on Cloud City? Oh fighting? my God, no! Right, Stu. <laughs> oh! He's so hard. Um, I'm gonna guess, and this is a guess now because I'm I'm out. Is it Carbonite Chamber? Not not the Carbonite Chamber. Okay, Pete, your last guess. If you get this, oh. you win. You win the is quiz. Is it? Is it like um, in that lovely room where Lando and Leia and Chewbacca are waiting it for Lando? It oh. is not. But Pete, you were in the lead at the moment with 12 points. So what? that's a jazz. Oh, I'm going to go back to Echo Base. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, really he's just are. making up Did man. I already say Echo Base? Did I say Echo Base earlier on? No, I don't think did. I, say... I don't no, think did. Okay, in that case, I am going to say Echo Base inside Echo Bay with hangars and aircraft and stuff. It's not, Jez. I'm really, really sorry about that. And Stu? Um, to win I'm the gonna, quiz? I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm going to guess the Wampa Cave. It's the only thing I can think of that's left. It's not the Wampa Cave. Oh so goodness. before we reveal the final answer... Hang on a minute. Let me have a go. Okay. Um, no, you've had, you've, you, <laughs> you, you, you went first. You, started, you went first. I know, but let me have another go anyway. Right, fine. okay, stop there. Then I'm just going to give you the points first and then you can have one more round each. So at the moment, we've got Pete in the lead on 12, Stu on second with 11, with two very ropey answers, and I Jez on 10. So Jez has gone from first to last. <laughs> yeah, because of because of some hardcore cheating. Yeah. It's not cheating. How is that cheating if he's next to me? He's cheating. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you can't really tell that away from him if he's got it. <laughs> I said the homestead. I said Lars Homestead with the droids and this and the other. But he's not in the homestead, is he? And then you said binary sunset and you said this and you said that. And you said the great pit of Carcoon. You said the crate dragon. You know, I've got, I've got, got an idea. Got down. Idea. Okay. I've got an idea. Right. Um, is it on the medical frigate looking out into space? 
Well done, Pete. Two Wait, point really? answer. Yes, it is indeed. I was just really? Say that. Oh yeah. It I won't is. accuse you of googling, Pete, because I, I have, think you've got I no, have, and I believe you. No idea what this thing is. I still haven't got any idea what it is. I was going to Google. <laughs> I couldn't find it because I should get was. one though, because you're an ESP. What is? What is it? It's a display stand. Yeah, but what's it oh, called? Okay. The, plas- uh, the, yeah, the white plastic things which click together. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. What's it called? It, it's called the Action Figure Display Arena. So you can it's Google that bad. whilst I'm giving you the scores. Yes. So um, in... Quizmaster. Quizmaster. No, no, not oh, the So in third Quiz. position was Jez with 10 points, mm. but mm. each of those points were hard fought and well won. Stu <laughs> in second <laughs> place with 11 points, although four of those points were... Very unfair and unjust. Six. And six Pete, Pete was the believe... winner on that points. Yeah. Well done, Pete. I can't. Hey, um, oh, that thing? I, yeah. I'd like to point out that the first round I won based on not. Correct. Orange, I'll give you that. And Can I also just point out guesswork? Can I also point out something? My my mouthing off gave you two two points each. <laughs> so without that, I would have won. <laughs> okay, just pointing that out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should know how to keep your gob shut, not yeah. just on this podcast, on last month's Actually, well. you wouldn't have won, More on you wouldn't have won, because Pete was actually three points clear, so Pete... Oh, yeah! I genuinely won a quiz! Right, have, you found, have you found out about Display Arena? Yeah, 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 I know what yeah, it is. I know what it is now, and, and yeah. Stu, those, at all. Stu, those backdrops are reversible, so you actually have four backdrops. Oh, that's pretty cool. Hi. Uh, no, Rich, no, I haven't uh, got. Uh, well, the thing I bought, Rich didn't have all of them with it. How many backdrops has it got with it? Just two, he said, right? Yeah, they're double sided, aren't they? So yeah. it's got two, but oh, what I mean is, I'm, I'm missing two of them, so there's four of them I haven't got in here. Yeah, that's kind of like what I've just said. Honestly, having now seen it, I don't really want it. <laughs> there's nothing. Oh, there. no, it's quite nice for displaying your Empire figures. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. Mm-hmm. But I've got no, an old listeners, and and you can pick them up. No, what I have to put up with. Do you know that? Uh, do you know that that, that free that base I got for a quid? The Hoth base from uh, we went to Fax. I use yes. that for my empire figures. That's yeah. a really nice little display piece. Okay, let's go over to Rebel Briefings before um before Jez pipes up again. the goodies collecting the dna of bib fortuna top loading bubble protectors the rebel base is on the moon on the far side we are preparing to orbit the planet a rich catching up on the goodies there's a blast from the past i, th- I think it was uh, off the telly before mine and yours time but um jez would remember it so you do, goody, goody, yum, yum, and all that. But actually, Stu, before we start the revolution, something's just happened in the last half hour or so, hasn't it? It has. Now, we just mentioned during our celebration update about the archive party. And in that short period of time from recording that section to this section, it has sold out. So incredibly, they have sold all of their 200 tickets at the full cost. So fantastic for the charity. 
fantastic for those that are going. Have a great night. I, I bet you they're absolutely blown away. I don't think any of the previous ones have sold out quite like that, have they? No, they haven't, but that's not to say that you shouldn't listen to the last three minutes of the blog log pod because there could still be a hidden code in there or a hidden message, so you've still got to put that on repeated listen. Yeah, do that, yeah. <laughs> it was Richard's or, recommendation. Or the, keep, keep it on the Facebook groups or eBay because you never know, there could be some which are then available on the open market for face value because no profit, it all has to go to the charity or any profit goes to the charity and you know the, so it might not be over if someone's after one they could still maybe get one yeah good point jez no scalping no scalping okay guys so on to rebel briefings in uh the first topic i'm going to cover and it's because i feel absolutely awful when i get up in the morning and we have i mean probably all of us are the same we have loads and loads and loads of tags on facebook and you know, virtually every tag is like, oh, yeah, that's a great story, that's a great story, that's a great story. And we'll just get so many of them that we just can't cover them all. Or usually what happens, we'll just wrap up an episode and then we're going to release one in the next week. And then, boom, there's a fantastic variant or a, a great find or something like that straight away. So I thought we'll just start off with a brief for the first one of the year. Just going over some of the, our highlights of things that we've been tagged in over the last month probably six weeks maximum so the first one i want to start off with is another c3po variant and this one was found by bill cable so if you remember bill cable is the king of the golden rods and he recently updated creaturecantina.com with as just said there another variant went on call of c3po that he didn't already own so this one is a 48b so a 48B is one which has the Akbar offer sticker on it. But Jez, I thought Bill already owned a 48B. So what's so special about the one that he's just bought? Rich, I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed reading this one. It is kind of really special. And I think the best thing for me to do, if you don't mind, and, and tell me if you do, is just to read out exactly what Bill's put. Now, I don't like normally doing this, but... I started reading it and thinking, oh, right, what's he got? What's he got? And I wanted, I, my mind was racing ahead. And I was thinking, oh, right, you know, has he got this or has he got that? Uh, and so he, he got this. He won it on Christmas Day. And, and he says on his website, it's an ESB 48B, exactly what he said, which is a 48A with the Akbar sticker attached on the reverse. He said he already owns a 45B in cherry condition with a clear bubble and probably for 15 years. So why has he got this one? Yeah, it's another variant. Card bank? No, it's exactly the same. But what's the variant? It's trailless. And it made me just say, what? And then, yeah, instantly thought, yeah, these figures, figures lay down in trays, and some of them in particular Return of a Jedi ones. And it goes on to say, removable limbs 3PO is often available in both a package with an inner tray and a package with no inner tray in cardboard footer. I mean, that, is taking it to the extremes. That is a focus collector there who loves, just loves the detail. And he said over the years, he's collected a few different parents like that. It's not something he rigorously pursues, but it's nice when he stumbles across a new one. He said he's actually seen a few of these on eBay recently, uh, but yellow bubbles, and they go for way more than he'd like to pay. But this one was just right. And it it ended on Christmas Day, so maybe it's just it wasn't busy on eBay or what. But he did it. He got it. And what I loved about this, as I said, he saw it. He bid on it. He got it. And now he spoke of it. 
he's educated and enthused because it's made me go, oh, right, awesome. These these ones with or without trays. Now, I'm going to put it to you guys. The figures with trays. I mean, you know, there there are a few. There, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't have my collection in front of me. I don't have any pictures in front of me. But I'm thinking, I'm, have I seen Gamorian Guard or maybe even a Fett in a tray, possibly a Chewbacca? What about you guys? Have you, have you seen... What do you know about these trays? But also, what about this find? I'm just I'm just looking at my uh, minimum cards at the moment, Jez, and it's something I've never I've never taken any notice of. The only one I think, without getting up and actually getting them out, the only one I think may have a tray over there is the Rancor Keeper. That looks like it could be sitting in something. But I've never even paid attention to that. R- Rich is going to pretend he has, but um. Well, no, I'm the same as you, Stu, and I totally. I mean, I can see a lot of my cards from here, but. No, I, I don't have any entries. I think obviously I've seen things like um, I'm sure I've seen Emperor and Anakin. So I'm gonna guess is it the the heavier figures I put in trays to stop them rattling around in the bubble jazz? I don't know. I don't know. As I said, I've, I've, I'm sure. I'm sure the fets I had was in a tray. Uh, it'd be interesting to hear. I mean, yeah, maybe we'll do a quiz on it one day. But I've kind of just blown that because you two are now gonna squat up on that, aren't you? But It'll be good to see, but but going back squat, to squat, squat, <laughs> squat, squat up on that, or do you mean squat up on that? <laughs> oh yeah, squat up on it. Sorry, I've been at the gym a lot. <laughs> so uh, yeah, well you can squat up on it if you want. <laughs> what you do in, your, in the privacy of your own home, particularly if you love your minon cards. Anyway, um, going back to it, yeah, you're gonna squat up <laughs> on the quiz, but um, yeah, I, I I think this is brilliant. So uh, good on you, Bill. And um, by the way. Rich, uh, that website of his, it really, really cool. I, I love the fact that it's just lots and lots of little bits popping up. Uh, really, really good. Yeah, CritureCantina.com is certainly a website that you you should go and check out because Bill is an incredibly funny guy. There's lots of talented illustrations on there that Bill does, and I love to see his droids, custom cards. I think they're fantastic. He did an IG88 droids, so sort of the blue card back with the droids cartoon style. We did an IG88, one of those, and I, th- I thought it was brilliant. So I really hope you did an R5D4 one day. But yeah, yeah, nice one, Jess. Good information there. Okay, so the second thing that we're tagged on, and this is possibly because I've been going down the Dixie Cup route, and I've got, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, more, more Dixie Cups this month. But this is from Andy Bosworth. And this looked to me initially like a complete set of sealed Dixie Cup boxes covering all four series looking in absolutely amazing condition i've said this a few times i really prefer the artwork on the empire ones especially remind me of the of the mpc model kits so Stuart, i asked you to look at this one is that a full set and uh, what do you think of it he's nearly got a full set i believe he's one short isn't he i uh yeah he's missing a star wars saga i believe with the yoda on luke's back image but apart from that, I believe this. I don't know too much about Dixie Cups. You've come to me on this. So 23 packets, and they do look amazing, the um, the images on the side of them. I agree with you, Rich. I think the Empire ones are incredible. I also like the original Star Wars. I think they're nice. So I think they, yeah, I think they're, um, get later in the, I think the Jedi ones are a little bit of a, a letdown, but I quite liked it. He said like one more to, one more to go, and he'd been buying them for roughly about £30 a box, uh, sealed. But then, I love it, Duncan Jenkins comes on. Yeah, complete set, except for variations and Canadian versions. 
So just to uh, <laughs> make the bloke sit back down and say, hey, you know, you're not there quite yet. But um, awesome, awesome run. And I can see why you like them, Rich. They would look amazing. So, yeah, um, I mean, I don't know if I would get 28 boxes. I've got one sealed box, and I'm really happy with that. But I think 28 is possibly a bit too much for me for the room um, that I've got. But, how yeah. about the How about the 24, though, that you, you need? There's only 24, did I say 28? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think even even a dozen probably is quite a bit. I mean, you're talking an entire debt of cabinet, aren't you? Pretty much of Dixie Cup boxes. 30, 30 quid a box as well. That's uh, soon going to add up, isn't it? I didn't pay that for mine, and I think I paid mine. I think I got mine for about 22, somewhere about there. Yeah, there's definitely you should be able to get them all under the £30 mark, unless they're, you know, the super duper nice. That price for a sealed box is brilliant. But, Rich, rather than go for the whole run, what I quite like doing when I was collecting the carded figures is, say, having one of each, you know, just to show the run to Star Wars, Empire, Jedi, Power of the Force, Tri Logo. And so you could have one of the four, because obviously there's there's four main runs, isn't there, within the run of Dixie Cups. That, mm-hmm. that wouldn't take up a lot of space and would still be within budget. And you could say to yourself, right, I want to try and do it for 100 quid. And bearing in mind the fluctuations in value, but the Empire Strikes Back ones that tend to be a bit more expensive, that could be a bit of a challenge to yourself to try and say, right, I'm going to get one each and see if I can be patient and get a set of four for 100 quid. Yeah, I like that, Jez. I like that thing. And good one. Okay, next. So, next one. Now, this one has been, you know, plastered all over. It's been on his local TV station. I wrote an article on Fanta Tracks on it. So, this one's Shane Turgeon. And Shane Turgeon has found a Canadian carded vinyl cape Jawa. Okay, absolutely amazing. I mean, I've, we've seen a couple of more Vinyl Cave Jawas come up over the years, but this is the first Canadian one I've seen. So, Jez, I've asked you to have a look at this one. So, what can you tell our listeners about this Canadian corded Vinyl Cave Jawa? Right. So, <laughs> the Vinyl Cave Jawa. To, to have a Vinyl Cave Jawa is, is some people would call it their grail, their special item that they're chasing. You know, there are fair amount of these around you know you could say that these aren't rare and to get a carded one yeah there are still you know them trickling around and i'll come on to what i found on star wars trackers soon enough but uh, shane's come on saying this is just a little tease of some to come currently on its way for grading at cas casing and preservation will soon be for sale after that a canadian carded vinyl cape jower now obviously with the buy logo on the front so relatively quick and easy to tell but this is something special being the canadian one he's he reckons it's the fifth or sixth known example and and it will be coming for sale once it's been graded and so he'll be bringing it to the market it's quite exciting times and it'll be put on various different facebook groups and i just thought right well let's just have a little look at this so i mean this is gonna fetch a pretty penny. So I, I went on to a Star Wars tracker and I looked at last, say, five years or so. Kenner, 12 A's. Well, there's been 10 of them. And average, £6,701. So these are ranging from 2950 up to 16363 for the Kenner 12A. And, uh, yeah, so 10 of those. You then move on to the Kenner 12C, and there was just one of them sold at Vectus in March 2017 for 10,540. We then move on to the Palatoy 12B 
and with the lovely, beautiful Palatoy logo on the front, 22,320 it vectors again in 2017, but in May. And then also on the tracker, we've got the Meccano 12A with the wonderful French writing on. And that's 2,480, which I thought was a real anomaly. Uh, um, 2,480, so I don't know how damaged that may have been or what have you, but that was evicted in November 16. So you can see not that many coming out there. But as you said, Rich, no one's really heard of one of these coming up for sale, only five or six known in the market. What this is going to go for is anyone's guess. I mean, what, 25, 30,000? I mean, this is something particularly special. Yeah, Jez, and I don't know if you remember uh, that 12C that was a Vectis. That was the one with the Italian sticker slapped on the back that were covered. Oh, of course. Yeah, remember that one, the one that was very dubious and it got sent back to Vectis. Yeah, that was that one. Yes. So this, I mean, this is so incredible. It's It's been great to see. I, I love some of the comments. James Woodford, you've got to be kidding me. Dude, you are the BCJ whisperer. And then Chains come back saying, yep, but this is the greatest of them all. Never in a million years did I think I'd come across one of these. And uh, obviously, uh, Ross has put on a comment. And I, I, I conversed briefly with Ross earlier on about this. And, and uh, he, he said to me by message that he was massively honoured in, in getting this. He's really, really chuffed. And again, Shane is just uh, incredibly stoked to, to bring part of bringing this to market. So, uh, yeah, fan- fantastic to see. Really, really is. Huge discovery. And Jez, I'm just going to give a little bit of the background to this because I think the story's fantastic as well. So, Chain put there, last month this this one walked into Cherry Bomb Toys in Victoria and it was owned by a good friend of his and he contacted him immediately about it. The seller was the original owner and he purchased this from a tiny independent toy store in Victoria way back in 1978. He distinctly remembers that there were four on the pegs but he only bought the one which he never opened. He, instead, he hung it on the wall from the peg tab and there it remained for years, following him when he moved from time to time, but always staying on a wall wherever he lived. Over the years, the figure did get a little beat up from being on display and does have some flaws, including heavy crease in the top left and right hand corners, a little bit to the left of the bubble, and the bubble has a one centimetre hole beneath the blaster and a crack along the stem. But even with these flaws, it's a wonderful example of an impossible to find piece. And I think that little story there is fantastic. Why why somebody bought that in 1978 and hung it on the wall and then moved house and took them with them? I know. It's just crazy. I know. Well, just as a aside, so I, I wrote a little on further tracks, but whilst I was doing that, I thought, you know what? I wonder how rare these corded vinyl cape drawers are, really. And, you know, it's, I personally think that the Kenner ones are not really that rare. And I think with a bit of money, I think there's one on Facebook right now for about $5,000 or somewhere on about that, that area from memory. But I think if you've got, if you've got the money, you can get a vinyl cave drawer carded very quickly, you know, probably within the space of a week or so. But I was talking to Stefan about the McConnell ones, because I said, Stefan, I've, I've never seen a McConnell one for sale. Obviously, there was a one on Rebel Scum, which I think was a, well, must have been 2010, 2011 now. It was a one way back then on Rebelscum, and a lot of people were debating about it, whether it was real or not, because you remember back then the Palatoy one wasn't proven to be genuine. And then obviously the Palatoy one, you know, was discovered and verified four or five years ago. So I just asked him for numbers, and he said, well, six seems to be about right for Meccano as well, six or seven. And if the six of these 
Canadian Vinyl Cape Jowers. And I believe six is about the number of the Palatoy ones as well. So I just thought it was interesting that all of them were about roughly the same. I thought that was a, a great little neat idea. But which Vinyl Cape Jower have I missed out, lads? Just just to put you on the back foot there. So we've got a Kenner, Kenner Canada. We've got the Pecano and we've got the Palatoy. What's the one I'm missing? Tall Toys? Yeah, the Tall Toys one. The Tall Toys on the Empire Strikes Back card back. So I did a bit of digging on that one as well, wondering how many of those are available now. I think, if I've got it right, I think the number of that is three. Um, I don't know if that number's increased. Uh, I did a lot of reading behind that, and, and big shout-out to Ben Sheehan, because a lot of his research and investigation into that um, way back, you know, whenever it was, um, has really served the community well. So I, I found a lot of that fascinating, and it's, it's, I can't stress enough how important it is for people to go on Rebelscum and just do some searches on some of these figures, because the information that you find on there is fascinating. Really, really good stuff. Moving on then. So, the next one that we've got tagged in. Now, Stu, uh, I spelled it incorrectly in the title. Um, so, you may have had a little bit of trouble finding this one. But I think I put the correct name in, in the quote further down. But it's a full set of Palmito cards. And this was turned up by Frank, who goes by Dorothy Druin. I don't know if you remember Frank's surname, Jez. I was trying to think about that, but I couldn't. Uh, let me yeah um let me have a little look on trilo while you're doing that i'll have a little look on trilogo.com yep you do that so stew uh palmito cards you know what are they i mean we've heard of palmito cookies but palmito cards well that's it so first of all rich you say you think you put it in correctly further down you didn't you put palmino in twice <laughs> so i google palmino i search palmino on star wars uh, archive and was coming up blank. So I sat there and thought, right, how do I, how do I do this? I thought, I know. Stephen Forcourt, Yann LaRue's books, French Touch, let's get that out of, they're from France, they're gonna be in there. And by all accounts, so I've only got a very brief bit, but first of all, these cards are amazing. There's 15 of them, they're for Empire Strikes Back, they're all set on like a blue background, and then they're covered from characters. So you've got Luke, Leia Hand, Chewie, 3PORR2, Stormy, Vader, uh, Luke in his Hoff outfit on a Tonton, um, Han on Hoff, Snowspeeder, X-Wing, Falcon, Tide Bomber, and a Probot, which is beautiful. So, but it just says that um, this is one of the first promotions that was released for the biscuits uh, Papu or Palmito cookies, uh, which apparently were very, very popular in France as a biscuit. You. You say you, you've heard of them, never heard of them myself. But I just want to read out the paragraphs in there because this basically covers everything we need to know. This is all the information that you'll probably find out there. So the premium consisted of one of 15 different vacuum formed three dimensional coloured plastic cards, an innovative and groundbreaking concept in itself, since the vacuum forming process was at the time almost exclusively used in the production of ordnance survey relief maps. The cards were added randomly in each biscuit packet and portrayed characters and vehicles from Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back, showing their original French names from 1978, a characteristic typical of the transition period between the two movies. And it just goes on to say, so little evidence of this promotion exists that it's impossible to say how popular or widely known it actually was at the time. It was only ever discovered long after the fact. In any event, it is now extremely difficult to assemble a full set of cards. So... Obviously, very, very popular, but very, very difficult. And they are amazing. I've never seen them. 
You've brought some attention, Rich. They are beautiful. Uh, like Jess just said, maybe maybe one for the collection would be lovely, framed up. Wow, that's great, that's true, because that's way more than I found. I had 3D sort of vacuum form plastic something as a kid, so I wonder if it was He-Man or Transformers or something. But I certainly remember collecting something. I don't know exactly what it was, maybe about two inch square or perhaps a little bit bigger. Does that ring a bell with either of you two? No, no. I collected most things He-Man. I've got no recollection, but my memory is, is awful. When you look at them all, when you look at so the picture which he's put up there, which has got 15, which one would you say is uh, the most interesting to you or the one which you like the most? I love the Probot. The fact that there is a Probot is beautiful. Yeah. The Stormtrooper's yeah. got a, quite a distinct look. It's, it's almost Macquarie. I don't know. It's just it doesn't look like the screen finished Stormtrooper, does it? So it looks... A bit conceptual. Yeah, yeah, I like great. that. I also like Vader. I like his arms crossed and the way he's got a bit of attitude and and the layer. She looks very vulnerable. That's the thing. See, I love the layer, but it doesn't fit her character necessarily because we've always known her as you know the feisty princess and you know the powerful, the fighter, the leader. And there, you're absolutely right. She does look pensive. She does look vulnerable. I mean, you've got a classic hand there, which has almost been mirrored because you've normally got a hand pointing his weapon you know in the other way from right to left rather than left to right standard sort of r2 and 3po rebel soldier yeah interesting one and you've got your old teapot favorite luke on the tauntaun classic ships but it was the it was the leah which i was drawn to yeah definitely luke looks a bit um like he's got a bit of attitude a bit of a badass <laughs> doesn't he <laughs> it's his face he's got his hand on his hip yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, good point, that Jez. Uh, did he fake Frank Sunium? Yeah, I did. In fact, I said it was on uh, trilogo.com, but everyone knows it's trilogo.info, so yeah, terribly sorry about that. And But it's, let me go back to it, because it was a really, really great interview. It's Frank Gadal. So, um, F-R-A-N-C-K, Gadal, and he had a really great interview on trilogo.info. So it also goes by the name Dorothy Druid, which is his partner's account. Okay, so moving on then. So the next one, you don't have this one in the notes because this one came through literally in the last couple of days. And this one's from John Paul Ragusa. So I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, John Paul Ragusa, who is the owner of the shop Imperial Castle and also the current custodian of TIG. And he's put on his, uh, well, what's the latest acquisition, but it's it's a set that he's bought. Just thought I'd share this. A guy walked into the shop to sell He-Man and Star Wars collection. I told the guy that I never saw this item and he told me that it was painted by hand by his grandma. I offered it back but he didn't want it. I didn't question him why. I'm not sure what to do with it for now but I'm its caretaker. It's not for sale. It'll remain at the Imperial Castle. Right, so I'm sure you two are now both going, ooh, what's this? Yeah. So I'm going to put three pictures in the text chart and... Once the three of them have loaded up, I'll then talk about what it is. I saw this. Brilliant. Okay. So what it is, it looks like a small, very small toy box or some kind of box that you could probably put loose figures in. What are you laughing at? It's like the lion out of Lion of Witch and Wardrobe. No, 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 you can't go describing it. You're going to ruin it. All right. into it. What, what's he laughing at? He's just laughing at the picture. Oh, just ignore me. I'm laughing at the C3P. It was just like right. Jess. <laughs> 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 right, she has, the next, she has another outtake. 
Right. You too, mute. <laughs> Sorry. Right. So what we've got here is it's a box, and it looks to me like it's a small toy box or a small toy chest. Um, something that could be, you know, moved about. I'm looking at it. I'm guessing it's about, I don't know, eight inches by six inches by six inches, something about that, maybe a touch bigger. And it's absolutely brilliant. Uh, six sides, and on each side, there is a painted scene or characters or things on it. So <laughs> You've set me off now because I'm looking at this scene to my video and I'm seeing Jess as well. <laughs> so... <laughs> So we'll put these pictures on our social media. <laughs> you set us off now. <laughs> so, <laughs> it looks more like him than the actual C3PO does, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's a just a game. <laughs> you know what, Pete needs to see this. The um the layer looks a bit like Jules. So together <laughs> it looks like it could be one of their family photos. So, it's brilliant. Ah, oh. oh, Jez, that's amazing, mate. Oh, just got my mute button off. <laughs> mm, yeah, okay. There's no denying the fact that, you know, I do have a sort of, you know, round-shaped head. head like that. Um, <laughs> and you're a bit orange. Um, yeah, well, he's, he's, I'm a bit orange. And he, he's a little bit taller than me. So I'm a little bit short for Stormtrooper. But, that, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm still taken with the whole Chewbacca. I mean, it's a great box. Well, describe uh, that side uh, first, uh, Jez. Describe that side right. of the box. Okay, so what this, is this side is, um, it looks like it's the, uh, potentially could be the cockpit of Millennium Falcon, yeah. I guess. Yeah. And um, so you've got Chewie and the co-pilot. So, well, I guess this is Chewie. <laughs> but it kind of looks like, what was, was it, Spaceballs, where you've got Pizza yes, the Hutt? Yes, great shout, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's not actually, it's not actually Barf. Who was the chew of the Wookiee, I think. It looks more like Pizza the Hurt or something or other. It's a very, very big one. Or it's um maybe Chewbacca who's been backcombed or had some sort of poofy blow dry thing going on with his hair. And uh and that's great. And so then you've got um Luke, I, I guess that's Luke, just looking odd. And then, uh, obviously, me and my wife. Um, so, um, yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Yeah, yeah, great. Um, yeah, lovely family photo. Thanks. <laughs> Do you know what? The, the, the chewy should be the thing you laugh at. But when you see that 3PO, it's, it's, you just go right past <laughs> it. It's like he looks like the cowardly alliance. So another association with Jez. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Without a shadow of a doubt. That, that's my side of the box. Stood behind my wife with a funny expression on my face. She's just looking to the sideboard. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, on the top, which is the hinged lid, we have Yoda, uh, Luke and R2 on Dagobah. And I like that. Actually, that looks like a nice scene. Uh, I don't think Yoda's too bad. Luke, mm. Luke looks like, he looks like he's getting ready for a ballet session. <laughs> yeah, he looks, yeah, I can see that. He looks like, yeah, yeah. Swan Lake thing going on. Mm-hmm. R2's not bad, quite like that. But then on the on the side that's on the base facing out, we've got Darth Vader and Ben dueling, so we're back to a new hope on this one. Bit surprised that the lightsabers aren't coloured, they both they both appear to be white or perhaps there are there is a tinge of colour in them, perhaps they've been worn away. The Kenobi's quite um quite Kenner action figurey looking, isn't it? It is, very Kenner. Mm-hmm. And so is the Vader actually when you look at the cape as well. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good shout, that's you. 
And then on the other side that John Paul shows, it's Lucani's Tauntaun. And that's not bad at all. That Tauntaun's far better than Chewbacca. It's a bit like, yeah, the Tauntaun's a bit like Mr. Tumnus from Narnia. Again, mm. from Narnia, because he's got like real thin legs and then suddenly the big body. And, um, but that's great. What, what do you think that is behind Luke to the left? Do you think that's the probot flying down and hitting Hoth? Oh, yeah, good show. You've got be... like a black yeah. thing. I thought it was Just... a mucky mark, but you could be right, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a good shout. Yeah. So, lads, you may have seen one or two of those pictures before because John Paul's given an update to that. And he's put on the update, I woke up this morning. And that's fantastic, John Paul. Cheers for telling us that. But then he's put, and it occurred to me that I knew some of these images. Outside of the figures, the other three sides are the Empire Strikes Back lunchboxes. So that's what's been used as the inspiration for painting this item. I think that's absolutely amazing, and I'm sure that the guy who has sold these to John Paul's collection, I can understand him selling these figures and things, but this, this is a work of art. It's an absolute work of art. I love it. I think it's absolutely brilliant. And if we had our uh, Jim Crack sec- section back again, this would have been my entry. Uh, so can we just say that I've won it, lads, and leave it at that? I'll take it as a yes. And then the last of the, the pick, and now this one's absolutely brilliant. I love this one. And that was the Pine Sol Bottle. And that was posted by Jonathan McElwain on the Beyond the Toys Facebook group. So, Peter, I've asked you to have a look at this one. So, what can you tell us about the Pine Sol Bottle and any kind of offers that may have been applicable with it? Well, first off, Rich, you need to understand what Pine Sol is. <laughs> Because I had a look and it's like, oh, that's quite interesting. Pine salt is a household cleaning product made on pine oil, believe it or not. And I had a very quick look at, uh, I was just interested, you know. But um, some guy in, the guy who owned it, reckoned that in the 1950s, he was he was asked, because it's, it's made, right, from, <laughs> it's formed by large stumps from cut over timber that remained in the ground for at least 20 years. So they're basically going around a forest picking up old stumps of trees have been cut and then, you know, steaming this stuff and turning it into this product. And the guy reckoned it'd have in 1954, oh, we'll have enough for about 35 years before they'd have to go synthetic. <laughs> so he had a bit of foresight and they did eventually. It is pretty much synthetic. It's only really this, the, uh, the the kind of smell, but it's a cleaning product. It is a cleaning product. So I just thought you might want to know that. I thought that was quite interesting. Because it started obviously going, um, it, it was like a local brand that kind of went international or, or national. So they obviously wanted to make more of this stuff, but then they realised that maybe they won't better produce <laughs> produce it forever, and they would have to go synthetic, which is which is fair enough. I guess that's what how everything happens eventually. So you can mass produce it. But uh, I'd, I'd obviously not. I, I saw this come up because everyone had, had talked about it. Because I mean, I'd never. I mean, what on earth was Star Wars doing with a with a promotion on a you know a household cleaning product? I mean, apart from like. Procter and Gamble kind of products and those sort of things where you'd have a multiple kind of across the board and brand sort of promotion. I mean, this is a bit of a bit of an oddity, really, because it was just a, you know, a one off kind of company who obviously eventually sold out, blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, it's a bit strange. But, yeah, it was not a ball. And the, the offer was for a, a, effectively a Frisbee. Um, but it, it's just the stuff that's kind of surrounds it. And I found an auction because I was looking for prices, found an auction. And it was on Hakes in 2013. And it was the the bottle of of pine sol, obviously empty, which was nice. And it had the promotional flyer that came with it. Now this promotional flyer, you can find them 
obviously they're very very rare just like the bottle but you can find them as well and that gives you a kind of rundown of what else you can actually have uh have you, have you seen the promotional flyer rich yes i have yes it's it's a fascinating you know whole concept this it, it is i mean it's I mean, they, it has the consumer. Thank you for buying Pine Salt, America's number one liquid cleaner. So there we go. It's a bit of an odd book because the, the title of the on the flyer is Star Wars and it's got boutique, which was um <laughs> a, a bit interesting. But it had frisbees, so it had the the five, sorry, six frisbees, which was uh, X-wing fighter, Darth Vader, C-3PO, R2D2, Stormtrooper, and Chewbacca. Um. And you could you could basically get these. So there were nine and a half inches diameter, 102 grams, and you could get the six flyer set for only 5.99. And apparently these retailed at 2.99, so that was an absolute bargain if you wanted the whole set. But there was um there was a couple of things on this leaf that you could get hold of on the cheap as well. And what were they, Rich? <laughs> you would have to remind us because I only looked at the frisbees. What else? Okay, there? there was more. There was a digital watch uh, for 11.99. Now I guess back in the 80s. That was probably about equivalent to about 25 quid, I would think. Um, so a pretty, I mean, it's a, it's a lovely watch. And it comes in a gift package, which was, re- I mean, absolutely outstanding. The gift package was a beauty. Five function LED. Remember, this is the mid-80s. Includes alternate decorated decals of Star Wars scenes. So you could swap these in and out. And there was a battery included, which was very nice. Um, but yeah, but not only that, not only the digital watch, but there's also, you could also get, because this is part of the boutique, remember, the Pine Soul Boutique, America's number one liquid cleaner. You can also get the Bath Beach Towel, which was the kind of um, the Hildebrand kind of logo thing going on, the beach towels. So that was only four ninety nine, and it was 32 by 60. So um, with fringe cotton velour. So uh, that was very lovely. Um, and you can also, and not only there, don't stop there, Rich, but there was a 10 cents coupon as well off your next bottle. A pine soul. <laughs> so I mean, goodness sake, right? You you just you just drowned in pine soul and Star Wars here. What an absolute beauty! But go back to the Hakes auction. So there's a bottle, the flyer, and there was a um, an X-wing fighter um, flyer or frisbee, want to call it. But guess how much it went for in for that set in 2013? Have a guess before the Star Wars frenzy. Two hundred. No, not even not even that. $115 a winning bid. Now. I reckon that would be probably quite a lot more these days because whilst it's not unseen, I believe someone mentioned in that thread there was a smaller bottle as well. There was a slightly uh, reduced bottle size, which I don't think had been seen before. I I certainly couldn't find it. But, uh, I mean, on the Star Wars Collector's Archive, there are a few promotional items. There's actually like a stand stand thing as well, a header card, Um, along with the Frisbees. Yeah, there was the, the flyer. The frisbees, <laughs> obviously the the offer on the label itself, but there's no mention of the size of the bottle. So yeah, there was there was a, definitely another size of the bottle. So it's, whew, I mean, I don't think many of these be seen, but I bet if those went to auction now, that set, if you had this whole set of frisbees, I reckon you're looking at well over a grand. I reckon for that, maybe more. But um, yeah, I've, I mean, have you ever seen it before? No, um, I do have the size of the bottles though. Oh, and there is actually a seventh frisbee if you want it to be awkward, although something more people see a six. So the one that he's got is the 28-ounce one, and the normal, the one that most people seem to find, even though it's still very, very rare, is the 15-ounce bottle. So, mm. so they're the two sizes, but seventh Frisbee. So <laughs> it's a bit of a, uh, it's not really a seventh Frisbee, it's the X-Wing one, 
is also found without a name on it. It just has a mm-hmm. picture of the ship. So it's like a variant frisbee. So yeah. Yeah, because because the label the, there is one. It's just a like a. Um, all of them seem to have a, like a bit of graphic on, but on that one on the label, it just seems to be a just a very plain looking Star Wars with with an X wing on, isn't it? So I wonder if it was exactly that. The back eye you were talking about for was a shelf talker, and Mark Fur had put a photograph up of that shelf talker. He owns one of those, so it was absolutely brilliant seeing them all together. And and that's what that's what's fun about that Beyond the Toys Facebook group, in that you you see things. They did the same with Wonderbread as well, where somebody puts a photograph up of everything they've got and go, there you go, I've got the Wonderbread collection completely complete. And then you've got the likes of Jonathan go and Duncan ahem. You have you missed this, you missed that, you missed this, and it's just the hunt of all these extra things, but. Fantastic. It is. It is. It's a real. It's a real beauty. That is. I've. I've never heard of that before. I've never heard of the brand. To be fair, yeah. <laughs> I think it's in the UK. I'm pretty sure. I've. I've definitely heard of Pine Sol before. I wonder if it was available in the UK at some point. De- definitely. Yeah, it was. De- was it? Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I thought so. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's where just clean yeah. the new lot. <laughs> well, I've heard. Of, I've heard of lots of pine cleaners kind of thing, but I've never heard of Pine Sol. But there we go. Mm. What I liked about this when I was looking at it is you can tell that something's pretty special sometimes with some of the comments which follow it, you know, in, in Beyond the Toys. And when you get the likes of Pete Vilma going, wow, nice work. And then, you know, Grant knows his stuff. And Grant's like, wow, holy smokes, how did they survive? Uh, Roberto Gonzalez says, says, so that's what they look like. I remember Duncan mentioning these back at a CD panel. And then Duncan Jenkins is just simply put, wow. So again, when you get something like a wow from Duncan Jenkins, yeah, jackpot. The moon with the rebel base will be in range in 30 minutes. Right, let's go on to collecting the DNA of Bid Fortuna. And I know that Pete's got a few ways that he'd like to collect his DNA. We're not going to go too much into this one because obviously the Clivecast have released a blog log pod. And I urge everyone to check out the interview between Sky and Steve and Phidias, who is the Bib Fortuna focus collector and owner of the pieces that prompted the title of this article. So on Friday the 21st of December on the SWCA blog, it updated with an article titled Tentacles of a Pilgrim Girl, the Patent DNA of Bib Fortuna. And I, I loved the article, I thought it was absolutely brilliant, I had to go back through it again and again until eventually I got it and then things like Phidias had said made things click but it, it was great. So guys, what we've got here then is we've got the Bib Fortuna pattern document for the character designed and there were also in there three dolls that have been referenced. So I've just got some questions for you with regards to these dolls and how they fit in with Bib Fortuna and what was the whole point of it. Now Pete, in the article Steve suggests that when they get to Jedi, they patented the movie characters more than the Kenner figure designs. So, so Pete, why do you think they have patented the movie character as opposed to the figure design, which was found more commonly in the Star Wars and the Empire patterns? I don't know, Rich. <laughs> but, I mean, there's a few... I mean, it seems that when... when um Luke's film and this company were going along making this stuff back in the day. That I don't know whether it was just the laws were changing and and they were trying to protect their intellectual property rights more because of people you know making all sorts of. I mean we we've seen all sorts of garbage produced in the old gimcrack stuff where people were just churning this stuff out. I guess they want to protect their 
the intellectual property. But I mean, you remember on if you look, see some of the earlier cards, a card back would have a trademark, a TM next to a character's name. Then a bit later on, there'd be an R next to the name, which basically meant a trademark. And if you know this, but a trademark means that you're you're you have the intent of the ownership of of that design or or that name or whatever. And then a registered would actually be yes, you've actually registered the trademark that's, that belongs to you. You know, back off everyone. So it's kind of like a we're doing this and there's a warning. So um, and that seemed to sort of appear on some of the Jedi cards and stuff. So I wonder whether it was an ongoing thing where they were trying to lock down their their intellectual property. You know, first it was like names and now it's designs. And they didn't really, I'm not saying they didn't know, but I guess, you know, it was, I'm trying to try, try explain it, how, how companies would just go, oh, yeah, they're, they're, there's a blue droopy looking alien looking thing. Yeah, we'll just make those and pretend it's Star Wars and trying to earn money off the back of it. So I guess they were getting tighter with their with, with their intellectual property. Mm, yeah, that totally makes sense. You suggest that it could be to cover more representations, like what you've said there, if they're going to make, I don't know, a Bib Fortuna beach towel. So obviously, if they use the Kenner likeness of Bib Fortuna, they'd be in trouble, but if they use the movie version, they wouldn't be so. so. Exactly, because you, because you could go down to the, like the, oh, but that figure is, you know, torn upright. This is a guy sitting down, so we can do what we want, you know, and let's face it, tentacles from a head. I mean, I know it went into the, kind of like the braids of those dolls, but how on earth would you do that? Because, oh, I mean, anything could have <laughs> has something from its head, couldn't you? Could be hair, could be long ears, could be birth deformities like Stu has. I mean, all these things can, you know, can be, you know, you can, you, surely you can't pattern that for a character. You know, things, I mean, it must be impossible. I mean, it seems to suggest that it was possible, but you'd no way get away with that now. Surely it would have to be, you know, that they did it because the Kenner figure would be one design. But like the character figure, because it's a person in a costume, it would probably be virtually impossible then to uh, to do a cheeky one on it. Jezza, coming on you next. So the dolls, the three dolls, are very, very old. And you have to listen to the Kivecast blog log pod to go into exactly what they are. But some of them are like pilgrim dolls and perhaps um, American Indian inspired dolls. Going all the way back to the 1920s, some of them. So Jess, can you imagine what it's like being a patent lawyer and having to search through all these patents for similar designs? I mean, what a mind-numbing job. I know, it's crazy. I remember listening to the blog blog just when it came out, so before our show notes came out, and about how they were doing eBay searches and then certain key things, and then it didn't work, but actually then that came up. But (laughs) some of this must be down to your own sort of a certain point of view. Um, or your own your own gut feeling on stuff because yeah you can look at that and say right yeah this is this is linked or that's linked but uh, I don't know so some of these things are a stretch but to have that as a job to go back and and look that far wow you wouldn't know where to begin but things things need to get referenced don't they you need to give credit where credit's due very much like if you're writing a dissertation you need to put you know your references and where where you've got some stuff from so I understand it. But, you know, sometimes you might think, should the onus be on the person who's doing the creating to be a bit more, I don't know, to be a bit honest where they got their inspiration from possibly? I don't know, but yeah. You asked me, the question was, can you imagine? Yeah, I can imagine. It's not the sort of job for me, he says, Mm -hmm. in Afghanistan at the moment. (laughs) It's a a lot easier now, though, isn't it? Because I think if anybody made a space movie, and they had helmets or any kind of character, it would be dead easy to go, 
I thought I've got a Stormtrooper. Look, this sort of got a Vader shape. Um, Battlestar Galactica. I think it's far easier to do that now. So something that you just said there made me wonder, actually. I wonder if these lawyers in the late 70s, early 80s, perhaps some of them had these toys or dolls as a kid. And maybe they did what we would do and look at something and go, you know what, I've seen that before. And maybe that made it easier for them to go back. I, I don't know. I'm probably talking absolute rubbish. but Right, Stu. Now, if you read the patents document, uh, they say that the patents are only for 14 years. Seems an odd number. So, Stu... Any ideas why the patents are valid only for 14 years? I don't, I don't know why it's an odd number. The only thing I could find was that design patents are a, usually have a term of 14 years from the date the patent from the day is issued, and patents are not renewable. So that particular design patent has expired and becomes public domain, but at the same time the character will still be protected by copyright, copyright and trademark laws, which prevent people going and copying to make that toy yeah 14 is is a little bit odd but that just seems to be the the going number as far as i can find unless you already um know something more than i do no i'm hoping that somebody out there does so if anybody is a, a patent lawyer knows anything about patents any ideas why 14 years in particular you know i could accept 25 years i could accept 40 but 14 hmm, just seems an odd one death star approaching estimated time to firing range 15 minutes Okay, so Rich, over to your final topic, top-loading bubble protectors. Over on Stars from UK, Ian Palafan, he's, he's put a new a new idea there to protect bubbles, so I just want to have a brief chat about that. So we've talked about bubble protection for quite a while, and uh, Darren, in the, in the interview that you're going to hear very soon, he mentions bubbles and, and uh, bubbles coming away from cards, and... It's got me thinking now, perhaps this post is the start in some kind of protection that we're hoping for. Now, we know that GW cases are perfect for protecting cards, but they do offer limited protection of bubble support. So, what Ian's idea was, Ian's idea was to put your mint on card inside a top loader. Now, how are you going to get it in there? Well, obviously, you're going to have to use a scalpel and cut out the area where the, the bubble is. And then if you trim it nice and neatly, when you put it inside the top loader, the idea is that the top loader will be sufficient to keep the bubble in its place um, and keep it protected. Now, Pete, I don't have any top loaders. I'm aware that Jason Smith swears by them. There's many different qualities of top loaders. I think there's acid-free top loaders. Um, loads and loads of different brands of them out there. Would they be strong enough, in your opinion, to prevent the seal from breaking away? Well, the ones I've got, I had a quick look earlier. I've only got a couple. Uh, one's one of those ones with a stand on it, um, so it's it's you know it's rigid enough. But I think if you cut it, it, it you know depending on if the bubble was lifting, I don't think it would. I don't think it'd be enough gift that you'd have to uh, clamp it down. I mean, I'm surprised it hasn't been like a you know something kind of made with a very you know two very close together um slices of of acrylic where you could slide it into and keep it but i don't think it's strong the ones i've got certainly wouldn't i'm not saying i know all top loaders but um if you cut into it it would just be you know uh, um, just a, <laughs> a top loader hole <laughs> so it wouldn't it certainly wouldn't keep a a really loose bubble in place no i wouldn't i wouldn't say it but it depends on what what you want to hold in you know depending how much the bubble is left in I think, I think, I'm sure you can come up with better solutions than that. Speaking of lifting, right, Jez, now, it was suggested that 
you could actually take one top loader and cut these in half so that you'd have two okay so you've got two different top loaders and then cutting the bubbles around and sliding these inside a GW acrylic case seem a good idea way to go well Richard I'm actually talking to you with a cut card and bubble with top loader in my hand so what I mentioned earlier on uh, about uh, Michael Sith had sent me the um, 41 back Palatoy Luke X-Wing, which had the open bubble and stuff like that. So is essentially the card bag, which has got the nameplate cut out. He's got a top loader, so I can feel now exactly how thick these things are. I mean, you mentioned top loader. It might be some of our listeners are thinking, what on earth are you talking about? Top loader was a band from the 90s or what have you. But yeah, so this is just a fairly solid plastic card sleeve that some card bags go in to make them just protect them a little bit more. But yes, the people are saying that these are too thick for GW acrylic cases. So if you were to slice them directly up the middle, so not not horizontally across the uh, across the front, but yeah, so you've just essentially got one side on the bubble, then pressed in. I can I can see that working. I I, I can see no reason why not. I mean, this one's not really holding the bubble down brilliantly, but from a preventative point of view to try and restrict bubbles coming away yeah i i can't i can only see good things with that i think that will look all right i think it's certainly a good start jez and, and thanks for that you can definitely tell that you watch blue peter as a kid now Stu, ian said a few times now we would love to come up with some kind of foolproof bubble protection um, system out there uh, but there are actually bubble protectors already. Which ones are you aware of? Because I'm not sure about any, but I am aware that others have said, I'm sending this off for bubble protection. What do they mean? Um, well, apart from the graders, where they grade it and secure them in, I can't find any that outside of the grading company, bubble protectors. When you do searches, it purely comes up with top loader. That's, by the looks of it, that's not actually a new idea. There's posts on there that date back to five, six years. The grading companies will secure the bubble in place using, I, I take it, it's just bits of extra acrylic sticked into the um, into the casing. But I can't find anything else. Nothing else unless you want to get graded. I couldn't even find anything from GW Acrylic that did anything in that respect. So um, come on, Christian, you know, when will there be a harvest for the world? I think you're right there. They need to pull the finger out and get something sorted. And uh, no, one, no one typical business people, it'll be something that will probably require us to replace all of our acrylic and buy some new acrylic. It's like uh, when Ian Sanders, you know, when they got those loose case designs and then the stands that Ian Sanders has been selling for donkey years and they wouldn't fit in the new stands or we had to go get smaller stands. And I, I said to Ian, I said, is he was a businessman design that? He went, no, absolutely not. But yeah, you can never tell the overshifty these guys. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I really, I really hope JW Acrylic do come up with something that would protect the bubbles because I would be delighted. And I would certainly purchase them. Quality products, both Ian and Christian are great friends of ours, great guys. And uh, if anybody's got any ideas and, and think of things are working with them, you know, hit them both up and see what we can get.
So on to our interview for this month, we've got Darren McAleese with us. Now there is very, very slight sound issues in this. First of all, I'm slightly echoey because I was attached to two Skype calls. Brilliant. And uh, Darren was on a phone, so it has picked up every bit of noise. And I think, I think his beard might have just been tickling the mic. But it is very, very listenable. It doesn't really detract from anything. It's very clear. So uh, enjoy this interview. Delighted to welcome this month's interview guest. We have got from uh, Belfast, I believe, Darren McAleese. Good evening, Darren. Welcome to the Vintage Rebellion. Hey. Hello, Vintage Rebellion. Hi. Now it's great to have you on. You, um, whenever I've met you in the past, you're quite a larger-than-life character. Always got a smile on your face. So that is a great start <laughs> to some people in the hobby. So welcome on Look, now. I mean, I just think it's you know, it's a hobby that you know. There's so many great creative talented people within the hobby and you know finding like-minded people i think we were kind of blessed our generation was blessed that we grew up in the 70s and 80s you know because it says like it seemed to be the golden generation and you know it's like there's so many great people within the hobby that i just think you know that having a smile on your face you know because we're truly the best generation you know what i mean so i mean with the best toys best films best music you know so you know, what, what's not to be happy about? You're so right. You're so right. And um, perfectly said, especially today, because today is the day Brexit has all uh, has yeah. all gone uh, has all gone pear-shaped with the vote. So, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now, we've, we've got a selection of accents on here. You're from Northern Ireland, as I'm sure most people could tell. But I, I think you're nice and clear. You're more clearer than Rich, who's helped me tonight. So another strong well, accent. Really funny you should say that, sure, because, you know, um, as, as I get drunker at the celebrations, you know, I think I need an interpreter. So, you know, and I, 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 the hilarious thing is that the, far, the Swedes and the Europeans and the Singapore guys seem to understand me no matter how drunk I get. Whereas the Americans, it's just like gobbledygook. I mean, they're really like, you know, I, I think I might need um, uh, subtitles because <laughs> it seems the drunker that I get, the, the less they understand, which is funny. I think I get faster. As they get drunker, so it may be a good idea maybe to rein it back a bit, especially when you're trying to have a conversation. Anyway, sure. We should walk around with Rich as your interpreter because that would just get him straight away. That would well. be very right. Bit of a Jordy right. accent on top of it, yeah. Jordy interpreting Northern Irish man, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> now we've just mentioned it there, celebrations with uh, the Americans and whatnot. Now you're you're quite quite a big attendee of of conventions, so I've, I've met you uh, twice recently at Father Shrums. Now. When you come over to a Father's Rome, are you purely coming over for the event? Honestly, the, the last one that I attended, Thorsten from Germany was coming over. Um, he's a great guy. Um, and he was making, I think he was over to pick up some stuff from uh, Christian from the um, from a GW Acrylic. And, you know, I made a beeline of getting over. Um, I'd like to get over more often. The problem is, with it being on a Saturday and Sunday, um, my job, it follows a bit of a biorhythm, which is like, you know, every weekend, you know, 52 weekends a year, I'm pretty much, you know, guaranteed to be working. You know, um, so the difference between Father's From and Celebration is because, you know, you've got a bit of a, a run up on it's an excuse for a holiday. Whereas Father's From, you know, 
if I was to take them weekends off, I think there's four father films or three father films a year, is three, it? Three, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So basically, it's if I take those weekends off, it's unpaid, unpaid as I'm self-employed. So you know, therefore, the you only get about a, a good eighteen month lead time of celebration, and I can make it work. Um, as far as the the um the my my own job is concerned, and you know the lead time. Ironically, I was invited to Nice this year in New York City, and the problem was, um, I got my dates wrong and thought that it was the last weekend in August, which is a big bank holiday in, and obviously in the UK. Whereas, you know, I thought that they were having it, it was actually the week before that they were having it, and I could have went and enjoyed myself, but it just turned out, but normally I need a lot of time to, um, you know, fit it in around my job because say I'm probably picked about 18 months in advance. So celebration kind of, I can make that work. You know, not when they're annually, when they're annually, it's, it's even more difficult, but with a big lead time, whereas farthest from, I can maybe commit to one or two max a year. Yeah. Um, Dave does a great event. There's no doubt about that. And you can get stuff there that you can't get anywhere else. And when you want to take it back in time to the likes of the memorabilia shows and stuff, when Dave and Nick Roach and various other, Gary Smith and various other guys used to come along to uh, Birmingham, you know, again, that was maybe twice a year before I was doing the celebrations, I would have done um, memorabilia in Birmingham when there was vast amounts of vintage, like, Ridiculous amounts of vintage, which just obviously, as you know, as as the hobby got bigger, all the sources dried up because obviously the, the it's finite. You know, all, all the good stuff. You know, basically when when it was a the diehards were into it, you could get stuff at a good price. Whereas now, you know, since the Disney acquisition, you know, they just aren't those fines anymore. So you know, back to farthest from, you know, I say I'd love to go to everyone and go for the full weekend, the Saturday and the Sunday, but you know, my my work doesn't allow that. So, but you're you're quite a, a big celebration attendee. I I was going through Rebel Scum and you're talking yeah. about going to number one and number two. So you've you've been there from the start of. Well, well, I mean, as, as I say, the, 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 the London actually London was my first one. Believe it or not, didn't didn't get the one and two, but London was the first one. And oh, you know, it's really it's really really strange, you know, because you know all the sort of the hobby elite who have been like long haulers and stuff were out London, but I. <laughs> funny that you've met me you know i didn't didn't have the confidence to talk to them because to me they were like hobby gods you know these people were people that i read about on the old usenet forums and then on rebel scum and you know basically they were to me they were the big wigs in the hobby and apart from todd hudson he was actually sitting sitting behind me in one of the panels and it's funny todd and me you know are are lifelong friends now but he was behind me in one of the panels but you know, it's like funny. I didn't have the confidence then to ask what they were doing afterwards or, you know, any of the room sales or things, because there was some amazing stuff actually for sale at that first celebration in London. I think Todd had some, um, the, the, the prototype, the huge big two up coin prototype and things like that there for sale. But I think it was like, likes of, um, Mark Carraway and Gary Smith and all and Dave Tree back in the day who were, you know, mixing with them, um, American collectors, whereas I didn't have the confidence just to, just to go up and, and, and say, by the way, I'm, I'm Darren, how are you, blah, blah, blah. You know, it wasn't until Essen, really, that, you know, I, I, I started, you know, spreading my wings as like a butterfly, <laughs> as, as it were, you know, and making myself known. But um, it's funny, Andy Davies, who is a big UK um, 2D collector, Andy isn't a very confident guy. And as you know, myself, I like to talk and put myself out there. And Andy kind of took me under his wing and took me out this and basically introduced me to everybody um, within the hobby. Not just the, the Americans, UK guys as well. 
so basically, yeah, um, so Andy was the one that pretty much, you know, bridged the, the gap, you know, and once you introduce me to people, I'm, I'm fine, you know, I, I don't have any problem communicating and, and, and being the life and soul of the party. But I say, it's funny, Andy being this sort of quiet guy, you know, he was like my wingman and he introduced me to the whole sort of, you know, um, all the big American collectors as well. So, you know, the back to farther from though, you know, uh, you know, Dave puts on an amazing event. Um, there's no doubt about that, but as I say, it's just the, the work constraints. You know, stop me from being. I would be at everyone, you know, and make um, and have it penciled in my diary, you know, because uh, he, it's it, there's, there's no other show like it, really. Uh, Darren, um, I was Essen for us was a big event, and it was the first time that lots of people on Stores from UK had actually got up and met each other. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us were similar to what you were seeing, but also to the likes of you, because we'd read about Darren. On um, you know Rebel Scum and all that kind of stuff, and then well, obviously when Essen was announced, uh, and flights have got a lot cheaper since you know 2005, yeah. 2002, and then when we, we got there, and you know we 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 didn't know what to expect because for many of us Essen was our first celebration, and I still harken back to Essen as being one of the best celebrations, not just for meeting the likes of yourself and you know Chris Gore Julius and, and the Room Seals or kind of stuff. Essen was uh, no doubt Essen was magical. Um, you know, I was trying to explain. My wife's going with me to Chicago, as is my son. Um, and that's the first time they're ever going to, they're ever going to attend a Star Wars convention. And I was trying to say to them, look, I'm going to try and recapture what Essen was. You know, for you guys being your first one. But I just think it was, you know, the accessibility. I think, you know, even with the first London celebration, you know, it wasn't maybe really attended the way Essen was as far as, you know, with, because all the Americans didn't go to the first celebration in London. I know some of them did, but they all seemed to make the effort for, for Germany. And it was just, I say, I'd love to recapture that at every celebration. Obviously, it's, it, a lot of people say it was their first time and that's why it was special. But, you know, I say, I'd love, you know, Chicago to be even half the event Essen was as far as, you know, touching base with your fellow collectors and, and, and just the excitement, you know, um, around it, you know. When you say you want to, um, you give your wife and child, your wife and son, yes. that same experience you had in Essen. How, how what, what in, in your head are, are you planning to give them that in Chicago? Well, I, I think it's a case of, um, you know, basically, doesn't for my son. You know, he's um, he'll be nearly thirteen when he goes for the first time, and it's just going to be a case of the, the, the wonder of, you know. The excitement stepping into the queue, maybe take them to the odd panel and things like that there. Just, you know, and then obviously the cosplay, not that I'm into the cosplay, but, you know, for him, he'll be excited by that, you know, and then maybe I say going there, I mean, I think maybe there might be this trailer dropping or certainly some sort of trailer that won't be available en masse. You know, it'll be the first time there. Just take them to something that, you know, because I think I think he said to me his ambition was to um, to attend either a, a comic con or a celebration with me. And the way we did it was when the flights were announced, we booked them. Didn't tell them just a Christmas or I think I might have seen the, the Facebook video with them. Yeah. And basically, basically, you know, it's just like you can't ever do your first time again. The first time's always going to be the special one. So it's just going to be a case of you know seeing how big, I was trying to explain, you know, um, because there are like local sort of events here. There's, there's a thing over here, actually, there's a, there's an Emerald Garrison that do like an, a show called Invasion. And there's a lot of cosplay and stuff. And they've had a few, they've had, um, Dave Prowse over and they've had Kenny Baker when he was alive and, and Jeremy Bullock and things like that there. But you really don't get it until you go to a, a US or a proper like Essen or London celebration, I don't think. I think, you know, when you get 
the big event, the big show. It's like comparing Fairground and and Brighton to Disneyland. You know, you, you, it's just you know it's on a completely different level. And I just think you know when I take him to Chicago, and the wife as well, because you know, like many of our Star Wars widows, the women just don't get it. You know, I mean, there are there's the occasional sort of you know anomaly like Robin Barker and people like that there who are girls that get Star Wars, but you know, realistically, I, I would say a lot of our wives and, and girlfriends just, you know, are like, oh, my God, you know, you know, nerds, you know, whereas, you know, so I'm, I'm going to have to try and take, I say, Maria as well, as much as Jack, into consideration, too, because it's a completely different, you know, world for her. You know what I mean? And saying that there, a few drinks in the bar, you know, after, you know, their day one or two, you know, she'll totally get it. You know what I mean? Because, say, the socializing aspect of it as well is something that, you know, is incredible. You know, I think, you know, just, you know, so many cool people within the hobby, you know, and all like minded folks. And I think it's just a case of, you know, it's it's there, there's not a bunch of nicer people I'd rather be around. You know, I just think there's just so many cool people in the hobby. And I say, you know, like minded, you know, and it, the thing is, you have a conversation with people, you know, about the minutiae. You know, of, of things that are like, you know, I mean, I, I can't talk to my wife about why I think, uh, The Last Jedi was, um, received the way that it was. Do you know what I mean? Now, my son, he, he, he kind of gets it. You know, I have a conversation with him about things like that, but, you know, whereas the wife is just like, she just glazes over. You know, so I'm hopeful, hopefully this time, as I'm going to take her, you know, she'll, she'll get it. You know, she'll, she'll have an appreciation of why, you know, the fandom is the way that it is, you know, and how it's remained so strong 40 years later. I mean, your wife, you've touched on your wife there, and I might have brought that in later on, but your wife has been with you along a lot of your journey. And I was reading a Rebel Scum post um, a couple of hours ago that was way back, I think it was about 2003, and you created a, a thread called Star Wars and Women. So I thought, all oh, right, yeah. this, is good. this is going to be an interesting one. So I clicked on the title, and then it was all about, um, you know, how, how wives and girlfriends perceive... Um, your hobby and your collection and you made it very clear from way back then she's been fully supportive and she's you know not put any barriers in the way and just let you you know pretty much get on which I think is fantastic well, well I think you know the biggest thing was I they're, they're going to recall um, is Daphne Rich is how, or, is how she um, totally supported when I was after Medine she totally supported you know um, me springing big time and knowing when I was after my trial go run and it was the last one that I needed. You know, she was, you know, supportive of, you know, and she knew how much it was going to cost. And um, she was like, well, look, see the baby, honest with you, you very choose to sell. I mean, so those women, you know, are very much practical about things like that, you know, cost. But and saying that there, though, when you're springing four figures or five figures on an item, you know, it's a big, you know, commitment to have your blessing of your other half, you know. And there's, there's, there's a lot of guys in the hobby. I feel sorry for the guys in the hobby that hide things because I don't think that is good for A, a relationship, or B, you know, um, just, you know, the, the trust between people in general. I think you have to sort of, you know, and, and I, I say I try to include her in, OK, this is what this is worth, this is what that's worth. You know, um, this is how much maybe when I bought it originally, this is how much I paid for it, as much as worth now. You know, but I mean, the thing about it is, like, I'm not into the hobby to make money. You know, it might be nice at some point down the line to maybe, you know, take someone out of it. However, that's not why I'm in the hobby, because a lot of the things that I have now, you know, Money couldn't buy them, or it would take an awful lot of money to buy them. And if I was to maybe sell those things, it would probably be very, very difficult to get them back again. Just the way things have went, you know, in the last maybe um, five years especially. You know, it's just, you know, the cash isn't, you know, it, it isn't something that motivates me. 
you know, I know a lot of people are in the in the hobby to make money. I'm not in the hobby to make money. I'm and you know, it's for the nostalgia. It's for you know the 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 challenge of completing a run. It's for you know um, preservation and um, and curation of what I've actually what what I actually do own and display as well because say it's there's no point in spending you know thousands and thousands of pounds on items that are going to sit in a cardboard box in, in, in a in a closet. You know, for me, it's all about display and enjoyment and now, curation. I, w- I want to move back on. I'm going to go back to your childhood in a minute, but you, uh-huh. you just brought up your um, General Medine tri logo now. I know several people who have been trying to put Trilogo runs together. No one can ever get anyone close to a uh, Medine Trilogo. Were you searching for a long time or was it? were you lucky because of who you were and who you knew in the no, hobby to get a, a Medine? No, no, not even said it. Honestly, the, the way my, um, my, my, my pursuit, it was three years of, you know, putting out contacts, contact French collectors, you know, um, talking to the likes of Stephen Pacor, um, Arno in France and Joe. Joe O'Brien, who is an absolute treasure, he's a national treasure in the in, in the uh, the trilogo hobby. Um, Joe seems to he's, he has an, an amazing set of detective skills, and you know he seems to be able to you know find out who's got what and who and, and when. But um, it was Joe that put me on the a black hole collector called George Topham, who's not really doesn't really do Facebook and he doesn't really do the boards and stuff like that there. And George was selling his, but as I say. I put out so many feelers from so many collectors. And the thing about the Medines is there probably are about in the upwards of 20 plus out there, but they never change hands. And, you know, you're waiting for somebody to either change focus or, and then I don't think they're, I'd like to see one publicly listed. I know there's been a few over the years um, that maybe I think one had a, a damage bubble or a cup bubble and things like that. There have been a few that I think Ludwig had one last year that he sold and I think, you know, there are, there have been a few, various few on eBay coming from France and stuff, but I don't think there's been one, you know, a graded one, an upwards of an 80 graded one that's been on the free market. I'd, I'd be interested to see what it would go for, but there's a lot of deep pocket collectors nowadays that don't look at it as, you know, oh, I want to get people on. They just look at it as, okay, you know, I've got more money and, you know, there is a lot of money in the hobby nowadays that can, you know, buy a sick run, you know, and maybe don't put the effort in. I mean, I'm not a rich guy. However, I had a war chest available for if I never got an opportunity, I could at least make it happen. That's the thing. In some cases, when you're trying to complete a run, you have to make a sacrifice. You have to have, you know, a, a, a pot there. And funny enough, Gary Smith um, at one time was selling a couple of flicks. But he was selling the glassite flicks and the um, the uh, canner flicks. I had a war chest for my Medine, you know, a few few grand bank ready to go in case you know somebody was selling one. And I nearly bought the flicks off Gary about a couple of weeks before I bought the Medine. And he guy was cool about it. You know, I think I, I kind of committed to the deal. And I, I'm not normally a flake. I'm normally, you know, if I, if I make a deal, it's done. But um I explained the guy's situation, he was cool about it and stuff like that there. So, you know, I got the business from the wife. And as I say, it's it's if you're ever, you know, trending a Peter Runner, you know, you always have to involve your spouse, I think, because at the end of the day, you know, spending dropping four or five figures on a, on an item, you know, requires a lot of trust between, say, the, the wives, you know, because I, I don't think, especially nowadays, you can't drop that sort of money, you know, um, and expect, you know, not to turn up in your bank account. <laughs> no, no, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You've, it's quite a famous photo of you holding three three Trilogo Medines, isn't there? There is. There well, is. Where, that was that. where was that? Who's? That was a lot of fun. Well, what do you hear? So what had happened was Annie Davies, who I mentioned before. 
is a bit of an elite collector. As far as condition concerned, he's, 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 he's big into his condition and he wants the best of the best. And say the deal that I made for the joke put me on to was for the only FA85 Medine that exists. Um, and I believe it was owned by Arno Grunberg, I think, in, um, in, in France. And I believe that George flew over to France to, to inspect it because he was only trying to buy an 85. And then he obviously had to send it from France to the FA to get it created. And it became the only solitary 85 in existence. However, the price that George was looking for was, I didn't want to say beyond me, but it was going to be an absolute stretch to manage the price. And then enter Andy Davies and he says, look, I've got an 80 here. And he says, look, if you trade me the 85, which I haven't done the deal for yet. He said, if you trade me the 85, I'll give you the 80. That'll help you, you know, um, towards basically springing for the money. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, just bagging the Medine was, you know, and and the good condition was probably as, as much as I could hope for. On the other hand, I knew he was putting together a trilogy 85 run. And I just thought, you know what, sometimes in the hobby, I mean, realistically, if I just bagged my Medine, I would have been happy. You know, um, Andy says, OK, well, look, I'll chunk some part of the expense for it. I get the 85. And do you know what? It's funny at the time. We had a conversation about this when when I went and got the 85. I met George and done the deal and met Andy then. He had a 75 uh, and 80 and I bagged only 85. And he came up to meet me from Cardiff and um, in the hotel. That's where we took the photograph of the three meetings together because it probably never happened again. Um, but the story, but the story is, you know, we had a conversation uh, just before the Force Awakening was announced, before the announced the Disney acquisition. We were sort of saying, "You do realize what we just spent on a card of Star Wars figure? It's just, you know, it doesn't make any sense, you know." And he says to me, "I would be ridiculous." And he says, "No, I've got, got a funny feeling something's around the corner. You know, that there's something's going to turn up." And like literally two days later, Disney announced the acquisition. You know, they're going to be making more movies again. And then, as you know, that's when things went really crazy with prices and stuff like that. There, so. Literally, we probably got, you know, in, you know, probably got the best deal on on the Medines. Probably but I got the best deal because, as I say, you know, I was able to offset, you know, a, a part of what I was paying for the 85. And I got a really fantastic condition 80 and completed my set at that stage. And then Andy, as I say, he got the 85 and everybody was kind of happy. So, you know, um, he has the only 85. He's crazy about condition, Mr. Davies is. Um and as I say, I think he was trying to put together the only 85 set of Trilogos. I'm not sure. I think he was about three away. I think he was three figures away from doing that. I'm not sure if he has done it. But I'm sure some wealthy uh, uh, Kuwait or, or Dubai sheik might come in and just buy from underneath him. You know I mean? Because yeah. I say there's there's some people that have got just you new know, serious amount of money. I don't know. Andy at one stage also had the uh, he had the three packs. He had a full set of three packs and, and sold them for a a nice tidy sum, you know, but I think he's more went down the road now. He's more into um, uh, 2D than he's into actually um, Carter figures nowadays, you know, so I, I'm not entirely, it's the thing, I don't really get the 2D thing. I get the rarity and I get the, the, the um, you know, putting runs together is extremely difficult. But for me, the nostalgia is only the toys. You know, it, it has, I mean, I have to have a toy with it. You know, I mean, it's like, why would you collect a box flat? I just don't understand it. You know, for me, it, it's all about owning the toy. And as I say, you know, bagging the Medine, you know, was just, you know, and funny, it wasn't the end of my runs, but for that run, because so many people fail at the Medine, that's, that's the sort of, you know, that 
it's not for the faint-hearted, and you have to be ready to spring for it. But I think there's, as far as I know, there's maybe four or five guys waiting on him at the end of the minute. You know, and that's, what you, that's, that's, what you, that's what you have to do. You, you just have to wait. And then Gary Smith, he's like, well, it's not worth the money. You know, it's not worth paying. I think he's got a full set minus. And he, Gary has the, the most, you know, um, I would say the, the, the fullest pack of missed cards that anybody has. Um, and yet he says, no, I'm, I'm not begging. The Medine is just too expensive. And Duncan Jenkins as well. Full set of Trello was apart from the Medine too. And this guy, you know, Duncan's a multimillionaire and not interested in paying the big money from the Medine. It's, it's funny that a lot of people think that it's a boring figure. And of, of course, that's what makes it even more funny that Medine and the Return of Jedi Corp was a total peg warmer, you know, which, you know, it's funny that when it got their trial logo, obviously there were so many um, 65 backs and 77 backs about of the Jedi card in Medine that the trial logos were made in very, very small, small amounts. And ironically, that's the one that's, you know, the big money nowadays. So, you know, it's, 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 it's like Jawas as well. I always find Jawas, you know, are a very interesting story too. The trial logo Jawas is worth big money too, as is the, 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 the VC Jawa, you know, and it's just like, you know, it's funny how things at the time that maybe, you know, seem, you know, annoying and pointless end up to be the big ticket items, you know, 40 years later. So, you know, um, the Medine is, is, you know, I wish there were a few more turned up because I say, I know a lot of people then, I mean, James Martin recently, he, um, sold his set. I think he was only missing the Medine and he's in the process of selling his set off, you know. So, you know, it'd be nice if more were maybe to come to market. However, you know, you don't want the market to tank completely. It's nice that there maybe are only 20 that are known because, as I say, you know, even when the odd car back turns up, you're thinking, OK, right. You know, some people will maybe just go with the car back for the placeholder. But, you know, um, as I say, it, it does have that, 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 I remember some of the French collectors were kind of upset. I remember Stefan was very funny when we met the S and I had the t-shirt and Andy had the t-shirt too. And he was like, you know, he, he had never seen three together in one spot. And, you know, Stefan, he wrote the trilogy, um, uh, trilogy book, you know, and I, you can still see his nose at a joint because I think some of the elite collectors don't like to see anybody else you know, um, with something that they don't have or don't have access to. And I say, but I, I did that t-shirt for fun. I just said to Andy, look, let's take the photograph. Let's, you know, get it done because I say, this might never happen again for posterity. You know, just, you know, but I say, the moronic looks on her faces have kind of made that, that uh, photograph kind of famous. Well, you, know? you certainly um, have. I think every every collector's seen it, haven't they? And all like... Yeah, well, I mean, the fact that he wore, he wore me in a t-shirt, I wore him in a t-shirt in essence. And that was just, you know, that was just kind of the, the vibe from Essen was just like, you know, we were just doing it for fun, uh, shits and giggles, basically, you know, and a lot of people were like, Here, what have you got three Medines not? It's like, you know, that's not the story. The story is just, you know, two buck ages with um, uh, three Medines, you know, uh, on, on, on respective T-shirts. And we just did it for the crack. But as I said, it ended up, you know, a real infamy. But as I said, just adds the um, essence, you know, um, you know, when you look back on it, you know, what a great event it was. I mean, the room sales in essence were amazing, too. I mean, it just it, it, just so much about Essen that, you know, was, uh, as you say, um, lightning in a bottle. And I say, if I can recreate even half the vibe for Essen when I take my wife and, and son to Chicago, I'll be delighted because, I mean, what an amazing event. Now, I want to I want to go backwards a little bit. Um, you obviously grew up in Northern Ireland. Yep. That's where you're from. When did when did you get Star Wars over there? Was it all in line with the UK, with England, or, or was it later? And and when it comes I, to the toys, I, was... It was... No, here's the thing. It was definitely um, late in 78. 
I know that the um the uh didn't didn't England get it um Christmas of seventy seven, is that right? That, 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 yeah, that rings a bell, yeah. Yeah, I think they got it. I think it was like sort of um what do you call a place that, that does a big primers in London? But anyway, that's the score. Yes, I think they got it late Christmas seventy eight because obviously it was it was May seventy eight or seventy seven. Sorry for um America, and then I think Leicester score was uh Christmas seventy eight. So I think Paltoy had to jump on Kenner, whereas we never got the early bird set and things they got there. I think I went to see it. I want to say June seventy eight because it took a long time and it was in the cinemas. Movies in the cinemas were for a long time, but I remember my dad taking me and I was. Let me see, 78, I was, I was 73, I was five and a half, six years old, right? And he had heard about it and he took us, and it completely just, you know, I remember, you know, sort of Northern Ireland and, and generally the UK was very grey. Everything was very grey just back in the day, you know. Um, and I remember going to see Star Wars and I was just like, it just awakened something. It just, you know, sort of lit me up. And I was just like, you know, wow, you know, just as, as, as a child, it, I was the perfect age to go and see something, and it was just unlike anything I'd ever seen before. And then, as I say, my birthday was in July that year, and the toys were there. And um, funny story, um, the Pal Toy Death Star was what I wanted, and I had all the figures. You know, it has a picture of all the figures um, on the packet, on the on the box. And I, I had assumed that basically, you know, you bought the Death Star, the figures came with it. And I remember getting home. <laughs> I know, I remember getting home, and uh, we're looking for the figures, and the two figures, and my dad took it back to the shop, and complained, you know, oh, the figures are on the packet, but they're not, you know, and then obviously the, the famous action figures not included, you know, and I ended up, I know I ended up getting um, uh, 3PO and I think Vader that day instead. The Death Star went back and I didn't get a Death Star again until two years after that, but I remember the Death Star went back and I got action figures instead. My dad took me, my birthday's in July, so he took me to see the movie in June, but being able to get the figures, you know, the, the actual figures from the movie, you know, it was just like, this is just crazy. Just, you know, there's, there's nothing like that. I mean, at that time, Action Man and things like that there were, 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 were big as far as toys for boys were concerned. But, you know, going to watch a movie and then buying the toys, you know, afterwards, it was just something that, you know, it was definitely a new thing. And, you know, then being able to, you know, enact, reenact the movie. Um, I say so. I think it was 78 I got my first figures. Um, was Palatoy the distributor in Northern yes, Ireland at the time? Yes, yeah. yes, absolutely, yep. Um, and um, and then I met my friend Andrew, who's no, long, no longer with us. Uh, you might remember Andy, Phantom Shadow from Rebel Scum Days. He was a um, big world guard collector. But Andy was the only person I knew army building, was army building figures back in the late 70s, early 80s. And, you know, I basically met him at one of the mom and pop shops. It wasn't a toy chain. It wasn't a, a Hamleys or a Debenhams or anything like that there. It was a wee shop called Peter Pan in Belfast. And uh, basically they got all the figures in. And that's where I would have went and got my, my, my action figures. But I met Andy in there one day. And I say, Andy had, you know, he's the only person you had a vinyl Cape Jawa. And he was the one that actually said before, there's a rumor for years that didn't exist on a pile toy car, but he was adamant that he bought it because obviously we didn't have anything didn't have counter cards in in the in the late 70s and early 80s um in northern ireland so he was adamant that the the vinyl cape jawa came on a pal toy car and um it wasn't until one turned up you know i think after he died actually um my friend Andy had a massive brain hemorrhage and died um eight years ago now but he was the one that was adamant that all the figures he got um back in the day all came in a Paltoy card and the Vinyl Cape Jawa, the one that he had, he says, well, it wouldn't have came in a counter card. You know, in spite of the fact I know some were imported in, 
um, he was the one that was always adamant that his came in a pal toy car. So he was he was preaching to the choir back then before actually the one that turned up. You know, and I think there's a few of them that are about knocking on about now. So, you know, he was adamant that the, the Vanity Cape Jawa came in a pal toy card. So, you know, he was preaching to the choir before, you know, it was it was known to be an actual thing. So um definitely Palatoy, um, say the the um land of the Jawas, um, the Palatoy Cantina, you know, with the uh, four figures, they were all things that were um yeah, in, in that wee shop. You know, before and I remember funny, I remember when when, when Empire dropped and basically they've done a big window display that the Turton Probot and they had the um the Imperial Tech base, the uh Tri Car. Remember one one summer that that must have been eighty one because to say obviously everything wouldn't have dropped just straight away in eighty. I think it was eighty one. And basically I never forget that toy shop window. They'd obviously just done it up that day. I was up one summer and I was just thinking to myself, oh my God, what I, how does, how does, how does a child get a job? I'm thinking, how can I make money? How can I buy all this? You know, and that's to collect the mom mentality. I think that's what, 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 what it still exists today. It's the fact that, you know, that, that collect them all, you know, on the back of the card is definitely something that we all relate to. And that's why it, it has endured. It's why the vintage collection, you know, vintage Star Wars has endured because we all had that mindset of collect them all. You know, and and you know, we're, we're still got the mindset. You know, thirty five years later. Yeah, Darren, I think you've just answered the next four questions on the trot there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, forgive us if I'm out of place here, but obviously I'm from Newcastle, and back in the early seventies, uh, sorry, the late seventies, early eighties, right? We didn't have two brass buttons to rub together, and anything that we got, whether it was Star Wars or Transformers or whatever, you got it Stolen. twice a year. You got one for Christmas, and you got one for your birthdays. Okay, and certainly when I was a kid, and I don't recall going to toy shops other than going to the supermarket, and if we were lucky, because we were annoyed we are paying so much, we were allowed to go and stand and look at the toys. Um, yes. So I'm trying to think now, Belfast in the late 70s, 80s, and I know what it looks like now, but what did it look like back then? And would... you're, you're, abs- you're absolutely bang on. You yeah. know, Newcastle and Belfast would have had a lot in common back then. Um, you know, with the political situation back then and stuff like that, there there wasn't an awful lot of money about in Belfast. Um, uh, definitely that, you know, my birthday and Christmas were the two times that you got toys. However, I was very industrious, always have been very industrious. I would have taken on chores. I would have cleared people's backyards out. I would have, um, you know, basically did whatever needed done, you know, um, to actually try and make money. Um, I've always been just very like that as far as, you know, trying to think, okay, how can I get that? That was always, even, it's funny, my son had said to me the other day, he's a massive Transformer uh, fan, my son, and he says, like, that, how, how, how do kids get jobs? I says, well, back when I was younger, I says, there's paper around and things like that there. You could have offered to, to mow somebody's um, garden or whatever. Um, he's like, you know, well, how do I get this? And I went, look, it's a different ballgame. I said, you get pocket money, you get an allowance. I says, back then, you know, you'd have been lucky to get maybe 50p on a Friday, you know, if you were lucky. Um, I says, when I was younger, you know, I would have done, I would have went to aunties and uncles' house and, and, and grannies and grandas and asked, the want something done, you know, and sometimes you were getting maybe 20, 30p, but 20, 30p towards a £1.50 figure, you know, was always the way you could build your collection. You know, you do that for a wee while. So I was just always very industrious, you know. I always believe that if, if you want to find money, you know, including as an adult, you know, if you're prepared to get your hands dirty, you know, you can always find a way 
to get to where you want to be. But I say Belfast, you know, and I'm from a um, my mum and dad divorced um, in, in the 70s. So I was from a one parent family. So it's a double whammy. You know, it's not even that you don't have any money. You know, there was, was times um, I remember, uh, you know, basically we had cardboard. I think one of my brothers had broken the window and we had the cardboard in the winter <laughs> sat over the window. So believe me, it was like even, even trying to collect back in the 70s and 80s was, was difficult. But, you know, you, you know, if you were prepared to, you know, uh, put in the hours, no pun intended, you know, you can actually, you know, that that's how I collected. And I actually managed to build a really good collection. In spite of the fact, you know, like yourself, there wasn't two data of together. But in spite of that, I, I managed to build my collection, you know, um, with, with a lot of graft. Now, I know there's a story behind this, but what happened to your childhood collection? Oh, dear. Oh, well, <laughs> this, <laughs> this is what it haunts me. It absolutely haunts me that, you know, when I got there by 13, I was still and let me see, when I was 13, uh, let me see, 86, right? I was 13 and 86, and I was still buying um, Carter figures in 86. Um, and I'm, I remember going, and at that point, there, I wasn't playing on my toys. 13, you know, I was I was already re- really in. And I knew, do you know what, Rich? I always, I'm sure, I always knew, just something in me always knew that would be worth money someday or they would be collectible someday. I just knew that just the, the um, how iconic everything was. I just had a feeling that, you know, the stuff... You know, and so I always really, especially sort of when I got the Return of the Jedi, 83, I was already 10 years old in 83. So I was at that point there, I wasn't really playing with my toys the way that it did when, you know, I was, you know, eight or nine. I was already thinking, OK, you make sure the weapons are kept, make sure they're kept really well, you know, keep everything together, keep the boxes. That was a big thing, keep the boxes. And um, by the time I got to 86, you know, that was the time I got the Imperial Shuttle and the Y-Wing Fighter. I think I got the Y-Wing Fighter that Christmas of 86. And um, I was already thinking, OK, you know what? Let's keep, you know, take it out of the box, but keep the inserts, keep everything, keep the instructions, keep the sticker sheet and blah, blah, blah. I was already thinking, you know, let's preserve. And um, and then, as I say, uh, I, I put them up in the loft. I ended up putting them, bagged everything. All the box stuff went up in the mum's loft. And I said, OK, you know what? They'll be fine up there. So, you know, five, six years go by and um, everything's still up there. And it's kind of got into girls and music like most boys do. And um, and then uh, my mum says to me, look, Dan, we're downsizing our house because at one stage, you know, me and my two brothers and my sister lived in the family home. But uh, both my brothers who are older than I, um, they moved out. And it's only my sister and me and my mum and my stepdad. She's like, we're downsizing to a smaller place. And I says, right, okay, no problem. And I already had a, I was, I had a place, I my own place at that stage. It was about maybe 19, I my own place. And mum says, like, we're moving out, come and get your stuff. And I was like, right, okay, right, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Right? And I was thinking to myself, okay, if I didn't say anything, she'd just take everything with her to the new place. Bad, bad mistake that was. So, so basically she moved out into the smaller place, left all my stuff, all my childhood toys, I know there's there's the stories of how mothers, you know, sold stuff at charity or jumble sales and things like that there or sold everything for or give it all the goodwill. But the fact that mine's was so well looked after, you know, I mean, and as I say, it was all pretty much perfect from from about the middle man of strikes back onwards. Everything would have been nearly an unplay with condition. But um, she uh, she left it all in the house. And then she says to me, um, you're going to have to go and get your stuff. So long story short. I went and wrapped the door of the new people that lived in the house who bought the house from my mum. And um, 
I was like, uh, okay, so um, I used to live here, and um, I, there's some old toys up in the in the roof space. I said, all the toys, I get them to my kids. He said, but you can take them if you want. And I went into the house, and I've told this story, you know, ad nauseum. It was literally like Toy Story, Sid from Toy Story. It was like the kids, they were all under five, and they had absolutely mangled it. You know, I remember seeing Rebel Transport, you know, and it was like, it had paint on it. Like the kids painted it or something, and the figures missing arms, the figures missing heads, and it's just like you know, basically your man, you had I'd give the toys, you know, shut them up, and you know, but you give Star Wars toys to under fives, you know, there's only gonna be one outcome, you know, and even though them them toys were you know made to be played with, you know, they were pretty much destroyed, and that's when we really started collecting. I was like, you know what, I'm gonna have to get that stuff back. Can't believe you know I let it you know uh, get destroyed basically. So that kind of was the new mission. The new mission was, you know, okay, right, you know what, I'm going to get in an unplayable condition. And that's when I started, you know, really going for uh, minting cards and stuff like that there and sealed items and things. And that was kind of like the epiphany. That was, you know, it was like, okay, get it all back, you know, because I say, I don't own one item from the childhood collection. And that's a real killer. You know, I could have picked anything up that day, you know what I mean, um, from that house. And I, I believe that, you know, I say that, that stuff's probably, you know, well, well skipped. You know, by now, you know, so it wouldn't be even the case of going around and saying, oh, is there anything left in the space? You know, that was just a one and done. And I say, it, 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 it kind of gave me my, my profile, my collecting profile. It gave me, you know, the, the mission, you know, when I, when I started collecting again hard. But I mean, that, that would have been, just trying to think, that would have probably been really early 90s. You know, because I wasn't that, I hadn't moved out that long of my mom. So, you know, I pretty much started again, I would say, right, 93, 94, you know, collecting again. You know, and as I say, it would have been, you know, at the start, loose figures, because I never forget when I found the internet, what's a blue snaggle tooth? Holy crap, what is this? Some of the things, the sonic land speeder, some of the things that we never had, like the, the Kenner land of the job was with the skate pod and all. The, the first time that I realized that stuff existed, you know, it was just like, it was mind blowing. You know what I mean? And as I say, tying back into what we were talking about earlier on about how I went to memorabilia, you know, and seeing a lot of this stuff for the first time when there was still a lot of it about. It was just, you know, and it really gave me the impetus, you know, to, you know, um, start collecting again. And as I say, that, that say that losing the collection would have been the one defining moment that sort of got me back in big time. Because as I say, I reckon maybe I wouldn't have been as, um, wouldn't have been as, as, as keen to start again had I not lost it all. But it was that loss after being so careful and then stupidity. You know, but a, a, a lot of us are in the same boat, as you know, Rich and Stu, you know, a lot of us had great childhood collections and then they got sold off, you know, for a packet of cigarettes or whatever it was at the time, you know, or, you know, somebody swapped it for a skateboard. We all have that story. But, you know, mine was stupidity, mine was stupidity, you know, so that's why I felt the need to um, start a game. And, uh, you know, I'm glad I did. <laughs> Now, Darren, obviously you've dived straight in. We'll focus a bit on Trilogo, and I think a lot of people do know you from Trilogo, but that's just a small subset of your entire collection because you've really gone to town on a whole different range of cards and boxes and, and different things. How do you juggle space with what you have got in your collection? Because you've said it's, yourself, and I agree with you, boxes are a no. Yeah, space is the biggest enemy of every collector. Right. Um, and I live in a decent sized house. Um, but I always say to the wife, like, you know what? I really don't want my collection to impinge on our living space because I know there's like people like James Burns, as like, you've probably seen on, there was a show I think he was on about, you know, how yeah, basically hoarders. his wife was a great point. Yeah. Hoarders. Yes. Right. Yeah. And the thing is, 
as you know, you're probably going to talk about this at some stage too, about how I do modern as well. Um, you know, realistically, you have to at some stage say, okay, right, okay, you know, if you were to come to my home, unless I was take it to my vintage room, you wouldn't know pretty much as a clacker. You know, as I said, it doesn't sort of impinge in any room in the house. At one stage, it was all, um, my modern collection was all in the roof space, but I've, I've since moved that into um, secure storage. Um, I think the thing about it is, you know, uh, I probably, there's no collecting that can be big enough because you're, you're, you're kind of future-proofing. Because if you want to keep collecting and staying relevant, you know, you're always going to have to need a bit more space. My problem is because I'm a completist, I have to have every vehicle in every movie in every box, in every, um, like, so if there's an MTV with a, 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 a Jedi font, I want also the Empire Strike Back one night. I know there are guys out there that collect every sort of, you know, front, so it's, it'll be special offers, it'll be, you know, various different things. If I just have one from, from each movie, that's kind of me done. So if I've got an Empire Strikes Back X-Wing and I've got a Star Wars X-Wing, I've got a Jedi X-Wing, that's kind of where I leave it. And saying that there, there are things that I don't have that, you know, I would like to actually acquire. However, my room at the minute now, literally every inch of space, I don't want to start putting stuff on the floor. Once you start putting stuff on the floor, basically, you don't want to impinge on the floor space. It's fine on the walls, but you don't want to impinge on the floor space. Eventually, you'll just start stacking stuff up. And then it's just like, you know, it's not a collection. It's just hoarding, as you say, like the, the James Burner thing. So, you know, my, uh, my my vintage collection now, I say, once I did the runs, I did the Star Wars. Um, 12 packs and then the next nine characters up to Boba Fett. Then every character on a Persex back font. Then in every character on Return of the Jedi font. And then the tri logos. Realistically, you can go into things like foreign, but again, you know, I don't have the, the wall space left. I think I've got at the minute about 350 carded figures. Nearly every vehicle and sort of, um, because I've got like three Millennium Falcons. You know, I've got the Jedi Falcon, the um, Empire Strikes Back Falcon with the um, with the basement scene and also with the uh, Stormtrooper scene. So I'm missing the Star Wars Falcon, although it was only ever available in America. So if you have a Star Wars Falcon, you know, you've obviously got that. Because Palatoy only started doing the Empire Strikes Back, you know, so it was only ever available from the Empire Strikes Back. But again, do you need four Millennium Falcons? You know, this is the question you have to ask yourself. And it's like you've quickly run out of space if you start you know, with four adats and four Millennium Falcons and things like that there. But it's just sometimes a clack around. You want to do runs. The clack around, you want to do runs. But as I say, you have to sort of curtail it. You know, at some stage, I would say, right, you know what? Maybe two adats, maybe the different um, photograph, you know, with the Endor and the Hoth. Maybe two adats is enough. You know, maybe two Falcons is enough. You know, maybe the, the basement scene and the, the uh, Return of the Jedi scene with the... Um, like Tattoo and Lando Skiffguard and things on it. You just have to at one stage make compromises, you know, and, you know, I think, you know, my collection at the minute is pretty much definitive. I don't know what it add to it, you know, unless I started going down the road doing um, farm runs. But as I say, you know, the problem is, and, and they want to say relevant, you know, the thing about it is, like, I got that pink box, you know, Peter was saying about the very, when you're doing the rapid fire um, questions. I got that pink uh, shrink wrap Canadian snow speeder because I didn't have a pink box snow speeder, right? But I know there's a, a Kenner one and, you know, it was just a case, okay, I didn't have the pink box, so I need to get that at some stage. But again, I already had a, a sealed snow speeder. Do I need to get another snow speeder? You know, I think it's just a case of, you have to ask yourself the question, how much, how many runs do you want to complete? How many things do you want to do? And it's just a case of, you know, space will eventually get you. 
you know, regardless of who you are. I admire the Zen-like collectors that only have three shelves, maybe of quality items, you know, but, you know, for me, it's collect them all. That's just my profile. You know, I have to have, you know, everything, you know, or, or, or as near as everything as possible. Although I was talking to Jeff Jacob the other day, and all I can say is when his new display space drops, I mean, everybody's going to be like, whoa, right? You know what? But again, with Jeff, he has the floor space. Right? America is different. You know, he, I mean, his his entire display space is probably bigger than my house, right? And I have a decent sized house, but what, what he's going to be doing, and it's not just, it's over two floors, what he's going to be doing, and it's just a case of, right, you know what? If, if we were all multi-millionaires and we all had, you know, you know, whatever space he wanted to do, what it is he wanted to do, you know, we could all have amazing, you know, display areas. However, it's just the reality is that, you know, most of us, especially the mid, I'd say the mid, I'm a mid-tier collector. There are elite collectors. People think I'm, like, I'm, not, I'm not an elite collector. There are elite collectors out there that, you know, have, you know, like Jason Joyner and people like that there that have just, you know, warehouse amounts of space, you know what I mean? And, you know, like they're never going to fill it up, you know what I mean? Whereas, you know, people like yourself and myself and even with great collections, you know, eventually space is going to finish. And as much as I love the modern as well, you know, I had to make a compromise with the modern because it was like a case of, right, you know, if you want to keep collecting modern, you've got to move it out of your house because you've got too too much of it. And even though I had a bit of a purge last year, I mean, it's probably less than 5% of what I own as far as the modern is concerned, you know. Um, And as I say, space will get you no matter what. I think if, if, if you're if you're a collector of any way, shape or form, you know, um, I think that collect the mom mentality, I say, which was talked about earlier on, it's just, you know, it's ingrained into you. You know, and the way I look at it is all the 3.75 inch stuff, you know, from 78 till now, you know, I just think it's a continuation of the line, you know, and I, I can get as excited about getting a modern item as I do about a vintage item. Um, and it's just the case for me is that the plan is someday, right, you know, to build a custom made space for everything and have it, you know, running chronological, you know, um, 78 to whenever the stop now. Senator, I have lost a bit of interest um, in like this, these this Star Wars Resistance stuff and all. It isn't really floating my boat. You know, I, I do like the Hasbro Vintage Collection and things like that there. And buying the solo toys was, was a bit of a nightmare because they weren't available in the UK. Most of them weren't available in the UK. However, you know, I just think that the Disney acquisition, at one stage, you know, before Disney, there was, a, there was an end point. You could have maybe had all the toys from six movies. And even if Hasbro had decided to continue on making modern stuff, you could have probably had some sort of, you know, um, you know, complete sort of collection. I just think it's it's it's, it's infinite now. I, I don't think there's ever going to be an end to it, you know. And so, you know, I think again, you know, there'll be there'll be compromise. You have to make compromises as a collector. You know, focus on 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 because you can't have everything. Well, with modern, because I, I collect modern as well, but not the extent you do. I think I've got my goal now sorted, um, and I've got it in my head. Initially, I was going to go for one of everything until I think the figures hit 4,000. And I thought, right, 4,000 figures, how on earth am I going to display those? And I just gave up. And, and unless I can sell a kid, I've got to keep everything in the same room, so I'm really struggling for space. And I've remodeled my room three times now, and I've already ran out again. But um, it's interesting that you mentioned all these, these items, Darren, but you've not touched on anything that we would call oddball or behind the toys, you know, like Dixie Cups and Helix and things like that. Do, do those yes. not throw your boat, or do you have a small area set away for that? I do. There's, 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 there's um, I think that the, the farthest from recently there, there was some, um, had the, um, the old Death Star and things like that there, the pencil sharpener and things like that there. And I do have 
I mean, a huge um, area set aside for swag. Um, basically, they've done all the swag, that, which, as you know, some of the, the fan items are, are amazing. Um, but realistically, apart from the odd um, fee and fee quarter inch custom, you know, I don't really do. I do six inch as well, but I don't do. Um, uh, I don't do the oddball sort of, you know, items because say just, you know, the space that you're gonna have to go up, give up to them, you know, just doesn't work for me. So as I say, it's just like there's that much space already taken up that, um, you know, it's just there are so many cool things out there, you know. But it's like the 12 inch figure and stuff like that. There, just I've just got no room, you know. You know, the gentle giant um, vintage uh, figures that they've done, you know, um, the 12 inch. You know, again, somebody bought me a few of those, and it's like, you know what? I don't have the space to do another line. Do you know what I mean? I just, just, I just don't have the room to start. You know, um, another. It's gonna be fifty or sixty figures. You know, in the line. You know, I just don't have the space to do it. So, you know, you just have to make compromises. You know, even the stuff that you find that say, oh, that's definitely cool. I like to do that. You know, again, as I say, you just don't have the room, as you say, you've you've, you've remodeled three times. You know, and that's just that's the reality. I think if you if you collect for a long time, eventually you're like, oh, I don't have a space for this. You know, so something I noticed in your in your carded run, your vintage carded run, you've you're saying that you haven't gone down the foreign carded line, but you, you've yeah. got a lot of Kenner cards. But I didn't notice any Power of the Force cards at all in your runs. No, again, it's the yellow bubbles. I can't. You know, it's like you know, there's something about the yellow bubbles to me that is just like, well, I don't ever remember going to a store. You know, in, in the 70s or 80s and finding a yellow bubble anywhere. Everything was, you know, pretty much pristine. And again, the yellow bubble run, um, Trilogos seem to be exempt, which is kind of cool. But the, the Jedi run, you know, all 77 figures on the Jedi run is not for the faint hearted. Now, I have had numerous, um, we've had, had to rebuy the same figure, um, because the bubble tinted. But the whole problem with, um, the part of force, we never got it in the UK. So I don't feel any sort of affinity towards one of them. And then the yellow bubbles as well are maybe 70, 80 percent of them. Again, it's just like, you know, my collecting profile wouldn't let me, you know, I spend them, you know, and I know like the act face and the neck toe and, you know, and the Anakin, there's very few of them about that are clear bubbles. But, you know, they're just not for me, you know, as I say. And then again, it's like we never had them. So I don't I don't have a nostalgic affinity towards them. And also, we have, you've obviously touched on the vinyl cape jar earlier, but I believe you do own a. Uh, mint on card vinyl cape jower was that an easy find they're not um seen well, that often again again that i got that quite early um um what what had happened initially i remember band funny enough dave tree and nick sold me one uh, a loose one for the princey sum of 200 pounds back at one of the early memorabilia i thought to myself you know what you know it's a real achievement to get one of those mint on card and um I actually got an 80, I've got a straight 85 one, 85, 85, 85, and there's no discoloration at the moment. But it's the horror stories, you know, when you see them, you know, ones that are good at 90 or ones that are good at 85 and the discoloration started. Look, I think in all fairness, I'm lucky that I live in Northern Ireland where the, the, the temperature is quite, um, cool. And it's, um, it's, I mean, you're, you see them up, up, uh, in Newcastle. They're, um, rich because I say, you know, it's, it's, um, the temperature is, is I have air conditioning in my room. It's the only room in the house that has air conditioning in my in my storage room. However, you know, I think that keeping it at a certain temperature might either slow down or prevent the discoloration. I think a lot of the ones that are turning at the minute, I think it's inevitable that some of them will turn and then as I said it'll 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 maybe kill the value. But the worry is now that you know there's there's certain items that, you know, that are just gonna be that's just gonna be the, the, the norm. You know, um 
yellow bubbles or discoloration in capes or you know um i don't i don't buy into the fact that figures are going to fall off the card i don't i don't buy into that simply because the way they put onto the card with the um the, the heat um and the lithos sort of melting onto the um actual card i think that the bubbles will stay on for a while. I know there have been some that have fallen off, but by and large, I think that's a, a scare tactic. I think if you if you if you create your collection properly, you know you can mitigate the problems such as you know bubbles turning yellow. I think realistically, I did at one stage try to do some research into why some Return of the Jedi card of figures have remained clear, whilst others seem to be you know, yellow all the time, and it wasn't until talked to quite a few Americans about batch theory which is the um you know figures made at a certain time with the the the, the bubbles and, and the fact because i had to put flame retardant in apparently some are more prone to yellow which is why you see basically you very rarely see a clear bubble hamper whereas luke skywalker x-wing or death star droid on jedi cards seem to be clear all the time long story short you know it's like you know, there are mitigating factors in certain figures it will always be yellow and you know things like that there whereas i just think that in the likes of the final cape jawa with the recent um discoloration i think it's only a matter of time before you know that you know that there only are a few left and as i say they have to be kept at a certain temperature to um stop that because i just think it's just the breaking thing they weren't meant to be kept for 40 years as you know richard stewart you know these things just weren't meant to be they're, they're, they're disposable, disposable items, you know, and I say, you know, there will be more. It's, it's funny, you know, what's it going to be in 20 years or 30 years? Do you know what I mean? And, and when I think about in 30 years, I'm going to be 70, 75, you know, so it's like, you know, what state are these going to be in at that time, you know? But the Violet Cave Java say it was, it was, it was, um, it was a good find. Um, I got it for a great price compared to what they're worth now. Um, I wouldn't like to be banned in the market for one now, especially with the, the scholaration, because when I bought mines, there was no problems with that. And I say mines at the minute. Touch wood is still in 85 condition. Do you think in 25 years' time that you'll still be wearing a, a Swedish drinking team T-shirt and getting hammered at Celebration 25? Yeah, right, okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. I, I think all of our card figures will be in a better condition than us in 30 years' time. I know that much. I would say that's probably a, a fair shout. Um, honestly, to me, it's the, um, it definitely is the, the social end of it. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, I'm looking forward so much to seeing some of the. I haven't seen them since um, uh, Orlando, and um, it's like you know, I just can't wait. You know, and I think it's 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 a social end of it. Uh, say now, there's so few things that I'm pursuing. You know, um, as far as the complete runs are, runs are concerned, stuff like that. There, I know there's a lot of lot of hobby, a lot of the elite sort of collectors. You know, they're maybe chasing a. You know, a certain amount of proof cards, whatever the things they got, or somebody's chasing, you know, this ultimate bootleg or whatever. But for me, you know, I don't really go to celebration, you know, chasing, um, you know, items or, you know, trying to make contacts and network with somebody because I want this piece. Because I know at the top of the hobby, there is a lot of sort of you know, backdoor and things like that. But you know what? I'm not into any of that. You know, at the end of the day, I try to help people. You know, you know I try to help people with pricing. Try to help people with, you know, if I know somebody's looking to sell a piece, trying to find that collector that might want that piece. I mean, I don't see the point. You know, I think the mentality is, you know what, you know, if you want to have an elite collection, you have to start another collector to get that. And I've never, you know, ascribed to that, you know, that mentality. You know, I'm happy with what I've got. You know, I'm happy that, you know, um, you know, I've made friends. Bad certain pieces from those friends and stuff like that there. And if it comes to if I can help somebody, you know, I, I just think that you know, um, by and large, you know, the, the people the people make the hobby, right? And I say 
so many great people within the hobby um, that I do think, you know, until until I can't do it anymore, until it, it, it ends up, you know, maybe I'm in my 60s or whatever, and as you say, celebration, you know, 47, you know, <laughs> I think, you know, it, it may just be a case of, right, you know what, at some stage, I mean, there will be, I imagine, some sort of major purge at some stage. You know, I do think that, you know, when a certain characters get to a certain age, they'll be looking to cash in their pensions. You know, for me, I'm not looking never to sell my stuff. You know what I mean? And, but by the same token, I also don't want to leave my kids, you know, a huge amount of toys to try and sell. You know, I mean, at, at some stage, I suppose you could argue that, you know, you, you, we all have to think about, you know, cashing out. I think that was one of the threads that also in Rebel Scum years and years ago I wrote about, you know, that, you know, at some stage we all have to look at, right, do you know what, do you want your kids to be basically, you know, um, being there with all this stuff? And I have such a big collection. Realistically, I wouldn't want anybody to take on, you know, I mean, realistically, I would need an, an online store to come to my house and, and lift everything because it's just, just so much. So I just think, you know, yes, yes to Celebration 47. Um, no, no to no to uh, leaving my kids, you know, in the aftermath of, mm-hmm. of my demise, you know, the trying to shift it all because say, come back to Andy earlier on when Andy died, quite suddenly he had a big big collection, he had hot toys, he had Lego, he had vintage, and basically he had told his mum, and this was news to me, and I, I nearly think if it's one of the last joke he played on me, Andy had said to his mum like, if anything ever happens to me, Darnell sort it out, right? And I did, I ended up selling the stuff for him for his mum. And any money that was made, I give it to his mum. But the whole thing was, you know, having done that for somebody, I would never like to wish it on anybody. So I would say that, you know, for anybody that's, uh, you know, a long hauler like ourselves, you know, have a plan, have a plan for what, you know, the ship. Yes, yes, the celebration forty-seven. No to leaving your your kids, you know, when they're in their forties, <laughs> to have the trend shift all the stuff. Um, there's two more brief things I want to just touch on before we we close up. Darren, yeah. I did. I, there was a lovely little thread on on Roll Scum where you had in December two thousand and two, you had still found Return of the Jedi cards hanging on the peg. Yes, yes, that's funny. It was um again, you know, my daughter actually, one of my daughters turns uh, twenty one tomorrow. Um, happy birthday, Jane, by the way. Um, she turned. Um, there was a sto- there was a, a toy master in um at Belfast, and you know. A lot of the times we were getting the girls stuff for Christmas. I remember like trying to get the twinny scooter and various other things back in the day. And say it led you down the road of, you know, maybe looking in different toy stores and things like that there. And I never forget there was um there was carded uh Return of the Jedi and Mini Rigs. And in two thousand two again I, I I was collecting again. But I was mad in the modern. Um and you know, I had all the loose Vintage, but I wasn't really going mad for for minting on cards the way we'd be from about 2004 2005. I remember seeing them and thinking, "Oh goodness, you know." And they were 199. Um, <laughs> I forget the price. Come back to that story again. Even come back even further. Um, I actually recall Droids A wings and Droids Fats and stuff. Um, in Dunn stores in, in in Northern Ireland. I remember those being on sale for 20 quid as well, and they had them floor to ceiling. Um, I would say this is about maybe 89. Um, and again, they were looking at that stage where there was no more interest in stars whatsoever. I do recall um, the best story that I can tell, though, is in 92. Um, I remember I'd, I, was, I was in my first band back then um, and we would have played uh, Dublin um, and the south of Ireland quite a lot. And I remember one of the stores in Grafton Street in Dublin um, It was like a touristy type of store. It sold like leprechauns and, you know, all modern nonsense. 
but they had a full wall of a three pack of space figures, right? I wasn't cracking back then. I'm talking like a full, you know, maybe about 30 feet, right? About seven feet. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of the three packs. I remember feeling really sad that, you know, Star Wars had come to this, you know, that basically they weren't even Star Wars or space figures, you know, and it's funny, um, talking about Dave Trey and Darren Simpson and things they like got there, they managed to piece together, I don't know if you know this story, but they managed to piece together the story of, you know, how they ended up where they, where they did and how they ended up in the state of Ireland and stuff, but, but that was the biggest, you know, regrets, you know, that I, I mean, there were one punt, that's back when the, the Irish, um, uh, currency was a punt, right? One punt, which is about, uh, less than a pound, but 80p, you could have bought three figures, and they were trying to go fets, and they had all manner of everything, and you know what price they go for nowadays, but I mean, realistically, hindsight, I mean, I could have bought 30 or 40 of those buggers, you know, um, for less than like 40 quid, so it's just like, you know, this is the thing, it's 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 the fine, it's it's the the moments in your collecting life, it's really funny, if you've been on for a long time, there'll always be moments where you're like, I can't believe I didn't buy that, when I had the opportunity to buy it at that price, you know, again, get back to memorabilia, you know, back in the day, I remember they had, you know, glass light or glacite figures, you know, um, for like 16, 70 pound, meant on card, and you're thinking to yourself, you know, foresight is a wonderful thing, you know, hindsight is a wonderful thing, you know, the price you could have got things for back in the day, not just Jedi figures, but even like rare stuff, proper rare stuff, you know, and had it, was the, and here's the thing as well, the fact that the Trilogo Y-Wing, that everybody's knowledge is only ever turned up in Ireland. You know, I'm sure had I been searching back in the day, you know, you could have found some of the things like that. There, it's just, you know, it's just hindsight's great. You know, we'd all be millionaires, you know, or have amazing collections if we had it been, you know, in the 90s, you know, buying the stuff, you know, uh, en masse. I was going to, the last thing I wanted to ask you was about the Space Figure 3 packs because <laughs> I was, I just wanted to know whether you remember them being on the shelf, but clearly you do back then. Yeah. Do you, do you know who packs them? Well, this is the thing. What the story, what, what I've been told is there was a nunnery. Yes, nuns. Nuns in Ireland that wrote the Palatoy sort of like in the mid-80s. Maybe it might have been just the late 80s, actually. Asking for donations. Um, for uh, um, I've, I've tried my best to cooperate this story and stuff like that. There, their tree was quite helpful with it. But he said how um, Palatoy sent them a lot of carded figures with a proviso that they couldn't be sold to Star Wars figures and with the weapons and stuff that, you know, they couldn't put the weapons. That's why a lot of three packs on weapons. So basically, you know, they said, okay, you can't sell them to Star Wars figures, blah, blah. So basically, I think they monetized it and ripped all the figures off the cards and put them in the, and they were packaged separately in, uh, in generic packaging. But I believe that, you know, that was under the proviso that, you know, from Palatoy that, so basically, the choking hazard with the weapons and stuff, that's why there's no weapons with it and stuff. But basically, the, the nuns found somebody to repackage the figures and sold them basically to make money for, um, I suppose, the, the diocese in Ireland, in rural, rural, rural Ireland, which is just hilarious. You know, you think that nuns are getting these star figures and, and repackaging them or finding somebody to repackage them. But the thing is, when I seen them, I mean, I remember there were, it was like a case of, right, you know, one punt for three Star Wars figures. I was like, this is just really, really sad that the leg. It was even sadder than seeing them in in Woolworths when it was when adults were five ninety nine and, and, and many eggs were ninety nine p. I mean, it was like you know there must have been just so much of the stock about in the late eighties that you know the the market couldn't absorb it. It just couldn't absorb. There's just so much. I think by the time I got the Jedi as well because it ramped up production. 
that, you know, there was just so much of it about. And when the line started to die, that's why we're lucky enough today that there's so much about today. But those three packs, I say, I remember just thinking, oh, God, look how far Star Wars is. I remember, I thought when I first seen Miss Cards, that was bad. I was thinking, oh my God, where's the quality control? When I seen space figures, I was like, oh dear God, this is really, you know, sad that my childhood has ended up like this here. But um, it's funny how, you know, hindsight, I should have bought them by the, the truckload. You know, what's to say? Yeah, I know. It's, it's brilliant. Hindsight's great. You know, we'll, we'll all be, as I say, we'll have incredible collections. Um, Stuart and Rich, if we, if we, if we had of a, if we knew what we, we know now, you know? Yeah, sadly we didn't. Darren, <laughs> the, the last question that I ask everybody, if, uh, the Earth's coming to its end, and we're moving to a new, a new, uh, a new planet. We're on the shuttle. No monetary value out there. You're only allowed to take one piece from your collection. What are you taking, and why? I'm gonna take my uh, white back um, caravator because um, I just think it's such an oddity. The Japanese not only got their own sculpt for Vader, but they packaged it with a white background and a red footer. I was like, what, what's going on there? What, what was that about? You know what I mean? Um, I just think it's just it's such an oddball piece. Um, and I say I got a cracking deal on it, I think, um, in the early noughties. And uh, I just want to see what the 85s go for now. It doesn't make like, holy crap. Right? But that, that piece there is just, it, it's, it's you know, I think the Vader with a different sculpt on the head and just how it pops on the card. That would be the one to take with me. And I think uh, a big question, which we, we've... We've heard the words a couple of times tonight, both of them. Mm. Are you a hoarder or are you a completist? Oh dear. Um, honestly, <laughs> I would say I would say that I'm a completist with hoarder tendencies. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's a good answer. <laughs> Darren, thank you so much. I, I, we've we've hardly really touched on your collection. Yeah. But, um, it's been been fascinating. There's some great stories behind some of your your purchases and your growing up and whatnot. And uh, I've really really enjoyed that. And I'm sure Rich will share it. We'd both love to share a drink with you in a in Chicago and what's happening yeah. it's definitely happening definitely yeah but it's been great having you on mate uh, you've been on our hit list for a little while and you, it's, it's great your, your stories just flow and it's brilliant brilliant to hear everything about your background it's thank I've you very really much I've really enjoyed it Badger, thank you Now let's go on to the first newest acquisitions of 2019. I'm so excited by everything tonight. Jez, hit me. Hello, what happened here? Ah, good. New acquisitions. Yeah, 2019. It's one o'clock in the morning and I'm not at all fatigued. 
everything is going brilliantly. It got such a good feeling. Now, Stu, we always start off with new acquisitions. You've got the first one on page 2307, username Red Dog Blues. Now, tell me about it, mate. He's got himself a nice car. Yeah, he's um, he's, he's picked himself up a mental card. He's... He's got a, got a 12-back, which uh, obviously I'm collecting at the moment. He's picked himself up a 12-back Chewbacca, but this is with the 32-back sticker on the back. So it is the 12D. I'm sure you've all seen these. So the 12D is exactly like a 12C card. It's, you know, it's got the 12C front and then the back. Um, it's still got the, I think it's it's the X-Fighter, TIE Fighter, X-Wing, TIE Fighter and Land Speeder. But then over the bottom bit, which used to have like the display stand, it's got the 32 back sticker which is another 20 the next 20 figures that came out on empire understand that they did this for you know lots of cards laying around and they used it now as far as i can find online only nine figures are known to exist on this card the death squad commander 3po kenobi han vader leia luke r2 and chewbacca it is thought that sand people and jawa do not exist although there is rumors the stormtrooper does exist although focus collectors of stormtroopers uh, have not confirmed a sighting or an example of it so yes yeah, so you're looking for nine of the 12 on there i wondered how rare these were so i went on to tracker and checked the last four years worth of data uh, the chewbacca he's picked up there has been three sales on that so not overly overly uh, rare i wouldn't say but vader kenobi 3po luke no examples leia death squad commander and r2 one example and most of those were between three to six hundred pounds but there's also been one hand solo which was a small head hand and that sold for 2728 so obviously quite desired but yeah i just just thought we'll bring up that sticker because i don't think a lot of people would have seen it i'm sure we've covered it in the early days but um nice nice little touch on the back of a 12 pack yeah it's nice i mean you, you said about three have been sold that could well be the same one being sold over and over again so yeah still regardless of whether or not there's three or one of those has been sold more than once yeah definitely desirable they look really cool uh, great spot mate yeah awesome congrats red dog blues that's sweet and how you doing Chewbacca? you still hanging around with this loser so staying on page 2307 well, not only has he been with us for the last three episodes of the Vintage Rebellion podcast, it was Steve Savory, Savory 100, with this 32-pack hand Solo Mint on card. Bit of a theme going on here with carded figures. He said he's been looking for three years, and this completes his numerical hand Solo Kenner Mint on card run. Here's the collecting pin. In fact... I'm not going to read out what he's written. Let's go over to Steve now, a little bit of a recording with us, telling us how delighted he is to get this carded figure. Hi, uh, Steve here. Uh, Jez asked me to pop back on this month as he was interested to hear about the Empire Strikes Back carded hand solo that I recently picked up and why I was quite excited. Well... I've got a bit of a Han Solo focus going on, original Han Solo, and around four years ago, maybe a little less, it ground to a bit of a halt. I was working on a Kenner run using the Kellerman uh, as a starting point to see what's out there, but I couldn't for the life of me, no matter where I looked, dig up an ESB 32 back Han Solo mock. I got no idea why this one was so tough. Folk I chatted to about it, hadn't noted it as a particularly rare one, shouldn't be that hard to find, so I thought I'd bide my time, wouldn't make a big fuss, and one would eventually turn up. Year one passes, and I move on to a side focus of 
the Hoth Rebel Soldier because there is still no Han 32 back. Year 2 passes, still no Han 32 back, and I'm starting to think that Kellerman's made a mistake, and maybe this is the 12 back with the 32 back sticker, which I know is very rare, but still no Han. Year 3 passes, and I move on to a mini run of Rebel Commando. Still no Han. We're in year 4, and... No, wait, what's that? I'm just heading to the checkout in Morrison's, browsing Facebook with Jill, and all of a sudden, there it is. A guy, Mark Peru. He's selling, amongst a load of other mocks, a Han Solo 32 back. I check it twice, expecting it to be the 31 back that I've seen dozens and dozens of times on my quest, and been disappointed every time. But no, it's definitely a 32 back. I must have counted the figures on the back about eight times, even though it's really obvious the difference between a 31 and a 32. There's one more figure. I literally, as Jill has pointed out to me and laughed at me for, went really giddy and got a bit overexcited. She had to then sort out the shopping, and I actually had to go and have a sit down so I could PM the guy. I sent the message. No reply. I noted the guy's in Australia, so I'm thinking, ah, oh, how long is this going to take? We walk all the way back to hers, it's only half a mile or so, start doing some cooking, and then an hour or so later, the reply appears. There is a Han 32 back and it's still available. I'm on it like a tramp on chips. Literally could not reply quick enough. So Mark and I discuss shipping, we organise payment, I send it over via PayPal, and he messages a day or so later to say that it's shipped. Two or three weeks pass, and I inquire how it's going. It was only really at that point, because I've been so excited, that I realised I hadn't asked for tracking. And he says, he'll check it. The next day, he messages me and said it's been delivered. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? It has been delivered. It's been delivered back to him. My alarm bells start ringing. Am I being scammed? Who is this Mark guy? Oh no, have I just lost a bunch of cash to a guy I don't know who's on the other side of the globe? Mark's really great though. He's a really top bloke. He assures me he'll send it the next day. And he does. He sends me the tracking this time as soon as he sent it. And he explains that the guy at the post office in Australia had had him fill out an internal rather than an international form for shipping last time. Hence why it had ended up pinging back to him when it had actually got to the international departure. So a day or so before Christmas, Han arrives. I can't believe it. I message Mark to let him go, let him know. And I think he's as relieved as me. An absolutely top chap who went out of his way to get this thing to me from Australia in some of the best mint on card packaging I have ever seen. And that's it. Full numerical Kenner run for Han Original done. Starting at a 12 back right the way through to the end of the line. I've got a number of other Palatoy mocks. I've got a Meccano Jedi mock. I've got a few other bits and pieces in the Kenner Alpha numerical combination. But all I really wanted to achieve when I started this run was the Kenner numerical run. And there it is. A long old wait for something that should have been straightforward. Something that shouldn't have been hard at all. An ESB mock. But there it is. It's done. And it looks bloody lovely too. So what's that? Four podcasts on the trot for Steve? Brilliant. Hey, Luke. May the force be with you. Now, page 2308, remaining on Star Wars Forum UK. Stu, you pointed this out. The Return of the Jedi speeder bike t-shirt. I was expecting it over to you, but you've indicated to me 
that the person who is actually owner of said T-shirt, Spoons, is going to do a lovely little recording for us now. Is that correct? That is correct. I don't think there's much you can say on it. He found it at Donington Toy Fair, but and it looks pretty well worn. But let's go. Let's go over to Andy and see what he has to say about it. Good evening, Vintage Rebellion podcast. Thanks very much for having me on the show again today. It's always a pleasure here today to talk about a T-shirt I picked up from Doncaster Toy Fair. Uh, Doncaster, if you're in the south, and I don't know if any of your listeners go there very often, but it's a, it's a great toy show. I have it about four times a year, and lot, mostly cars and trains, but a few stalls selling vintage Star Wars and other sort of 70s, 80s toys. And every now and then you find the gem like this T-shirt that I'm going to talk about hidden away on one of the uh, the more random stalls. Now this T-shirt is a, a white T-shirt made by Screen Stars, featuring three bike scouts sitting on their speeder bikes, a really iconic image with Return of the Jedi written underneath. Uh, the Star Wars Collector's Archive shows a blue one next to the next to the white one, so there's those two colours. And there's a great photo on the uh, Beyond the Toys group on Facebook where Dave Brott has put, a, put an image of him and his siblings in their yellow speeder bike t-shirt from back in the day. It's a fantastic image. That's all I really can say about the, the Star Wars image, but I did look into uh, Screen Stars as a company, and they're a licensee of Fruit of the Loom, which is still going strong, and Fruit of the Loom is owned by Union Underwear Company, who also made the, uh, the underoos that we all know, and who wouldn't want a set of underoos in their collection. Now, the underoo company has been going around since, uh, going along since in the early 20th century, since the 1920s, but Screen Stars very much appeared at the late 70s and was gone again by the early 90s when it was uh, rebranded as Best in, in 1994. And that period of t-shirts appears very collectible. There's, uh, the, the earlier ones seem to, uh, to come in two types. They have these paper labels. The 100% cotton ones, such as this one, have a blue label or blue, blue writing on the label. And the, the, the cotton mix ones, 50-50, have a red label. And apparently they, they were much more comfortable, so far more common. So most of the t-shirts out there are these, these cotton mix. They also seem to be, the images I could find, mostly small, medium and large. Whilst this one says 14 to 16 on, I assume, assume that's age 14 to 16. And uh, which can't really be that much different to small. So there's a, yeah, there's a big uh, collector's world of uh, of screen stars t-shirts found a few information pages none of them been updated too often but interesting read and i'd be very interested to know if any of your listeners can uh, shed a little bit more light on this t-shirt because uh, that's that's about the sum of some of my knowledge uh, so that's it for today thanks very much for having me back on I love that image. I, I really, really love the image, the iconic image of the biker scout leaning forward, giving that sort of dynamic motion on the speed of bike. You know, you've seen it on, um, you've seen it on artwork before, you've seen it on comics before. So to see it on the T-shirt, yeah, brilliant, really, really great. And uh, yeah, nice one. Cheers. Excuse me, sir, but for that R2 unit is in prime condition, a real bargain. Moving on to page 2309, just something I wanted to ask you guys. So Ed Jedi is continuing with his Luke X-Wing carded focus. Wow, more carded figures. 
This is it's a graded 75. Now, it's a 47 back, which has got the free sticker on it. And it's, it looks a peach. It's really, really nice. Another Luke X-Wing for the Focus arrived today. This one got a 75 grade because of a pinhole in the punch. And then that is mint that whoever graded it should out the punch and got an 80 or an 85 grade. I was just thinking, what do you guys think of that? So this is one where the card got a 75, he's saying, because of a hole in the punch. The bubble was an 85. For some reason, the figure was a 75. So I think it would have, if the figure was a 75, it would have probably still not gone above that, even if the and the card were absolutely mint. But if there was a pinhole in that punch, would you have pushed it through? I don't care about grading whatsoever the slightest, so I would have left it as it was. Absolutely not. And how, how do you know it's going to go in 80 or 85 if the punch, if the, the, the punch is out? Is is there some kind of documentation because the, you know that there could have been other flaws with the card? True, fair one. I mean, it was it was a fair point though, which Ed, Ed raised. This tiny little defect, but it doesn't appear. I don't think that graders actually care whether or not there's a punch in it or not. Oh, now right. I know that mm-hmm. you got you guys don't particularly care whether or not it's punched or unpunched. I think sometimes I've seen them with a with a UP or what have you. I'm not quite sure. None of us are really great chasers ourselves, but it was just an interesting question. I thought raised by Ed. The critical thing with the figure had a 75. I don't think he would have raised the overall grade, but yeah, I just thought it was a fair question. I think Ed in the past has been known to free some from grade casings, I think. Am I right in saying that? I'm sure I might have seen Ed crack one out in the past. He's always um, cracking them out online, isn't he? Is that... Sausage. <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, there we go. Yeah, nice one. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Let's move over to Facebook. And Rich, you've spotted something on Echo Base USA, yeah? Well, yeah, um, we've been to Father's Farm, you know, a few times where there's been a speeder bike there from Huffy. And, you know, it's really nice, nice small item. Stu probably thinks it's a juggernaut. And there was a couple of times I've looked at it and, you know what, I, I would like one of those, but I haven't really got the space for one. And it was from Evan, and I'm not even going to try and pronounce his surname until I've recorded the interview with Evan, but Evan posted over on Echo Base U- USA his speeder bike so rather than us waffling on about the speed bike I've put some questions towards Evan so let's cut over that interview now I'm delighted to welcome back Evan Wasserstrom to the Vintage Rebellion many thanks for agreeing to come on Evan thank you so much for having me now Evan you were last on our show talking to Jez about the Return of the Jedi arcade and that was way back on issue 50 which was July last year even though it doesn't seem that long Evan that was a fantastic interview we got a lot of feedback on that so thanks very much for that one. Oh, it was my pleasure I loved doing it it was it was, it was more fun than I could tell you and Jez is such a great guy now the reason why I vented you on this show is to talk about a re- recent purchase you've made and we've known it as the Huffy Ride-On Speeder Bike. Now, I don't know if that's its official name, but that's what we've always referred it to. So, firstly, can you describe this piece and give us the history of the known promotions? Yes, um, I just acquired this piece, which is a rare piece, because uh, there were approximately only two to 300 produced, and they were never a retail item. Uh, it's called the Ride-On Speeder Bike Pedal Car, and uh, it was produced by Huffy, for Kenner in 1983. And what it was doing was, you know, in correlation with after Return of the Jedi came out, they were um, set up in specific toy stores like Toys R Us and Kmart across the country in the U.S. And uh, you could not buy this uh, item. You had to fill out a coupon form to try to win it. 
And out of two to 300 only produced, now being 2019, I'm guessing, this is my educated guess, that there's probably only maybe around 75 still uh, that are not destroyed or still in complete you know, condition, uh, showable, displayable condition. And, you know, it was like, you know, the little uh, big wheel kind of bike, but in the form of the speeder bike from Return of the Jedi uh, that, you know, takes place on the Endor moon. It's a beautiful uh, piece that um, anybody can go and check it out. Uh, there's many um, Google images of it. Uh, you can especially go to Star Wars, the archive database, which is the biggest database for all Star Wars props, toys, and what have you that was created you know, by Gus Lopez and Duncan Jenkins uh, for the Star Wars collecting community. There is a description and pictures of the bike in the archive database. And it's listed as the Rhydon Speeder Bike Pedal Car. And it says that the Speeder Bike promotional toy produced by Huffy for Kenner in 83, roughly half were given away in department stores and the other half in movie theaters. I didn't know about the movie theater ones, but uh, that's what it says on the database. And uh, the database is always very accurate. And like I said, there were two to three hundred produced and they were never retail. So that makes them really rare for the Star Wars collecting vintage community. And uh, the one I got has, you know, a couple dings in it. It's, you know, uh, it's fairly in great shape, but uh, definitely not pristine, where what uh, is even more of a rare collecting find, other than the very few speeder bikes, and like I said, because since, you know, probably roughly half, if not, uh, you know, less than, are still in existence today, what makes the rare list even more than the actual speeder bike is the display stands that went along with them. Now, I've only seen two different types of display stands. I believe that there might have been three, but I've only seen two out and about, and also you can find those on Google Images. Both of them uh, hold the bike in the display stand. One is like, uh, you know, lodged between two trees that are supposed to be, you know, the big, huge trees from the Redwood Forest, a.k.a. the Endor Moon. And then there's one that the bike actually sits on the cardboard inserts that was done by Kmart. So I believe the other ones were for the movie theaters and for Toys R Us. But the Kmart one is really exceptional because it's just got this way that the bike kind of sits on in a slant like it's about to, like, take off going upward. And it's really beautiful. Uh, I've never seen it in person. I've just seen pictures from other collectors who have them. And on the actual display stand hangs the pads where you can rip off, take one, fill out your name, slip it into the box inside the display stand. And there you go. You might be one of the lucky raffle winners. Um, I never won one as a kid. I did see that, did remember seeing them in local toy stores. Uh, but, uh, and I might, I don't know, my mom might've filled out one for me to, <laughs> to try to win, but, uh, I never did. And so that makes this find for me uh, really exceptional because I've always been looking for it. I don't have the display stand per se. However, I do have two full complete, uh, take one pads that you got to, write your name and information on to be entered into the contest. So I kind of have them just displayed above the bike in a frame uh, because they're the full pads. And those are, you know, not as rare to find, but definitely still uh, among the rare situation of the vintage circles in our community. 
And so uh, one day my hope is to uh, fulfill one of my top grails and get one of the two display stands still in existence uh, so I can actually put the bike on it and display it in its all its glory that was was it was like back in toy stores and apparently uh, movie theaters. That's fantastic. I have actually seen it. I've seen one in real life and it was actually on an angle with a cardboard insert in the UK. I wish I paid more attention now. Well, you can uh, eagerly go on Google Images and uh, find it if you just put in the speeder bike, uh, ride on uh, speeder bike pedal car display stand and type in like Kmart or Toys R Us. One of our um, collector friends uh, has the whole entire uh, collection figured out where he has the uh, Kmart display stand, the one I was telling you about. And it is absolutely uh, beautiful. Um, his name is, uh, and I don't know how to pronounce his last name, but it's Todd G. Ignati, I believe. Oh, yeah. yeah, Todd G. Ignati. Okay, yes. Yeah. So he, Todd is the one who's got the display stand and everything in all its glory. It's really amazing. You should check out Todd's Facebook uh, page or just find him on one of the groups because he's the one who's got the coveted Kmart display stand, and he's got all the pads on there for the take one giveaway. He even has specific cups and little uh, other paraphernalia regarding the uh, Peter bike giveaway contest that goes along with the actual stand. It's like a whole section in his house that is just decked out for this one product and its stand from the store display. And it's really beautiful. I highly recommend checking it out uh, on one of the Facebook groups uh, or, or uh, hitting Todd up because he loves showing the pictures off, and it's just a beautiful sight to see. Yeah, I certainly will do that. I've known Todd for a number of years, and I bought a few items off Todd. I haven't checked out that picture, so I'll have to at some point. Now, you've mentioned Huffy. Now, Huffy's not a company that we're aware of in the UK. I don't know if you have Smoby over there, but is is it similar to Smoby kind of companies? Huffy was, uh, and still is, I believe, they make, like, you know, the bikes, like the dirt bikes, the BMX bikes, you know, things oh, like that. Right. Uh-huh. Um, Huffy was another, you know, BMX type of uh, company, and I believe they're still in existence. They're the ones that worked with Kenner to make this, you know, speeder bike big wheel toy, and actually, you know, f- you know, the kids rode on it, you know, that when they won them. You know, just like riding a big wheel around town, uh, you know, when you're five years old. Mm-hmm. So, uh, something that I'm struggling with in a little bit is that if you've said that the estimate of about 300 of them is made, and they were all competition prizes, so have they made a huge loss making these, and what was the thoughts of not making some for retail? I don't know why they didn't make more for retail and just sell them outright. But I'm guessing because this was, you know, at the end of the original trilogy with no more movies to be made and nothing to be seen further on, I think Kenner wanted to bring people in to the stores uh, as well as, you know, when people were seeing Jedi in the theater, I guess. You know, I think they wanted to just keep the awareness of all their other Return of the Jedi line toy products that was, you know, still taking up the last bit of that vintage original series uh, of the original trilogy. So my guess is that it was a promotional event to get kids into uh, and families into the toy stores to buy all the other Return of the Jedi products with the hope of saying you could get this coveted, you know, big wheel that looks like a speeder bike. 
That is my guess. I'm not completely 100% on that, but my educated guess and from all that I've learned and heard about it and researched it, I believe that this was you know, just one of those giveaways to get people in to buy their other products. Well, it certainly sounds plausible to me, that, uh, Evan. So I'm trying to visualize bike now. Is it something that Huffy already had as a frame and they just kitted it out to look like a speeder bike? Or is no. it built from scratch completely? I think what they did was I think they, they took the elements of how the big wheel works, you know, like the big orange and yellow ones with the big wheel in front and the small yeah. wheels in back that the kids ride on. Yeah. I believe what they did was that they took the big wheel dynamic of how the kids rode around on that and then reconstructed it to do the speeder bike. There was definitely not the speeder bike frame that was being made. I when Kenner, you know, had them make these, this definitely was the body of it anyway was from scratch where taking like the big wheel elements that were like the construction pieces that actually rode the bike without putting the actual seat on it and then making the uh, speeder bike from there. Uh, how big was this bike and what age range would you say it was suited for? You know, suited for, you know, three to six years old, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. The bike is very small for an adult. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, low to the ground. I mean, it's as big as a big wheel from end to end, front to back. It's about 41 inches. And uh, the height of it, not including the handlebars, is about 14 inches. So what, what makes this item desirable for you, then? Why did you want to track one down? Well, A, I love collecting rare items in the vintage world. I only collect vintage. I, I might be getting uh, into Power of the Force more. Definitely, you know, uh, Yak Face is, is one that you want to seek out. I, gr I was born in 75. So after Return of the Jedi, I was starting to get into, you know, other things and while still holding on to my, you know, Star Wars collection. But, uh, you know, as a kid, I wasn't really collecting. I was playing with them. You know, had I known then what I know now, <laughs> I would have never taken one single figure out of the card backs. <laughs> However, as most people would. But the bike itself, to me, represents something that was rare. And the fact that it was never for retail and it was a giveaway, and there's probably, like I said, less than half of them still in existence – uh, and they were only made uh, in the U.S. Uh, they were only, you know, given away in the U.S. This contest, you know, it makes them very rare. I love collecting the rare items from the vintage line. I love collecting store displays. You know, I've only collected a couple, and I definitely want to collect a lot more. But one of those bikes was always something that I always wish I won as a kid, and has been looking for for years to obtain. And just, you know, a couple months ago, I was lucky enough to to you know find one and, and track one down and i actually might have a lead on a second one which makes me excited because the one i have it's still in really terrific condition if you know um, i don't think afa grades the speeder bikes but if they were to grade the speeder bikes or cas i would say that mine would probably get about a 75 or an 80 but i would love to get one that's in a little bit better shape while i'm still hunting down one of the uh, famous store displays like Todd's setup in his place, uh, where he displays the, you know, his pristine bike with the actual store display and it's all connected. I would love to do that one day because it's just something that I've always wanted as a kid. It always stayed with me when I, you know, didn't win it because I was always so jealous when I saw them in the stores. 
I think if I had one of these as a kid, it would be beat to hell by now. Absolutely. Bad. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure mine would have been thrown out already and not even realized until afterwards I would have been like, oh, my God, why didn't I keep it? But um, so maybe it all worked out the way it was supposed to. <laughs> uh, was this promotion right across North America or was it just in targeted areas? Do you know? No, I believe it was all across North America. I grew up in the East Coast. I grew up in New Jersey and New York. Mm -hmm. So I can't say, you know, what it was from coast to coast. But I, uh, but that being said, I've seen a few collectors. I live in Los Angeles now. I'm a screenwriter and uh, I've seen up and down the coast that a couple of collectors have them. I had the absolute pleasure last September. Uh, I'm a member of Rancho Obi-Wan, Stephen Sansweet's nonprofit museum of having the largest collection of Star Wars collectibles. I had the uh, opportunity of seeing his store display. It was different from Todd's. It was not the Kmart one. It was probably the one for theaters and Toys R Us, and with the two with the two tall trees in between uh, on end to end of the display. And uh, I got to see that one with his pristine bike uh, in his collection at Rancho Obi Wan, and it was just a, a beautiful thing to see. Tying back into the vintage arcade games, I always thought it would be great to play the speeder bike chase vintage arcade game with that as the seat. So you you must be tempted to try and hook something up to your uh, arcade <laughs> game with some controls where you're sitting on your speeder bike. Yeah, well, I do have a Star Wars um, bar stool that I sit <laughs> on while I'm playing the, uh, <laughs> the Return of the Jedi game. Yeah, I mean, you know, to me, Empire is my favorite of the three. Mm-hmm. And though I still love Jedi uh, in all its glory, but, you know, uh, I love a lot of the Jedi toys and the promotional items and like the arcade game is just so coveted. I have, you know, the Star Wars Empire uh, arcade game. Uh, I had that for a while. And then when I got last year, the Return of the Jedi one, it was really exciting to me because A, it was in pristine condition and working condition, but B... It was also, you know, uh, the Return of the Jedi arcade game, the stand-up arcade game, is a lot harder uh, one to find. And like I said, I love finding the rare items. And it's not really uh, – I don't love, you know, uh, collecting the rare items for, you know, the fact that they're, you know, worth so much more or bragging rights, anything like that. It's really because – I love the challenge of the hunt. I love tracking down things that are hard to find, especially things that mean a lot to me. And with a lot of these rarities in the Star Wars vintage toy line and prop line and store display line, it really means a lot to me because, you know, A, it's my passion. It's my, you know, strongest love for collecting because I collect a lot of things, but Star Wars being the top uh, and priority. But also, it's just it's it feels like an accomplishment when you can find something that's so rare and so coveted, and then people who are in the collecting community, you know, really love to see these things, and it's 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 my honor and exciting uh, nature to just to uh, display them for everyone to see that has the same kind of passion as we do. Will we see you in Celebration Chicago, or perhaps flying around on the shop floor with your speeder bike? <laughs> I won't be uh, traveling with it uh, since I'll have to fly from L.A. to Chicago. <laughs> um, I was hoping that uh, that this year's celebration, because it, it was rumored before it came out last year, that it was going to be at Anaheim again like it was in 2015. Mm -hmm. And because Anaheim is only 45 minutes from L.A., 
I was really excited because I, I was like, oh, then I can bring a lot of my, you know, props down and, and show them off and, and collectibles. But now that it's in Chicago and it's going to be, you know, a, a, you know, a three and a half hour plane ride away, I'm going to just have to, you know, come just with some good t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Evan, I've really enjoyed this chat. Um, where can our listeners interact with you online to talk about Huffy Speeder Bikes? They can uh, contact me on Facebook. It's always the best way. Uh, it's Evan Hoyt Wasserstrom. And also, I am one of the uh, fellow admins on Echo Base USA. It's, you know, it's uh, David DeMarcus, uh, Robin Borka, Adam Pennerman, David, uh, and Dennis totally zoning out on all, all the uh, fellow admins. My apologies to my fellow admins for not remembering all the names right off the bat. Running it, I got invited uh, last year by Robin to uh, be a part of it, uh, Robin Borka, who is, you know, the princess of our collecting community. She is just amazing. Dennis Hall, I apologize, Dennis, uh, for uh, not saying your name quick enough. Simply put, uh, without me rambling more, uh, I'm a fellow admin on Echo Base USA, so you can always reach me there. But uh, you can always reach me on my personal page on Facebook. And I love talking any uh, Star Wars with any and every collector, so... Um, please reach out whenever you want, and uh, we'll chat it up. And as complete coincidence would have it, I'm actually the Echo Base USA Collector of the Week on there at the moment. Robin I know, reached I, out. I know. Robin uh, posted it the <laughs> other day. I was so excited to see that. I wanted to you know, add something about, hey, I'm doing an interview with Richard this weekend, <laughs> but uh, I didn't want to uh, take away from – you know, I didn't want to steal your thunder on uh, being the Collector of the Week. And that's funny uh, – that that's how uh, that's how I became one of the fellow admins. I was collector of the week that um, Robin and Alex Party, who uh, mm-hmm. Alex, you know, gave so much to it. Uh, he is kind of taking a step back just because he's just kind of taking a step back from Facebook now, just to enjoy more of off social media life, which I respect. But Alex and Robin are the ones uh, who got me to do my collector of the week. Uh, last year and that's when they asked me shortly after to be one of the fellow admins and it was just an honor to be there and i love doing it so it's uh it's a lot of fun it's a really good group it's, it's nice and relaxed everybody's very very welcome at echo base usa I've, I've noticed that so thanks very much for uh, running that group evan and to robin and everybody else as part of that group we've met adam quite a few times over in the uk he's, an, he's a great guy yeah, he's yeah. Adam's terrific. Uh, I hope he uh, I hope he comes to celebration this year so I can meet him in person. Because the funny thing is, I have not met anyone in person yet. David actually was out here recently with his family uh, doing the L.A. tour, and I was able to you know get him to go to one of my favorite um, uh, vintage toy stores. But unfortunately, because uh, I was busy, we weren't able to meet up. So I'm looking forward to meeting up to everybody I can in person uh, in April at celebration. Yeah. So thanks very much for your time once again, Evan. I really appreciate it. I know we're going to get some great feedback on the Huffy Speeder bike. Uh, well, it has been my pleasure, and I hope uh, I hope I was helpful in any way possible. And you know, happy to answer any other questions uh, via Facebook. So there you go, guys. I didn't know half of that about the Huffy Speeder bike. So cheers, Evan. Um, great to have you on the show once again. Brilliant. Yeah, they, they are the business, aren't they? It's just, God, where would you put it? I mean, yeah, really, really nice. And yeah, you're absolutely right. Great to have Evan on again. Really, really good. Okay, what's wrong on Facebook?
Peter, I'm going to come to you now, mate. Star Wars Records and Tapes Group. Not one I'm a member of, buddy. So you're going to have to talk me through this completely. What have you seen on this group? Well, this is a, a it's kind of a group that's been around for a while, and it then it kind of had to change group because of some access issues, and now it's come gone back to the original group. So it's um something that's I you know I, you, you know I like a bit of vinyl, and uh, I'm also partial to a tape as well so um i think it's worth it if you if you like those sort of things then it's worth getting on to this group because it's just seem to be kind of a slightly uk focused um let's hope it grows but uh, kevin lentz who i think runs the group he produced something which um i think i've seen before but i'm not 100 percent but it's the it's the canadian edition of the colors and shapes um have you ever come across star wars adventures in colors and shapes jeremy uh, do you know what? I, I, I can't recall it. I can't recall it. And I'd love to see a picture just so I can see if I can recall oh. it. But no, can't recall it. So we'll play a little excerpt from this um, tape because it's super quite good. It does actually have a plot. Now, when I saw this and investigated, I thought, oh, it'd, it'd just be a load of, you know, talking about geometry or something. I don't know. But you no, know, it actually has a it has a has a storyline. Jersey it actually has a storyline. And it's quite an interesting little storyline, believe it or not. The storyline is. C2PO and R2D2 try to help Han Solo and Chewbacca repair the Millennium Falcon for a rebel supply room by finding and replacing a full star plate. A full star plate. But 3PO keeps getting plates in the wrong colour and shape. Oh, what a plonker he is. Oh, what a silly sausage. But um, this item, I mean, it's a Canadian version, so it's slightly... Normally, they come in those kind of, like, shrink wrap packs, but this has a bit of cardboard on the back and a bit extra with a tape kind of um, attached to the top of the card. So, it's you know, it's nothing major, but it's one of those things don't normally see, and it's not the usual kind of vinyl or tapes. It's um, something a little bit interesting, but... Um, I, it, it goes further than that, you know. This full star plate has a whole history of it. And get this, get this, Jez. There's a behind the scenes information on this, on this, um, this book. Uh, full star plates were introduced in this book, an educational book for young readers. The um, cover of the book depicts C3O and RC2 alone in the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon being pursued by TIE fighters in the midst of a cloud of random shapes, most likely the full star plates around which the story evolves. Now, this is where it gets interesting, Jazz. This event is not depicted in the narrative. Full star plates are going to be featured in another book, The Big Switch, the um, third book of the Adventures in Hyperspace range. But it, it never happened. Um, the book, however, went unpublished after it was announced that the Expanded Universe had been rebranded as Star Wars Legends and that new content within past Legends series would not be published. So there was going to be a third, a third book. A third book, Jazz. Can you believe it? We would have had... Another one. Just calm down over there, Jez. Just calm yourself down because I know you're excited about it. But yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? How these little these little books. There was a plan somewhere. It wasn't just random. There was a plan. But well, maybe because this is you know shape. Maybe the circle is complete, or it would have been if they had done the third book. That would have worked better. It would have been lovely. Um, but yeah, um, nice. Look, definitely worth checking the group out. Um, it's Star Wars Records and Tapes. Um, you'll see me on there, so I'll add you in if you want to. Um, yeah, just worth following it because uh, there's some nice little bits and pieces there. Because I, oh, yeah, being a bit of a vinyl collector, I don't keep too much uh, my finger on the pulse of all new, you know, um, uh, bits and pieces. So uh, it's nice to have a little group that actually says, "Hey, this is available." So I go into Discogs, which is a great site, and I usually go and buy it. So I do a Stuart, and uh, I just go and try and get hold of one of these things. So yeah, nice little, um, nice little group, nice and friendly. 
C-3PO saw that this was his chance to help. Don't worry, Captain Solo. We'll find a full star plate for you. Come, R2. We have work to do. R2-D2 followed C-3PO out of the hangar and beeped a question. Well, no, R2. I don't know what a full star plate is, but I'm sure it won't be hard to find. Honestly, R2, sometimes you act as though I don't know what I'm doing. C-3PO led R2-D2 to the rebel base supply room. He stepped up to the technician in charge. Excuse me, sir. Do you have any full star plates? The technician handed C-3PO a metal circle. Sure. Here you go. One round full star plate. The golden droid turned to his short companion. Did you see how easily I took care of that, R2? I can't wait to see the happy look on Captain Solo's face when I give this to him. That moves beautifully into the next thing which I want to talk about. He's talked about friendly groups and stuff. And I now want to move over to Yavin 4. Now, I think you guys are generally, and I mean, I, I don't mean anything by this. I think you guys are just able to go on to Facebook a little bit more than me. And maybe you can confirm what I'm just about to say. Or maybe you've got something to the contrary. But I think Yavin 4 is one of those groups which is just utterly dependable and reliable for Star Wars. A little bit of fun. I don't think I've ever heard of anything massively negative on, on Yavin 4. I think it's just one of those two groups that people can rely on for stalls. Seeing this come up, and this is the reason I wanted to say it, because it wasn't anything in particular, but I, I had a little notification come up, and, and Carl Dennis, who, you know, good friend, all of us, we see him, you know, in social events, we see him online, and uh, he's put an image of EV99, and uh, new acquisitions yavin falls and vintage star wars collectors so on their facebook thread they're trying to group together in a new acquisition thread um you know they, they'll do it every, every now and then and that's when people can just put their latest things on keeps everything nice and tidy but you just sit, get to see all the little vintage treats which people are and it's really nice and it just made me have a little a bit more of a, a look on Yavin 4. It's not one of the groups which we've mentioned that much. You know, we, we talk about Jabbers a lot because those Jabbers guys get to do so much. But the Yavin group itself seems a really friendly place to go. I've not seen any animosity or negativity or anything on there. But there is actually some really lovely images and some really lovely things being shown on the Yavin new acquisitions. And um, the fact that they've got EV99, I think, yeah, that's possibly inspired by our little section but yeah yeah cool i mean Stu, you're on yavin aren't you i'm an admin on yavin jess and there's a funny little story about about yavin about how i ended up ended up with it and why sunday carl dennis is really really active on there now jamie brown started up yavin um many moons ago and he brought rich in as um as his another admin and jamie eventually left and Rich was un running it, and he, he comes to me and he goes, "Oh, Stu, do you fancy being an admin on this group and helping me?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah, no worries, Rich, if it helps you out." And so me and him were the admin on it, and then about a month later, Rich decides to quit and leaves no. me with this group, which, which, uh, <laughs> yeah. So um, I was a bit like, "All oh, right." So I brought in Cy alongside me as an admin, and um, I'm yeah. going to be honest with you, the group kind of like became a very quiet place, uh, died out a little bit. Because me and Cy weren't putting any effort in. And I said to Cy just before Christmas, be good if we could, like, the, the group's got two and a half thousand members. It's quite yeah. a nice group. There's never any problems. 
let's bring in a couple more admin and we brought in Cole Dennis as our first decision because we thought oh he's he's a good lad and he's been so active on there and me and Sai still aren't doing anything <laughs> but um yeah he's he's certainly trying to make a go of it he's a he's a good egg yeah it's totally worked because as I said, I saw it come up and I started to see these threads and various different things. And it just seems nice. It seems friendly. You know, we've had a few shows now where we've spoken about a few things where people are getting people down or a little bit of negativity, a little bit of this and that. And actually, it seems like a bit of a breath of fresh air from some places. So, uh, yeah, good on you and good on Carl in particular. So, uh, yeah, nice one. I just want to say that. I think we can move on now. But it was just genuinely I think he's doing a brilliant job and uh, worth saying yeah all wings report in red 10 standing by red 7 standing by red 3 standing by red 6 standing by red 9 standing by red 2 standing by red 11 standing by red 5 standing by lock air spoils in attack position we're going to end on page 2301 now it's a user who goes by the username ruby2511 it's a loose rancor with a rancor keeper. Two new additions to the growing collection. I just saw this and I thought, ah, the rancor. A classic piece. And actually, the more you look at it, the more you think, mm, okay, rancor, lads, let's discuss. Now, come on. Let's just, I know we usually start off with, you know, who's got one of these. I was going to say, we must all have one. Stu, you've probably got about five or six in the, in the garage. Rich, you'll have one. Definitely. P. Not so sure if you'll have a rancor. Of course I am. You have one, mate? Yeah, get in. It's a full house. You got one? I got one. Rich, well, you saw a box. I imagine you got loose. Yeah, I've got a loose one. And Stu, round it up to the nearest five or six. You know, how, how many have you got? Oh, I have just one, and it was one of the first things I bought when I got back into collecting. Oh, why was that? Why was that? Why was it? Because I had never had it as a kid, and um, I got given one when I was... We've had it before, my school lot, when I got given things by people. I got one then, and in my school bag on the way home, m- my bag had broken an arm off it, and so I'd never owned one as a as a toy properly. So, um, yeah, it was the first thing I, I bought. Just wanted to position him on a little shelf with a with a gammy guard in his hand, and to be honest with you, that same gammy guard is still in his hand, and he's still doing the rounds. So, yeah, I love him. I think it's such a great toy, and it's one of my favourite scenes growing up. Yeah, you're right. I mean, we can come on about the scenes and, and stuff in a minute, but Rich, Pete, so, you know, you, you've both got, we've, we've all got, and, and I think you're right, it, it can transform a loose display content because it adds so much. The size, you know, this thing's double the height, you know, good nine inches, really, really dynamic. Rich, you know, what what are your thoughts on this? Is this a favourite of yours? It's clearly a favourite of Stu's. It's difficult, Jez. Um, is it a favourite of mine? I didn't have one as a kid, you see, so I've got no attachment to it whatsoever, although I'm the same as Stu. I bought one really early on when I was starting to collect. I like the mechanism, I like the hands, I think they look dis- they look fantastic in the detail of cabinets. I know I've criticised the cabinets multiple times, but the Vancor in the cabinet really does work. Uh, I don't know, I, I, there's just, I put it in the bottom of the creature, so I prefer the Womp Man, I prefer the Torn Tones. Um, <coughs> I do, I do. I don't know, I'm just not a fan of it. I'm just not a fan. I, I wonder if it's because it needs more colour, as in like, you know, it's just solid brown, it would maybe be better if it was tonal or something, I don't know. <laughs> Hang on a second. Hang on a second. I love a good debate here. But you're like, oh, it's not as good as the week because it's just the one colour. Hmm. See, you, I just, might just, just leave that hanging. The Wampers uh, White 
completely white, isn't it? But also, I think <laughs> scale-wise, with the figures, I think the Tauntaun isn't scaled correctly, as it is on screen. That, that, that towers over those figures, Rich. Such a playable thing. The, the mouth moves. The Wampa's just got a big flat hand. It goes up and down, you know? It's kind of like he's got to be like a spanking paddle on his hand. This, this is a great big monster. It's it's so playable out of all the things you noticed I love the Tonton I love the Wampa but this oh, oh. big jaw a big jaw that comes down as well yeah. the mouth mechanism is incredible exactly what what, what kind of colour do you want it to be it was brown in the film and it's brown here it's Star Wars figures vintage it wasn't like too much you know colour variation it was just colours what, what did you want rich? on him yeah, I don't... what do you want a really good point Pete what, what does he want on it <laughs> it's a it's a brown rancor I mean, I had one of these when I was a kid. Yeah, and I, some and sort I of remember, little waistcoat or something. Right. Every Sunday, every Sunday dinner when we had roast chicken, right, I would get a bone, right, and put it in its mouth. It was just, it was the ultimate. Then obviously I'd get rid of it because it's a bit rancid. But yeah, that's yeah. that. It made Sunday dinners because it's like, oh, I cannot wait to get that, that oh. chicken wing bone and stick it in its mouth, and it never hey. quite fit. But I, that's what I did. I'm, I'm delighted that you said that because you know we've all gone right. Stu didn't have one. I didn't have one. Rich didn't have one as a kid, but you had one. Now, was that a gift? Was it something which you said, I want that? Did you select it? Did you choose it? How come you ended up with a rancor as a child, mate? As per usual, secondhand shop. <laughs> and that's right. how I got most of my Star Wars things. Secondhand shop. There was, I don't know where my mum got it from, but she got it from somewhere on the cheap. Uh, it was a bit, I think it was a bit of a crack in the middle, but hey, it's, I've still got it. It's the rancor and uh, it's flowery. The only way I think you could have improved it as a toy, as a kid, and I don't actually mean affecting it, but would be to have a really, really nice Ula figure to go with it. What about the, the you know, I mean, for yeah. me, it, in play, the double act of Rancor Keeper and uh, Rancor was, you know, they, they were a team. Those guys got out. They, Luke didn't kill him in my play. They got out and they went running. And, uh, you know, they, they were a team. They trashed the Million Falcon. They trashed the X-Wing Fire. They trashed everything. They were a mean team, Jez. Mean team. And this shows sometimes a lack of imagination from kids or potentially because you could take the Rancor and trash the Falcon. You could trash this. So you weren't necessarily recreating film scenes. You were just playing with the Star Wars figures and, and the Star Wars stuff like that to you know, make up your own scenes. Because I'd look at it and I'd think, right, what do I want? Do I want a say a scout walker or a rancor i'd go for the scout walker something all oh, right i can do this I could do that it was very briefly an empire it could be doing all this whereas for me as a kid i would probably be thinking oh, i want something which is universal you know like an x-wing rather than just one creature from one section but now when i look at it thinking no this is the business and i'm so glad you played with it the way you did chicken bone on a sunday the chicken bone thing pete that takes me to that palatoy advert because i was looking at this early on TV adverts. So there is a Palatoy one. There's a Kenner one. It's all about the kids playing. It's all about the kids doing their voices and their this and the other. And, and listen out for the Kenner one because the, I, I don't know what it is. It's meant to be a Star Wars advert, but the kids sound like they're trying to be pirate. The Rancor monster's hungry again. Let's feed up. Don't do it. Luke Skywalker, Gamorrean Guard, new Rancor monster and Rancor Keeper action figures, each sold separately. You regret this. <laughs> New Rancor Monster. Action figures each sold separately from Kenner's Star Wars Return of the Jedi Collection. Talked about trades description and maybe 
this is to do with the chicken bone, Pete, because when you listen to the palatoid TV ad, they're talking about the only way to stake it, take him down is a stake in the monster's jaw. And in this advert, they're actually shoving this stake, uh, you know, like a, a, a stick. In. And you could think, oh, does that come with the figure? Does that come in the box? It didn't, I think, palatoid. Oh, they were onto a very thin, sticky wicker there with their stake in the monster. Let's check it out. Return of the Jedi. The Rancor monster has trapped Luke Skywalker. Can he escape the Rancor's claws as the Rancor Keeper and Gamorrean Guard look on? Luke's only chance is a stake in the monster's jaw. Will he succeed or fall victim? Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. When I was doing a little bit of looking, looking out and about and seeing, seeing what there was, and as usual, we go over to the Star Wars Collector's Archive and they show us a, a few bits and pieces. And they show uh, an image source from the 1984 European promo flyer, which has got Luke, uh, Luke Jedi, and uh, it's got a Glorian guard in the Rancor's hand. Luke Jedi is there with green lightsaber aloft next to Princess Leia Organa, which is rather random. But Luke has got his foot on the Rancor's foot as if he's trying to sort of stamp on his foot, and that's going to harm him. But there we go. Yeah, nice image. And it all that there was an image. Unfortunately, I can't view this, but it says Rancor Monster Unproduced Power of the Force Box from the 1985 Toy Fair catalogue. And it, it goes on to show a few other things. When you actually look at the boxes, this has got quite distinct difference because it's not just the box art. It's not just the subtleties of a, a Palatoy or a Kenner. It's completely different. We're talking landscape and portrait, aren't we? So when you look at the Kenner one, it's very upright, like they would have just placed it in there, stood up. So it's got a very upright, not particularly dynamic picture. Whereas the Trilogo one, which I'm seeing on so many different sides, Rancor Monster, it's, it's lengthwise. So therefore, it adds a lot more depth to the photograph and a lot more sort of uh, to the artwork. And there's a lot more going on on the Trilogo box. I think that's a that's a cracker. Yeah, I think you're right. Actually, I think the Trilogo is the better box, isn't it? I think I need both. There's also a Lily Letty boxed version as well um, of the Rancor. So there were four boxes. Five then, out of four. Yeah. You sorry, see that game, That's true. So I thought there was five boxes then. If there's a Letty, there's Trilogo. Kenna Canada, Kenna and Lily Lady. Beautiful. And, and apparently, as I said, our work released a photograph of the unreleased Power of the Force one, uh, which is uh, pretty cool. But yeah, the Troy logo for me steals it. I think it's great. Um, would I have been disappointed after watching that Palatoy advert for it not having uh, a stick or a steak? May have been momentarily, but then I would have done exactly what Pete did on Sunday lunchtime, which is get the chicken bone or what have you and shove it in there. Now, that's the thing with these jaws. So many things can go in there. It's, it's not like got split belly, has it? Pete, did you actually lose anything in your rancor? Well, mine's got a big split at the top. Um, it must just, uh, probably some other kid probably ruined it for me. Um, but uh, um, I, don't th- I don't think so. There's nothing in there. I've sh- I have shaken it a few times thinking, oh, is there a layer gun in there or something? But uh, sadly, there isn't. It, probably a few bits of fluff. But um, yeah, it, it, um, I think that's one of the problems in it. They just tend to split up the middle, which is a bit of a shame. It does tend to come loose. If you're playing with it a lot, you pull those arms all over the place. It does tend to uh, to come apart sometimes. But it's just, I just love it, love it. It was. What, what? Go on, mate. Sorry, sorry. No, no, it's not important. No, go on. I was just well, no, while Pete on. was talking. It, um, there is actually an absolutely immense modern one, isn't there? Hey, yeah. 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 I mean, they, I, think, I don't know whether it's the same one, but they did. 
there's a Power Force kind of two one, and then there's a there was one they released. Uh, I think technically it was Black Series with in an enormous box with Slave Lear in it and all sorts. Um, but yeah, the, the modern ones are. I mean that that would keep Richard happy because they have a bit more texture, so he'd be very happy. But they are they are fantastic the new ones, like you say. Yeah, really really nice pieces. But. And obviously, um, obviously the the Rancor went on to be to star in many films as well, didn't he? You had um, the Good, the Bad, and the Rancor, um, the Rancor Horror Picture Show, um, Saving Private Rancor. Three Oscars, didn't he get? I think in the end. Yeah, that Bond film from from Rancor with Love, Blade Rancor. Rancor. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's all those uh, great movies. Two girls, two girls, one Rancor. <laughs> 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 well, well, originally the new Star Wars film was going to be called the the Rancor Awakens, but they decided to uh, go with the Vader Dill Force Awakens. So, a bit sad oh, there. Yeah, shouldn't change your minds. Looking at it now, it is the business. You're right. You're you're absolutely right, Richard. I know you have in the past. You know, said that the tools aren't up to much and stuff, but it's perfect size. And I don't know anyone who who has a Rancor and doesn't put a Gamorrean guard in that left hand or right hand even because the way it's balanced and with with the with the arms you know with the fact that it's got different points for articulation on, on the arms and legs but also on the hands you know the wrists rotate so you can get a really good balance and also as an additional balance point it's the tail definitely assists with the with the rancor's posture when you're setting it up for some sort of diorama or what it, it, it is brilliant and then as you said with the opening jaw with the spine on the back yeah, it, it is a brilliant mould, isn't it? It really, really is very good. However, taking it to the next extreme to show how, you know, important and impressive Rancors are, when it comes, you know, we spoke about Star Wars Celebration earlier on, and I just cannot wait to geek out. I really, really can't. But it was, I think it was Anaheim with Roxy the Rancor, which was a life-size Rancor, which they had in the middle of Anaheim, peaking photo ops underneath, stuff like that, which we can look forward to. Any of you guys see that, Rich? You were at Anaheim, weren't you, mate? No, I didn't do Anaheim. It was uh, school holidays. I couldn't get get it. Of course. Yeah, no, that's right. And Pete, you weren't there either, were you? Nor used you. Oh, just me. Pete Pete was there. I was at Anaheim. Were you there? Did you see Roy? You should have piped up. Did you see oh, Roxy yeah. the Rancor? Yeah, yeah, of course I did. I've got, I've got pictures of Roxy the Rancor. Eat out. It's a fantastic bee. It was huge. Are we, are we saying that, you know, with regard to, oh, I don't really want the whole gender thing, but I assume that the Rancor was a bloke, but actually Roxy the Rancor makes me think that it's a lady Rancor. Mm, I would have thought it was a woman. Um, but in fact, Jez, you're wrong. Jez, you are wrong. Um, it even has a name. Oh, the, Rancor, the Rancor even has a name. Oh, yes. His his name is Patissa. That's right. It's a male Rancor owned by Jabba the Hutt. Yeah. Well, and, and go on then, because you'll be able to spin off now. What was it? Maliki? Mal- Mal- Maliki? The, the Rancor keeper's name. You, yeah, you got it. Malakili. That's that's the name. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's uh, yeah, he's right. not a great deal about him. <laughs> he didn't do a great deal but and die heroically but uh, yeah it was, um, he was just owned by Jabba the Hutt which is his pet there's some really great stuff about the Rancor on StarWars.com there's lots of different actually articles written there there's uh, one by Amy Ratcliffe um, I think there's one by our friend Tim at, um, yeah it's I'm sure Tim's done one as well yeah Tim Vickhoven has done another one on StarWars.com so Rancor, yeah, definitely really, really popular. Oh, and there's another one as well. Don't worry, I'm not surfing these ones which I saved on my laptop. Guys, the actual movie for me, I think whilst you're 
It was good fun. Even as a kid, I was thinking, oh, oh, the special effects of the rank to me, it was never a brilliant scene. And it was one thing which I hoped that they would actually fix and tidy up slightly in the 1997 remake. And they didn't. They did so many other things and altered it for the the detriment of the movie and whatnot. But for me, for some reason, I didn't think that they ever got the rank or right in Return of a Jedi. Was that just me being overly picky? Lads, what did, did it all sit well for you? The beginning of Return of the Jedi, um, I, I watched so many yeah. times as a kid, and that Rancor scene was superb. Well, bin it then. Bin, bin that off. <laughs> off as a kid. But no, it was just when 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 you see Luke running around, and then obviously the Rancor superimposed, because they, they had two different scale models. They had like the scale hand, and then another, which was a miniature which they then sort of superimposed on it and the way in which was the, the two bits of film were then put together I was like oh that's clearly fake whereas there's everything else in Star Wars to me looked really really well done and it just didn't look like the final polished article that it could have been you know so many other things in Star Wars would be done brilliantly but for me the, the running around in the, and the backdrop when the Rancor was in the foreshot and this and the other it didn't for some reason to me it just didn't look believable where so much else in Star Wars did look but Stuart I think I think we need to hurt Jez here because that's that's really my childhood because be I yeah. believed it <laughs> I think he's upset me actually quite yeah. a lot and yes oh, what's oh, that about do it doesn't look real he always makes out he's some die hard fan and then he's just like <laughs> ripping the whole movie apart he's basically <laughs> taking a franchise and saying it's rubbish yeah I mean, I think he needs to watch Star Wars a bit more because I, I watch that now and it looks okay. fantastic. Lovely little beast, lovely moment with the, the Rancor Keeper. Luke does a heroic deed, killing an innocent creature. But it's a great scene. How can you... Oh, Jess, you disappoint me there. Yeah, yeah. okay. But I, I did like it when the, the gate comes crashing down and he just does a little whimper at the end. Uh, did you believe that bit, Jess? Yeah. What? I believe that bit. I believe that bit. You believe it? Was that yeah. believable enough? Yeah, killing it. Killing it was not believable enough you murderer i can't believe um, you would doubt a documentary anyway <laughs> a document what return of a jello was a documentary yeah. it was it's a historical okay, thing isn't it exactly <laughs> so rich watching the podium documentary and go he was too tall or he wasn't french enough or whatever i don't know what's going wasn't on he quite short yeah he was very short but i was saying he's too tall for jazz <laughs> it's not real enough right right yeah, I think it's half one in the morning over here now. It's quarter two. It's fine. It's quarter two in the morning. I've got to be up in five hours. So, Rich, what else is there? Now, I've had a little look. I looked for some sort of pre-production stuff. Can't see a great deal online, but you're super sleuth. What have you found, buddy? Well, you're actually spot on, Jez. Um, so, there were tons and tons and tons of first shots, right? Loads and loads and loads of them that look like they are made from the Rancor Keeper's vintage moulds. And in reality, they are. There's a lot of them that are bright green with the luminous pink hands. There's, there's loads of them out there. Um, so you've got to be careful with these first shots because I'm led to believe that most of them are modern shots but have used the vintage moulds to produce them. So once I'd ruled out all of those ones with the really wacky colours, um, I spent a lot of time trying to find anything at all. And I did find on the SWCA, of course, where else, uh, there is a first shot on there that has a much darker brown colouring than the uh, regular production Rancor. And if you look at the mouth around its jaw area, 
you can obviously clearly see that there's been rigorous testing going on because there's a lot of chip marks around the jaws so I wonder what it is that they put in there and rammed those jaws up and down on but but that was it Jess that was the only thing that I could find one one genuine vintage first shot maybe now is the right time for us to go over to the vintage rebellion podcast alliance and see if they've got anything else to say for anything special to do with the rancor the rebel alliance is too well equipped they're more dangerous than you realize hello this is chris Jorgulius back for another segment with the vintage alliance and today i'm going to be talking about the rancor monster um big favorite of a lot of vintage collectors and um you know i've noticed myself in the past maybe decade or so a lot of people are starting to consider that like part of the action figure lineup and putting it in the display with their with their regular three and three quarter inch line kenner was pretty clear in which toys they consider to be action figures and minifigures and which toys they consider to be you know accessories I know a lot of people consider the the Probot to be a figure, but if you look at the Probot box, it says action figures not included. So anyway, the uh, Rancor sort of falls in there, except on that box, it does say action figures sold separately, even though it shows two action figures on the box, but it still says Rancor Monster figure. Personally, I don't consider it a figure. I consider it just one of the uh, accessory toys. But anyway, so I wanted to get into some of the sort of interesting items I've seen in the past for the Rancor monster. I guess the biggest thing is uh, I met the sculptor of the Rancor back in 2000, and he still had many of the pieces, pretty much everything to do with the Rancor at the time. The original clay sculpt that he started with, it was pretty, it was complete. All the parts were there, just done in a brown brown clay and in, and clay allowed the Kenner guys to sort of rough out what they wanted really quickly then they would pull a mold and make a wax sculpting so typically the clays never really lasted so it was interesting to see a clay piece from an original Kenner uh, toy because usually we'd only ever see at best the sculptors ha- would have the wax sculpting I think the clays they would probably just reuse it or dump it it was just a really a quick interim beginning I mean an interim step a beginning step just to get the shape roughed out but uh, the and that still exists I don't have it but the the wax exists as well the wax is beautiful it has plastic um, inserted pieces for all the jointed areas and um, the jaw mechanism was made in plastic and the wax was sculpted around it and when I say plastic I mean this is made of styrene plastic, and it would have been made in the model shop under guidance from engineering. Engineering works on any little mechanical details of toys, when motion has to occur, when parts have to clip together, and the sculptors will work on the organic look. So they give you everything, you know, the, the, the look of a monster or uh, the terrain of a playset or the shape of some alien. So it, it's really a, a combination of skill sets there to, to create one toy. And continuing on with the on the prototype angle, that same sculptor had a hard copy of the Rancor. It was unassembled, but you know people who know hard copies know it's really dense material, heavy, and you can imagine how heavy a solid Rancor body would be. So it's pretty interesting to see that. 
you know, just just arms and legs and the body separated. They were not fit together. And the next step in the prototyping process would have been to go to a first shot. We do have some first shots shown on the Star Wars Collector's Archive. We have one that's uh, an unassembled shot that was unpainted, cast in the, or um, injection molded in the production colors. So interesting to see that. We have ones probably a little more striking uh, that's shot in darker, most of the body shot in a darker brown plastic. So it definitely give you a, a different look there. I know that uh, I had one in the past that was a short shot, so the the jaw, the teeth were, were not quite formed. And uh, a short shot is the industry term for when something like that happens. I know a lot of collectors have adopted the term short pour, but plastic isn't poured into these molds. It's injection molded, and the in industry calls it you know, shooting the mold. So a short shot is a correct term. On the packaging side, I know there's some box flats around. And it's been a long time, but I think the photo art still remains for that toy. So uh, just fun to see examples of, you know, pretty much each step that still exists and, you know, tell the story of the development of that toy. One thing that's interesting being in the U.S., you know, we grew, I grew up and I, and as, as a collector, always saw the Rancor in its box. And years into my collecting, I saw a Trilogo version with the with the long box, and I was really shocked to see it and realized that you know they they packed that with the arms above his head. So uh, you know, people in the UK, that's that's the version you would have seen. But from the US side, you know, that's very striking to see that box. And and I don't know why they did did it like that. Maybe their their store shelf requirements dictated that that shape of the box but pretty interesting to see there's two distinct kinds of packaging there and a another prototype people may have seen around i've seen only a handful over the years but there's a bright green almost like a neon green rancor with pink hands uh, it's the vintage mold that, that was actually done when when kenner was was starting to expand their toy line in the mid-90s. And in addition to some of the vehicles like the Millennium Falcon and X-Wing and Landspeeder, you know, they got these molds out of storage uh, and refurbed them and got them to working condition again and made prototypes. So a lot of people are confused. They'll see those and think they're vintage prototypes because they have the original copyright dates, but that's just because they shot the old molds exactly as they were. Um, there are later stages of those where they actually went in and changed the copyrights. So you'll see um, sort of like a, f a first shot with the old dates and a first shot with the new dates. Um, the Rancor is an interesting piece because they did this with the Rancor. They made that neon version. There are a few around. Uh, some people who didn't know, you know attributed it to the vintage era. But the interesting thing is they didn't release that figure as is in 98 when... They released the Rancor. They had a different version uh, with a new sculpting. It was made of a vinyl instead of injection molded plastic, and that was part of their marketing. Was you know it had like a soft skin feel, and there are some prototypes that are around, and rotor molded prototypes are 
drastically different than injection molded prototypes. You know, injection molded would be, you know, shelves, shells that are sort of, and the rancor would be like his arm would be made in two halves that you'd glue it together. So you have these thin pieces that glue together. But a rotor molded toy, the, the whole arm would have been solid and and pliable, more pliable than the vinyl. And I saw some complaints where the collectors didn't like that the joints, like the arms especially, they only jointed them so that they pivoted. They didn't have ball joints like the like the vintage toys. So you couldn't have a big sweeping wide arm motion on the Rancor. Another drawback that people felt to the to the 1998 version was that the mouth didn't move. It was just partially open. And you know, being a vinyl toy, it makes sense why why it was one piece like that. But you know, the the, the mechanism of the of the the mouth really helped sell the the vintage toy back in the day to kids. And since that '98 release, there have been other versions of the Rancor, different repaints, different sculpts, um, even up to fairly recently. So just a testament to the popularity of the character. Um, its attractiveness as a toy, and it all stems back to the original, the vintage Kenner piece. And that wraps it up for me here. I hope people have learned, picked up a few new things, new bits of information, and I'll see you next time. Thank you. You are part of the Rebel Alliance and a traitor. Take it away. Brilliant. That's once again, thank you so much for uh for doing what you do for the vintage rebellion it's uh it's awesome and uh and you really really do bring some extra quality stuff to our podcast now pete we've heard about the cool stuff we've heard about the best stuff now tell us about the market stuff so maybe when the whistle of people who are thinking yeah definitely need a rank or stew has just said that he needs to get himself a box one or two so what are we talking mate? i don't think these are that expensive and for what you get i think they're bargains Yes, you want you want Rancor? I'll give you Rancor. I've got Rancor prices coming out of my ears. Rancor, Rancor, Rancor. What do you want? How many do you want? You want it in a box? You want it loose? Do you want it in a different coloured box? What kind of thing do you want, Jez? Because if you want it loose, you can get it for an average price over the last four years of £28. Although, recent eBay prices suggest it's more towards the £40 mark. Definitely rising in price recently, Jez. So get your hand on it quickly. If you want one, get it now. Um, and uh, for loose, it hasn't gone higher than £92 in the last four years. So you won't be paying a lot for a really, really nice mint loose one. You'll be laughing. And there's hundreds. They're always for sale. Every day there's a Rancor for sale. So you won't miss out. Now, if you want a box, don't go for your Kenner Canada one because you won't get one. Because there's only been one in the last four years for £217 in a box. I think it was probably loose as well in a box. But if you want a Kenner Return the Jedi box, the taller box without the uh, Trilogue one, then, uh, yeah, there's quite a few of those as well. They do the rounds, and they're not that expensive. They average out £68. But if you want a real minty, minty sealed one, you might be looking around about the £400 mark, believe it or not. And if you want the Trilogo, again, not that much. Plenty of them, £68 average. But you can pay up to £350+. Plus. But you might get a bargain. Because someone picked one up recently for £15. So, uh, yeah, Jess, prices all over the place. Always available. Rancors are lovely. Go and buy one, Stu. Get one now. Go. I'm looking at it now on the screen. It, it, it is a business. I wish I was at home now. Well, for so many more reasons, actually, than a Rancor. There's so many more things I want to do before I touch my Rancor. 
and that's not prison talk but it's uh yeah it is the bit isn't it i i think looking at the rancor now you know what the hop one per yeah you can in fact i'm not going to talk about any other creatures because that will sort of stop us talking about other creatures in the future but with regards to star wars figures bang for your bug pound for your inch also lovely color scheme in the brown i don't know anyone who wouldn't want that perfectly bang monster is the actual bit who says he's brilliant so uh, yeah awesome let's uh well lovely short but sweet little na going through lots of carded figures great to see thank you ever so much for the guys coming on Thank you for the Vintage Rebellion Podcast Alliance. And lads, I've enjoyed talking about the Rancor. Went a little bit off topic with some of the Rancor films. But there we go. Let's see what we can find next month. And who knows, maybe Yavin will be making an entrance. Cheers. to be on the newest acquisitions now thank you very much again for choosing something that was nothing of anywhere <laughs> rancors rancors but no no actually i think we're we're getting better we're getting we're top of our game we found things not one or two but several now the first thing i want to start with is the clipper return the jedi rancor monster contest offer poster thing it's mostly found in magazines in the leathermans and I like it because it's got a, an expression. You don't normally see this. So it's got, I'm assuming, the Rancor going, U-A-A-H-H-H. Uh, so that's obviously Dutch for, Oar, which is obviously a direct translation. Um, it's a lovely little poster, uh, all in Dutch, so no one can understand it, apart from seven people still still speak Dutch in Holland or Netherlands or whatever I call it these days. Um, it's a lovely, colourful image. Um, I have to say, guys, a little bit disappointed with the with the positioning of the main titles seem to be covering Rancor's face. You know, it's all about the Rancor and it, they've covered his face. But, you know, there we go. Someone who was typesetting or laying it out back in the day. Obviously, didn't appreciate the beauty of the Rancor. But it's, yeah, it's, it's got a lovely cave going on there. It's got Luke in the bottom corner. It fills up half the poster. And uh, I'm assuming you can get other um so it's got a few things you can send off for send your name in for something but it's got a picture of rancor gamorian guard and the uh desert sales skiff which is a bit bit of a an odd one i don't know not quite sure why if any of you guys know why that particular set of items i'm sure they were just general return of the jedi bits of nonsense but it's a lovely poster or a lovely uh flyer or contest offer so uh things you can win but any of you guys have this at all i have recently bought this in the last month, I would say, um, with a couple of the other ones of this design, there's a ooh, there's a speeder bike one, and I think the other one I have is an ATST one. I think I paid about eight quid, eight quid each delivered. 
they were delivered from germany so that includes delivery over here so it wasn't too bad no it is a nice little poster and i see something a bit different with a rancor on so and wait there pete before you move on I can teach, speak Dutch, so um, okay. let me just—I'll just convert one bit for you. Win Jean Rancor Monster is win a Rancor Monster. Oh, well done, Stuart. Uar is a bit like raw. Okay, so that's well. I did. Al- well. I did already translate. You're actually incorrect on that because that's actually the Rancor trying to be a pirate, and the the famous Dutch pirates. That that's how they would go. You know, instead of saying "aha," that was their that was their noise. The famous Dutch pirates. Yeah, they yes. know who the famous Dutch pirates. Colin and John. No, they, that, that, those aren't Dutch sound names. Yeah, rude the pirates. <laughs> <laughs> rude and Jordi. Yes, I'm sure. A... Right, next item. Now, now this this um, all right. It's not a technically an actual item, but it is. Um, but I I was just like wondering around thinking, right, there's not a lot of Rancor models out there. Now, you've got some, a lot of modern stuff, which is uh, some beautiful, as we mentioned earlier, beautiful modern Rancors out there. Now, this is <laughs> uh, maybe one of the only kind of vintagey Rancor models. Not a lot. I, I certainly couldn't find anything. But this was an unlicensed soft vinyl model kit by uh, a shop in Japan called Ozu Shop. Now, I'm going to give 100% kudos here to a website called MightyJabber.com. And uh, they have a really nice little writer about it. It actually comes in a box. It is a it is a bit of an oddity, guys. I mean, it's not obviously, well, I don't believe it says the word rancor, but it is a rancor. Now, if you put this together, it's quite soft and squidgy. And you can only use a specific type of paint, and it's white as well. So I think most people would have to have it in white. But you also have to, as you're assembling it, it comes uh, completely split in, into several pieces. So you have to add the arms, the legs, and put the body together, and, and the top of the and the head and the jaw. So it's a little bit like the the um, actual toy itself, the Norancor. So the the instructions the instructions are uh, drawn by someone's child, I think, um, with um, Japanese or Korean writing on it, and it really is quite uh, quite quite basic. And not not particularly great, but, <laughs> but the uh, person put it together is uh, actually says in, in the in the little cartoons put it together. Um, it's got the first one translates says what colour should I paint it after he's put it together. Then there's some someone looks like the the person's put it together is dad going stop wasting time and get started on the homework. The next next one is the father looking quite pleased himself that he has told his child to stop wasting time. And um, then it kind of looks like the father has kind of gone in there and and paint it himself to annoy his child so very odd instructions but once put together um it's a really nice little piece really nice little piece guys have you have you even contemplated this even exists before no never seen it great find that i love the header on the um the way the rancor's waving his arms around i don't know whether the, the, the thread you sent us i don't know whether you noticed it but the model at the bottom his tower looks a bit like a winky, <laughs> doesn't it? It is a little bit winky looking. It's not the best positioned um, thing, but uh, it's <laughs> definitely, a, definitely a rancor. And uh, it's it's about six inches, Stu. So you know, it's funny you should be talking about winkles. Um, <laughs> there we go. But yeah, I'm, I mean, uh, just a fascinating find. I, I'd love to know if anyone actually has this. Uh, someone must have it out there because uh, someone's obviously collected it, but. A real oddity. I can't even remember how I came about it either. I think it was just like those random Google searches. But um, yeah, did I mean, you see it, it, if it was on um, the archive? 
it, well, it, I've, I've searched everything with the words on it, but I couldn't find it. I guess because it's completely like non-official, it, I may have got passed by. But um, just to read a little bit from the, this person's report, said it's uh, mightyjabber.com, cracking website actually. Definitely worth having a, uh, having a little play around on this. The kit is made of soft vinyl, and when I say soft, I mean soft. All the parts are quite rubbery and easy to bend or squish. This one feels like a cheap vinyl toy. The level of detail is really quite low. As you can see above, it comes in eight pieces. It needs to be trimmed and adjusted a bit in order to assemble the kit. So uh, it really is a proper kit. But yeah, lovely little thing. Okay, uh, the third one. It's not the most interesting of things in the world. Um, this is it. This is the uh, the Retour de Jedi, Return of Jedi storybook. Now, this was something. This is for the French market. Um, it's a hardback book, and they did one for obviously each film. Now, I just want to mention that there's that in this book they had the cut scene, so they had a, an extra few sort of shots that weren't in the film. Now it seems to be something that, that they tended to do. I guess, I guess, well, I'm trying to work out why. I wonder whether they got sent the pictures to put in these books because if you remember the Star Wars storybook, you had the big scene was in it. Here's a script, here's the pictures, stick it together, blah, 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 before maybe the film got released. So if you watch the cutscenes on YouTube, you'll see all this stuff, you know, the little sort of extended scenes. So I wonder why they did it. I wonder how it got out. I mean, it does seem a bit of an odd one for them to send these these items to manufacturers. So the big scene you can kind of understand because it was in the it wasn't the script. And, you know, these are things that got cut out. But I know you just thought by the turn of the Jedi they, they they would have got over themselves really, but I guess you know last minute trims to these things. Um, any any other theories out there, guys? No, I found that absolutely fascinating. That beat, I, was, I think you've absolutely nailed that. Right, just a couple of little mentions. We've all seen the Rancor Palatoy poster, so uh, you've no, no need for me to mention that. It's done the rounds. You see it on every single collecting website that's out there. And it's also I've got uh, Return of the Jedi Mazes book. And uh, by Happy House. And if you look at page 10, there's Escape from the Rancor's Pit. So another little mention. Now, let's see what stuff you've managed to find. Because there's not a lot. There's not a lot. But there are things out there, normally with like background images and stuff. Let's go. I know Stuart's got something really tempting. Um, let's see if, Rich, have you found, managed to find anything? Well, you knocked off most of the things I've found, except for that uh, bootleg. That's great. A scary 1985 pocket calendar. Um, and that's a picture of the Rancor. Now, I've talked about the pocket calendar before. I can't remember what the image was now. It may have been the Tatooine skiff, I think, possibly, or something else that was pretty tough to find. Um, but, yeah, that, that little pocket, pocket calendar with that shot of the Rancor with the saliva hanging down from his jaws is, is a great shot. So, and, so a that's a mouth. and a bonus mouth. And a bonus mouth, yeah, so 1985 pocket calendar. Love it. And, that's, and I thought the most interesting thing was that pocket calendar you've got there, Rich, because I, I found that is that that was released in Hungary, which, of course, not much licensed product, if any, out there. I think the most interesting fact of what you've brought up, you've overlooked there. I'm a bit, bit disappointed with you, to be honest. <laughs> OK, so good find, Rich, like that. Is there any more in that range of those um, pocket calendars? There are, yeah, because we've talked about it before. Um, there's definitely more of those pocket calendars. There are. There's Jabon Slavelia, Boba Fett and Nikdo, Darth Vader, Endor Bunker... Han Solo, Jabba's Palace Exterior, Luke Skywalker, Nine Gnome, Rancor, Salacious Chrome, Skiff with a Blue Sky, Skiff with a White Sky, and Yoda. I definitely need, anyone knows or find, if you see one of those Slave Lair ones, let me know, because I'd like to have that. That's very nice. 1984, 1985, so 
they were still finding little uh, little cheeky little things even even after a couple of years after Return of the Jedi. Mm, it's very interesting. Love the whole hungry thing. Having been there, great country. Love it. Okay, uh, there is there is one more item which I did mention to the guys. Now, uh, we cover these probably a bit too much, but I wanted to come on to a larger rant about these things because this does annoy me, especially as being a slave lair collector. Now, in the action transfers set, Jabba the Hutt throne room, um, you have got a beautiful scene of Jabba. Uh, it's so out of proportion all over the place, but it doesn't matter because it's, you know, it's good fun. Uh, so you've got Jabba and you've got... Uh, his throne room, you've got loads of characters, you've got Efont Mon, you've got uh the Rebo band, uh we've got all the all the usual things. But Princess Leia, they really are annoying me with Princess Leia. Princess Leia is in her Ewok costume, which is very, very frustrating for slave layer collectors. Um and I had I sort of asked around on this and uh, had a look at other transfer sheets, and in no place do they ever um, give you slave layer. She's always in a different costume. And now I know in the throne room she's obviously you can be Leah Bush and and whatever. But um, in this in this set, I mean, it, you know, this is the ideal one. I mean, you've got Jabba's dais, whatever they call it, Slacious Krum there, an enormous Bib Fortuna, which is far too big. He's all, almost the size of Jabba, a cutaway of the dungeon. You also get a lovely Rancor um, in a couple of parts, in several parts. You get you can you can reposition his head all over the place because it, it was probably a bit too big, I think, to be an actual one transfer because you know this thing covers half the bloody page um but you can't have a little slave layer there i mean you can have a dancing girl you can have gargan the the six chested lady but you can't have Leah in a bikini um very annoying and uh as, as i mentioned top of the show they really they were really trying to taunt me because in in one of the ewok transfer sets um you've got her uh, uh, You've got her showing a lot of thigh in one of them, which you mentioned. So, yeah, annoying. A beautiful rancor set. I don't know why they're picking on me and Princess Leia. You can have you can have Ula in a bikini, but you can't have Princess Leia in a bikini. Any thoughts? You would assume that it would be to do with the the action figures and the lack of Leanna bikini, but that doesn't ring true if you're seeing Ula's there. It is. I mean, I mean, the, the the set. You've got all sorts. You've got even some of the the monsters which they didn't make action figures of. So. You've got they've got one thing I don't even know what he is. If you, I mean you've got the um that Yuzum character, the guy who was then prominent in the in the second release of the, well, so the first release of special versions, we want to call them, which I now denounce completely. Uh, you've even got the the main singer who I didn't even know he was in the in the in the Jabba's throne room at the time. I thought it was a whole new character. I didn't realise they'd actually made him or designed him. So if you look at that. Uh, that page it's uh it's crazy so yeah it's there's a lot of explosions there's even believe it or not in i don't know why you've even got a, a couple of you've got x-wing fighter in there as well two x-wing fighters in the transfer set so um if you thought that uh, the base was getting attacked you can throw an x-wing in there uh attacking your rancor if you wish or darth vader as well and just for a little bit of craziness which they obviously have an obsession you've got not one not two not three but four Admiral Akbars. Because he was obviously the best part of the Jabba's throne room scene, wasn't he? When the Akbar brothers turned up for a bit of a fight with an X-Wing fighter and Darth Vader. 
So, yeah, um, very odd uh, set, but lots of transfers to play with. So your imagination go wild. I need to just bring up one more thing. Uh, Steve Savory sent me this. And this is for sale on eBay. Now, this isn't vintage, but I, I love things like this. When they come up for sale, you just need to get involved because this is a nine-year-old's drawing of a Rancor. And it's not so much the picture. It's pretty cool in the description. We offer you for your consideration an original Rancor hand-drawn and marker-coloured piece of art by a nine-year-old. This art measures 8.5 by 11 on artist paper. The art is coloured in with bright marker and is sure to add colour and adventure to your room. The artist has hand-signed his name on the back. This is sure to be your favourite piece of Star Wars collectible art. But then this is the best bit. We appreciate your support for our family business. And I thought family business. I like the enthusiasm of trying to sell their kids' um, drawings for £9. This is the best one. Sorry. Sorry. I've just just gone again. They've drawn the Bermuda Triangle, Um, (laughs) which is just just amazing. I was hoping for just literally a triangle. (laughs) (laughs) They've gone really into the whole detail of... How like things planes get being sucked into it, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, rancor. What a great, what a great item. We we do search around for them. We try and find bits and pieces. Any anything will do. Anything will do. But we do try and stay clear of the same thing every month. But I thought we did pretty well this month. I thought uh, some of that stuff was pretty interesting. But again, if you've got anything that's rancor, we're thinking, oh god, guys, what are you up to? Why aren't you mentioning this? Everyone knows about this. Please, please let us know, because, you know, we try and we look through books and we look through websites. And we go on the collector's archive, obviously, which is our first poor core. But we don't know everything, you know, believe it or not. You know, we try to. But please help us out. If you've got a Rancor item out there, which we haven't mentioned. And if anyone has a Rancor focus, please get in contact. Let us know. Give us a rundown of uh, that massive shelf of Rancor items that we've completely avoided because of our incompetence. Anyway. We'll see you next month. Aren't you quite surprised that um, there isn't more? Like I am. You could have had a crossover with The Godfather and you could have had Rancor Leone. And now the top five price Rancor items according to StarWarsTracker.com. At five, the concept for Rancor in Return of the Jedi was described by its creators as a cross between a bear and a potato. Stuart Skinner is a cross between a smurf and a rhubarb, and it's why he does podcasts and not TV. It's a complete loose rancor for £4.26. Ben Burt said in the Galactic Phrase Book and Travel Guide that he created the rancor sounds from those of a dachshund. Listen out for those aggressive roars whilst watching Crufts. It's the highest loose specimen for £93. In a three, George Lucas originally had the Rancor surviving and then becoming Luke's Jedi apprentice in Episode 7. However, Daisy Ridley won the part because she has a much cuter nose. It's a Kenner Canada complete Rancor with box for £217. Rancors were native to the planet Dathomir, with their long arms, immense jaws and armoured hides. Many have compared them to Richard Hutchinson. It's a mint seal palatal Rancor for £372. And straight in at number one, a murder of crows, a bellowing of bullfinches, a schnaffle schnaffle of tauntauns, and according to Galactic Basic, a crash of rancors. It's a mint-sealed Kenner for £398. See you guys next time on the StarWarsTracker.com Top 5. Right, so I want to welcome back Darren McAleese for this month's Rapid Fire. 
Are you ready, Darren? Hey, yes, all good. Uh, what's your favourite Star Wars movie? Empire Strikes Back. And what about your favourite Star Wars scene? Cantina. What's your favourite on-screen character? Darth Vader. And what's your favourite Disney-era movie? Solo. Which actor or crew member would you most like to meet? See, I would say Alec Guinness, but I knew he hated it so much that I'd want to go with somebody that actually liked it. Yeah, you know, um, Harrison's in the same boat as that, so... No, I'm going to go with Alec Guinness, why not? What's your favourite on-screen costume? Stormtrooper. What's your favourite piece of Star Wars music? Imperial March. If you could own any prop from any of the movies, what would you own? Anakin's lightsaber. What was your favourite figure as a child? Snaggletooth. And what's your favourite figure now? Vinyl Cape Jawa. Which figure do you really wish they'd made in the vintage line? Tarkin. Which vintage playset is your favourite? Cantina. And the Palatoy Cantina, not the American one. And what about vehicle? Imperial Shuttle. Which is your favourite card back artwork? 12 back R2. What's the best Star Wars convention you've ever attended? Joint first has to be Celebration Essen and California, which would have been the last California. What is your favourite Star Wars book? Can be reference or novel? Oh, right. I really love Shadows of the Empire. Uh, what was the last vintage item you purchased? Canadian shrink wrap snow speeder. And what is your Holy Grail item? ESB, Call Toys, and Java. Nice. Darren, thank you so much for that. That was uh, nice and smooth. Cheers, <laughs> mate. That was actually really smooth. Right, boys, we are back just so I can play this theme tune. Right, going for gold leader. We all know the rules now. We all know what we're doing. We'll unmute. Don't forget, you can say stop in each clue. Have a guess. You may as well have a guess. Don't worry about looking silly. Jez is never worried. And uh, no, he's still. And have I got Steve's points from last month? Have no, I? Steve. Steve gets it. Guests can come on. They can pick the the point up. It doesn't matter. That's the kind of <laughs> that's the luxury of the game. <laughs> okay, so six clues. Remember, stay stop. If you just shout the answer out, you'll be banished. Banished from life. Basically, just banished from the community. We will become an outcast. You will be Jawa's outpost, people. Okay. <laughs> a rare limited release in Canada in 1980 used my on-screen character name. Peter. <laughs> You're going to say stop, but yeah, Pete. <laughs> Yuck face. <laughs> That's incorrect. Bum. Okay. No one else in 1980. <laughs> very, I don't know. I just went for something that came to my head. That, that that's the idea, Jez. There's no there's no ridicule here, mate. Okay, this yeah. you know, going to be a little game. He's had a go, hasn't he? What have you done? <laughs> Just sat there. <laughs> Clue two. My first appearance was in a Sears exclusive playset. Peter, stop. Pete. Blue snag. <laughs> that's incorrect. Anyone else? I'll move on. Clue three. Sculpt variations include changes to my backpack, belt, and collar. Stop. Rich. Ugnaught? That's incorrect. Anyone else? Uh, Jez, stop. <laughs> Dengar? Go on for Dengar, that's incorrect. Pete, do you want to stop me before I carry on? Uh, stop. Oh, uh, Stormtrooper. That's incorrect. <laughs> Clue four. I first appeared 
on a standard Kenner card in 1982 on a 45 back. Stop. Pete. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, uh, Leah Bespin. <laughs> Leah Bespin is incorrect. Stop. Get closer. Pete Rich. Han Bespin. And Bespin, no. Just going to say stop because he. It's going to be. Oh, it's going to be something like. It's, yeah, it's going to stop. It's going to be something like a, a Rebel Commander. Rebel Commander. That, that's incorrect. Uh, clue number five. I came with a blue Bespin blaster. Stop. Jez. Rebel Soldier. That's incorrect. Stop. Pete. Leahoff. Leahoff's incorrect. Stop. Rich. Is this the General Viaz Atat uh, Commander? It is Rich. Rich is oh, oh, the point. Rich. Yes. Rich, he, in man. 1980, he appeared on a Kenner um, Kenner card, um, a Canadian card with General Veers as his name, although his Kenner card didn't come out until 82. And wow. he first appeared in an Sears exclusive. The final clue was my character doesn't appear in my card art. So, Rich, well done, your first point. That means Jez is the only one without a point. Yeah. Well, that's fair enough, wasn't it? Oh, uh, that old I'm not here he Did you say he had a backpack? Uh, yeah, well, I had to get the... Um, I got the information from the old books, and uh, I got it out. I don't think it's a backpack, but there is, it is classed as backpack variation when you look at all the variations on the figures. Mm. Yeah, he does have like a square. Like a little funny it? square thing on the very yeah. top of his back, yeah. It's ballistic. That's what it is. It's just his normal uniform with a ballistic plate. Oh, get, it, get him in his old technical analysis. <laughs> well, yeah. he's the only one without a victory. It doesn't <laughs> surprise me. Um <laughs> I would love to go back and see the actual general, the general amount of wins in quizzes, because I think Jess would be quite low. Controversial. No. Well, I'm more than you. It wouldn't be if you said wingers. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be very high up with that one. I was going I'd, to... Sorry, I'd Jess. I'd rather not have any points. I'd rather not have any points than get points based on inaccuracies, because the attack commander does not have a backpack. Guys, let me just open up my Jez's Guide to Collectibles and let me have a look. Oh, look, there's no backpack in there. Okay, fine, Jez, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just... Um, you can just imagine if Jez writes a book, can't you, a, a collecting book, it's just going to be like scribbles of orange crayon on every page. Pictures <laughs> <laughs> of the uh, Rebel <laughs> Transporter. Uh, in fact, just pictures of Rebel Transport all the way through. Yeah, that's fine. That's all right. Yeah. I'll call it My Family and Other Animals. Hey, it's 24 <laughs> minutes to two. Can we just... Can we just... Can you're, we just you're the one going friend? on. You're the one going on. Thank you to someone. The time is right. It's time for you. For you to play the game. Cause people are coming. Everyone's trying. Trying to be the best that they can. To reach for the sky. Cause the stakes are so high. Later. Rich, have we had much feedback? Well, I've got lots of feedback, and first of all, I just want to talk about an award that we won. Completely came out of the blue. So, some company on Twitter sent us a tweet saying, uh, these are our top four vintage podcasts, and if you're on the list, you know, well done. And we were one of the four, and I couldn't believe it. We were like, what? Where's this come from? Absolutely brilliant. So, I've just done a little bit of research into this to say, you know, how we were chosen, how we were selected. I just want to say I'm really pleased, and I think, lads, we thoroughly deserve this award. Um, I think, you know, it's just desserts for all of the hard work that we've put in over the last couple of five years now. So, the podcast were chosen uh, based on the following, Google Reputation and Google Search Ranking. So, uh, that's nice to know that we've got a reputation. 
Influence. Google search what? Vankin. Yeah, just check on Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> I've got to say, I think the same as this. I heard it as well. Yeah, just typically used to. Influence and popularity on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media sites. I knew doing something on Vivo would make a difference here. Quality and consistency of posts and the Feedspot editorial team and their expert reviews of the podcasts. And uh, that's just absolutely amazing. So I just want to quickly whiz through the others in there that, you know, just shows how, um, you know, how we've been ranked. So the first one is Retrogasmic, and that was a vintage retro podcast about everything vintage and retro. Uh, classic cars, B-movies, pin-up girls, groovy music. That sounds like Stu's Garage, actually. The second one is Retronauts, which is about gaming podcasts. The third one was, I think this one's Jez, Floppy Days. <laughs> uh, that's about uh, vintage computing. The fourth one was us, which as I said was, was us the fourth one. The next one is Fitzall. It's about antique and vintage tools. Again, another one about Jez. The next one, <laughs> it gets worse. The next... <laughs> you are it. Yeah, we're covering slowly. The next one is Pre-Loved Podcast, which is about um, rad vintage style and guests. People who you want to go thrifting. <laughs> People that you want to go thrifting with. <laughs> that's great, that it. Press play on tape. I've heard of that one before. That's a vintage computer podcast um, about eight and six B computers. Uh, the old time radio hour, which is about um, vintage uh, radio programs and and commentaries and things like that. And it's only listening eight. So why is it only listening eight when it's a top tip? But no, I don't know who the other who the last two are. It's a shame that's only listening eight. So if anybody's got any interest in the other ones, those are the ones that they've said are the best podcasts. So thanks very much to um, Feed Post and thanks for reviewing our podcasts. It's very much appreciated. Now, moving on to regular podcasts, uh, sorry, moving on to regular feedback. So, Stu, where do we always go when we start our feedback? Oh, good question. Um, is it Vero? Nope, it's not. And I'm actually going to go to iTunes because quite a while ago now, we did another plug for iTunes reviews. And two came in quite quickly, which I'd put on my list, but I've missed them out for some reason. But we've had another couple as well. So thanks very much for the following people who have left us reviews on iTunes. The first one is TX Optimus. You you guys do a great job of keeping this hobby of ours lighthearted. Um, and that's from Carlos. Well, Carlos, thanks very much for that. We do have the odd occasional moan about the state of the hobby, but we do everything we can to keep things as positive as we can, so thanks very much for that. Um, the next one's from Gripper Jenkins. Reminds me a bit of Green Chill, that Gripper Jenkins. Uh, best podcast around for Vintage Star Wars Info, so thanks very much for that. Two more from the States. We've got uh, Be Right Bob 1. A good group of friends always feels like I'm part of the gang. So, yep, Be Right Bob. If, uh, you know, forgive you a little bit of joy, great, and hopefully see you in Chicago. And the next one is Chichla Jedi, who's also from America, possibly even from Chicago, actually. Um, so if you're all there, by all means, uh, if you see one of us, just let me know who you are. Punch just in the face, something like that. And then, uh, you know, certainly introduce yourself. And he's put on the best knowledge on vintage Star Wars collectibles out there. I love how you guys pick and tease Jez. <laughs> That's brilliant, that. So well done, that Jez, Chichla Jedi. Uh, and he's put his end of that one there with much love. So, Stu, I'm going to say generally, first of all, we are absolutely massively pleased with the amount of support we've received on outing troublemakers and slime from the Jabba's Outpost discussion that we started off the last show with. We certainly don't like starting the show off on a negative, but Stu, you felt it particularly passionate about that. You felt it was something that you had to get off your chest. We all support you on this one. We got lots and lots of messages um, from admins of other Facebook groups um, who've said that they've tossed all the names that we mentioned on the last show. 
So thanks very much to those who probably messages us. Your appreciation is very much supported. Now, Stu, I believe that you've got some messages as well from uh, people who you'd like to bring up. Um, well, well, basically, I got numerous me- uh, private messages. Some people apologising uh, for being on the group. Well, that's no one's fault. I was on that group as well. I was on that group as well, and it wasn't, you know, I, I hadn't really looked at it. You know, I don't know the sort of people that were on there. So it wasn't apologies. It was just people not, who have read it and not speaking up. Now, I had numerous people message me saying they'd left the group. They thought it was disgusting. I had people I've never heard of before messaging me saying, um, well done for calling them out. The group is disgraceful. One of the individuals I mentioned, I'm not going to mention their name again. Uh, they said, yeah, this bloke's got a reputation for it. He's renowned for it. I had a bit of a bit of a discussion with the main bloke that I, I mentioned on that thread. He's basically just drawn a line under it. That's fine if that's what they want to do. I had another one of their admins come at me a little bit. I'm not going to name him as well, but uh, basically I think you're the biggest moron of a lot of them. Yeah, I, I think it's been, it's been put to bed. I think people have left the group. Like you say, people have contacted us and don't want anything to do with it. I have shared the screen grabs with two people who I believe uh, wanted to see before they made any changes to their group. So, yeah, I, I think it's had a, all right, Jowers is still going to exist and it's still going to exist with certain types of people who want to go on there and do want to support that kind of thing. That's, that's their choice. But um, it was nice to see that a lot of people do have some standards and have have moved away from that group because they don't want to be involved or connected with that. No more mentioning Jawas on here. Disgraceful. I can't abide those Jawas. Disgusting creatures. So cheers for that, uh, cheers for that, Stu. Okay then, so back over to Stars from UK, which is where we usually start. So many thanks to everybody who's left us some feedback. Um, and what was really pleasing to read were the amount of people who were touched by Paul Davis around that story, especially about how open he was with depression and how he's dealt with it. And quite a few guys have come on and said, you know, like such as Gareth Pacific, someone who suffered from depression and anxiety in the past and still to this day, it was interesting to hear him talk about it so openly. I had a really bad spell the first six months or so of last year, and only my wife knew. It was getting to know a few people on here and at certain events which I attended which helped my road to recovery immensely. And that's absolutely fantastic, you know, as a working in school, uh, talking to kids about depression and things like that, and especially um, boys and, and men about how it's not seen as a sign of weakness anymore. Uh, which it may have been when we were younger. The Jabberwocky just started listening to this episode. My back flared up on Christmas Eve and I was in a bit of a pain, massive grump and not really able to play with my daughter. I started listening to it on my Christmas morning walk and it cheered me up no end. Well, maybe not the Jabber's Outpost rant, but definitely the fathers from Recap and Jez's input in at the quiz. Much better mood for Christmas now. Cheers, guys. Yep, thanks for that one, Jabberwocky. Uh, I just want to say there that for those who've not heard the quiz... Um, on the latest episode of Making Tracks, which is from Thunder Tracks, they've got the full quiz in all of its glory. Uh, a couple of subtle dig- digs in there with Jez too, which I think is absolutely great, and that's very much appreciated, guys. Lamborda will live on. A correction, I made a mistake on last month's podcast, and both Andy Norton and Justin Lee got in contact with me very, very quickly. The small wing Darth Vader post was entirely Andy and had nothing to do with Justin. Justin did an article on variants instead, and I got the two titles mixed up. So thanks for that one, both guys. I'm glad to correct that. Um, Spoon's really great to hear around our story. I love hearing how collectors and collections have changed over the years, and Gus's talk of Father's form was similar in that respect. Um, kudos to talk to, discuss his illness, a brave man. It's great that more and more mental health and well-being issues are considered. It makes it all the more sad that Stu had to start the podcast talking about some really ignorant people. Glad that Facebook group is well off my radar. And I think we all feel that way, so cheers for that, Spoons. 
So more f good feedback from Ed as usual talking about Jawas, uh, but he's also put on there, I had no idea about the battle scam he's put in speech marks here, uh, but I really have no sympathy for anybody in that group as it was bound to end in tears and quite a few people on Facebook have commented on that. Gambling and raffles are licensed for a reason, it's too easy to get conned. I don't see what the winner can complain about anyway, even if everything in the set was fake, it's probably mo worth more than the tickets that they bought. I have to say that there has been a number of collectors who have actually contacted us and said that they totally support the Battles Group and that this could have happened in any group. There is also a fellow collector who wishes to remain anonymous who's going to write a message which I was hoping to have for this show but he hasn't been able to deliver it yet so if he does deliver it I will record that over and then this bit has been cut otherwise it will be on next month's show but he's got some opinions that he wants to mention about the Battles Group. Now, I have listened to what everybody said about the Battles Group, and I do, with, I do understand from a certain point of view, and a lot of people have said that this could happen in any group, and I suppose that is true, but I can't see how you can pay for goods and services on the Battles Group to protect yourself. How is that even possible? If somebody explained that one to me, then fine, but I just, I just can't see it at the moment. Um, thanks very much for the comments from Stefan, Drew Tebow, Chris TK, and many other people, both on Facebook and on uh, stores for me okay that's great and also a massive shout out to dan solo um on twitter uh dan solo and Tantive and plenty of other people now have been liking sharing our face uh, twitter posts they've been commenting on uh, lots of things tagging us on twitter and it's absolutely exploded over there in the last few months um i couldn't believe it when i got it one morning there's something like 60 odd messages on uh, on Twitter, so thanks very much for everybody who's done that. Uh, we've had lots and lots of great interaction on there. So, Stu, if anybody wants to leave us any feedback on episode 56 or wants to just basically comment to any of us in general, what's the best way of doing that? Yeah, they can find us on Facebook by searching The Vintage Rebellion. Uh, they can also find us on Instagram by also searching The Vintage Rebellion. On Twitter is at SWTVR Podcast. And it'd be lovely to get a couple of emails, wouldn't it? So, swtvrpodcast at gmail.com if you do want to send us a lovely email. Don't worry, Jez doesn't tend to check it, so you won't get a reply from him. It will be from one of the uh, the rest of us, which obviously is a bonus. Um, You're all being really, really brave tonight, aren't you? Thousands of miles away, <laughs> representing a coalition, and uh, you're all feeling a little bit safe. Whereas when we're in Chicago, we're like, "Oh, you're right, Jez. Oh, I'm a little bit scared. We're in Chicago. Will you look after me?" <laughs> I've, no, I've, no, I've no idea what you're going on about, mate. Go and have another. You ain't coming back in the country, anyway, Jez. Yeah, go and have another you're, fake you're, you're tan, mate. You ain't coming back. Have you seen the colour of him, Pete? He keeps having spray tans. He looks really funny. Yeah, very brilliant. Spray tans? Spray tans? In Sandblasting water. Yeah. Yeah, well, he thinks he looks chiselled. That's what he's told me earlier in the week. I look, I look chiselled at the moment. I don't know what I mean. I don't know what I mean. Right, um, thank yous to this month's guests, uh, Darren McAleese, Evan Hoyt Wasserstrom, Andrew Norton, Steve Savory and Chris Georgulius. Massive thank you as always. Um, I think that's it for this month, boys. I think I think Jez wants to go to bed. I think Pete wants to eat more chocolate cake with ice cream um, <laughs> sitting in his pants because oh, it's his birthday. And Rich wants to just be naturally dull. So it is goodbye from Rich. Later, guys.
It's goodbye from Jez. Goodbye, everyone. See you soon. Do you um just wear the little pants, or do you take it all off to be orange? <laughs> um, mate, I there are no there are no suntan places out here. It's just a little bit of snow at the moment. It's quite cold. Just to put your head right down, so you don't get a line across your forehead. <laughs> and it is also yes, mate, whatever you want. <laughs> and it is goodbye from Pete. Happy birthday to me, happy birthday to me, please send me a Death Star, happy birthday to me. And it is goodnight from me, and remember... Only you can decide with Star Wars toys. This podcast is not endorsed by Disney, Lucasfilm Limited, 20th Century Fox, or anybody who cares about the Star Wars franchise. It is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The official Star Wars website can be found at www.starwars.com. All names and sounds of Star Wars are registered trademarks of Lucasfilm Limited and other associated copyright holders. All of the original content of this podcast are the intellectual copyrights of the Vintage Rebellion. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to email swtvrpodcast at gmail.com. If you don't enjoy this podcast, tough. Are Star Wars products going to have the durability of, say, that old favourite, the teddy bear? Come on, Rich, screw the nut. Flippin' heck. Stu, um, it says that the Princess Leia is now um, averaging at £65 the last three or four months. That's what I paid, so. All right. I'll have a look at something. What, what's rich is having a think, right? I've got my Star Wars Return of the Jedi comic here, okay? And it's 25p per edition. Now, in the, um, were kids really thick or am I being mega dumb? Because it says that this is the mailing company subscription. Why don't you order 26 issues? Now, I need to make sure that I'm not being dumb. Yeah, yeah. 26 issues for £8. But if they're 5p each... So that means you could get four issues for a pound. Mm-hmm. Four eighths are what, Stu? What are four eighths? Sorry, third, right? yeah. Yeah. So if you were to buy these comics individually and spend eight pound, you could get 32. Oh, get a subscription and get six less. I don't understand the logic behind the subscriptions. Is that number there, one? Because what it's saying is, ah, it's just, it's subscriptions. It says autos subscription lists are mailed monthly weekly titles are collated as published and mailed out monthly in batches of four or five copies at a time yeah, that's so not only do you get your comics late <laughs> yeah but not only do you get your comics late because obviously you'll get them when the fourth or fifth one is out so <laughs> so all your mates who are going to the shop and spending 25 a time not only are they quids in literally they've got them before you mugs are Right, I've just muted him because he's doing me nothing. Right. Um, <laughs> Stu, you're going to have to add this in, okay, to maybe. Sorry yeah, about okay, mate. Yeah, right. no, and... so, right. you can move on now. Rich, did you remote? Did yeah. you just remotely mute me? How yeah, did, on earth yeah. have you. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how to do that. <laughs> you couldn't do it. Oh, you, it's I the can't new version believe of you just remotely muted me. <laughs> no, what I was going to say. <laughs> right? I thought you were joking. No, no, 
I figured out what we're doing. I was like, I'm... Yeah, cheeky, cheeky get. Hey, check this out. Please allow six weeks for first delivery. All subscription orders must be prepaid in pounds sterling or US dollars. One pound sterling equals two dollars. I just let that sink in. One pound sterling is two dollars. It's about um, about dollar five now, isn't it, to a pound? Did I did I miss some here? What's Jez on about? Uh, I don't know. Who knows, mate? I think he's on his own little world. I think he's like sitting. Where did the comic thing come from? Secret Santa, were you not listening? No, I wasn't. I went off for a wee. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) mate. It's a really good comic. I like it a lot. You guys. Come on, let's do the final bit quickly. Come on, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. Right, much love. See you guys soon, yeah. yeah bye. Soon. Let's, let's bye. See you later. Happy birthday, Pete. Happy birthday, Pete. Happy uh, birthday. Thank you, bye. That was yesterday, or was today? Did you just blast yesterday. him off? I had a boot on <laughs> Go on, <laughs> Pete. Straight in. Let's do this. <clears throat> okay. Okay, so Rich, over to your final topic top loading bubble protectors. Anyone hoping this one doesn't go on too long? I haven't Ooh. got much an answer for my sorry. question. Sorry. Sorry. Um, I, I, this has probably got nothing to do with it whatsoever, but it just jumped into my head about the um, Y14. So I just time <laughs> it's not even close, but it's just 14 years is the closest to 5,000 days. So I don't know if they're like, oh, yeah, 5,000 days is far enough or something like that, because 14 is uh, 5,110. <laughs> you can tell I'm tired. <laughs> I was just like, mm, I wonder why. I wonder what 14 times 365 is. Let's have a third outtake. It's, it's a theory. It's a theory. <laughs> you know, some of these things are strange. It could be, it could not necessarily be days. It could be months, you know. Makes me laugh. He, he, he's desperate to go to bed and then he comes up with that. <laughs> apparently, apparently it's, it's something that went back to uh, 1790. Maybe it's a life expectancy of them back then. It, it was just each pattern not exceeding 14 years. So it just meant that they randomly decided all those years ago. So why it's still going on now, I do not know. But that was 1790 to 1830. was 14 years from issuance. How strange. Thank you, Peter, for being in, bringing something cerebral to the actual conversation as opposed to just Mickey taking from Richard and Stuart. So, um, but that's a United States some quality and class to the podcast. It's his birthday. He's got a little cheeky grin on his face because he's just had some cake. Uh, no, um, not cake. Lovely chocolate ice cream. My treat for the day. That's my birthday present. Is it on your nose? It is all over my face. Peter, how do you feel about this? When he said shut up, you two, he was talking to Pete and Stu. Pete, it's your birthday, but actually here it's one twenty-three in the morning, so it's no longer your birthday. How do you feel about that? I'm talking what? to you. And it's not your birthday anymore. 